What's up? Mm. Hope everything's well with you guys. This is episode 37 of the Becoming Human podcast, and I am your host, Will Nelson. In this episode of the podcast, I sit down with James Fitz. He's a comedian from Bellingham, Washington. Ever since he was a kid, he's dreamed of being a comedian. I would enjoy his perspective on life. And his fascination with children. And how we learn. And our interactions with each other through learning. Whether it's parent and child. Or older child, younger child. It really resonates with me. In my experiences trying to raise my son. And... A lot of the stuff that I've learned from trying to raise him. James is a really kind guy and he tries really hard. It's very inspiring to watch someone who's dedicated to a given discipline. Who's certain of what they enjoy. As someone who's spent his life Dipping his toes into a variety of disciplines, it's a very refreshing perspective for me to meet someone like James and to listen to his experience. And go check out James. You can find him on uh, on his social media in the show notes. And while you're at it, go to our Amazon store. Buy beautiful presents, toilet paper. Flowers, wait, they might sell flowers. Fake flowers if they don't. For your loved ones. It's almost Christmas. Because, you know, buying shit for them means you love them. Maybe not. Still, go to our affiliate link and buy plastic. You can find the link in the show notes or on the website, uh, com. And... Yeah, and I will play you out with some music by the Living Arrows called I Am Not My Thoughts. I figure it's suiting for this episode. If you guys enjoy this episode, please rate, review, and share on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you can. What I heard, I always hear that like, when you get glasses, mm-hmm. your vision just goes downhill fast from there. Oh, because you're not working it? Mm-hmm. I, I can see that. I can believe it. There's a... I don't know. I was, like, into, like, some woo-woo science when I was a kid. Uh-huh. And, uh Or, what is it? I guess you'd call it pseudoscience, kind of? Yeah, yeah. What I mean... And there were... Uh, it was a guy, though, he just taught... It was a doctor, and mm-hmm. he said, if you stare at the sun... Oh, that was his cure? Because I actually do believe there are cures for it. Like, Mm -hmm. beyond, like, uh, beyond laser, like, my mom had the laser eye thing, and that worked for her for, like, 15 years, and it started deteriorating again. But I had a friend, Joey Lim, Mm -hmm. and he, his eyes just got better. What? Yeah, and he was the kind of person who would, like, trick you for a really, really long time, (laughs) like, play a super long trick for, like, years and years, but... (laughs) So he w- he claimed that he did eye exercises. Oh, what? Yeah. Like Kegel exercises? Well, one of the things you do is like, um, 
every once in like it's bad to like stare at a screen because it's a fixed focal depth. Uh huh. I don't know why I'm looking over it. <laughs> um, but so that's why it's good every once in a while to like change and like look up and look at oh, different things because yeah. it's the, your eye focusing at distances is like an important thing. Mm-hmm. So there were like exercises you do that are like that times ten or something like that. Um, and then just like a gentle eye massage. <laughs> Like, supposedly it's really good for your eyes. I, I, I looked into it a little bit, and, like, I, I don't know. Almost like I never did the eye massage because I wear contacts, and it, yeah. it's not, it doesn't work that way. Oh, that would not. Fuck that. It'd be, it'd be backwards. Yeah, exactly. That was, um, it's interesting because it reminds me with people with footwear, for instance. Oh, like, interesting. Yeah, you know, I noticed you wear those toe toe mm-hmm. shoes. And there was, like, um, individuals, they they have like uh, hammer toes or um, oh, yeah. stuff, even Those with poor, like arthritic poor feet. Ugh. And it's like that, then they'll get orthotics, right? Yeah. That'll like uh, prevent their foot from having to, you know, deal with like the pain and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it almost becomes a cast over yeah, time. Yeah, no, definitely. And like I feel sometimes in our medical industry, we will like uh, cushion mm. or protect the thing that is injured. And. Mm. Instead of doing like instead of just letting the person die, yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> die alone, helpless. <laughs> yeah, well, I was like, all right, well, my foot could get better, but I guess it's not. So, yeah. what am I gonna do? Well, like with the foot incidents, instead of having orthotics, if you just chop it off and get a robot, exactly. One. Is that really where you were going? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, no. you just uh, you. You start training their foot like it's almost like a muscle, so you start oh, working. Yeah, yeah. So if they have issues, instead of like protecting it, mm-hmm. you would uh, slowly put it through more and more rig- rigorous like exercises. Yeah, like. that sounds like a lot of work, though. Yeah, exactly. And work, uh, uh-uh. uh. Yeah, I'd rather eat. Cheetos. I'd rather cut it off and get a robot. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and Literally. if you're like depending on it, you'll be able to jump higher and shit yeah. too. Yeah. Well, and it also like. Sometimes you're it's you're too old. Mm-hmm. Like I think age is a part of that too. It, is it though? Like you have people who do uh, strenuous activity um, far into their their older years or whatever, despite um, like despite what doctors say sometimes. Because there's an yeah, but I think that it, it's I'm it's more like all of a sudden you can't be fifty and be like, all right, I'm going to the NBA. Yeah, you know? like there's reasons that like professional athletes there's a cutoff mm-hmm. or there's injuries that they don't come back from and they do at different ages mm-hmm. you know well though you're looking at like with athletes they're doing exceptional strenuous activity yeah no that's and true that's like everyday kind of stuff is different yeah and there's um several studies where like people who, who specialize in a sport Mm-hmm. Um, will actually have some um, health risks when oh, they're yeah, older yeah, because like it's like, elbow or yeah, because like then you're not like so. What you find when you do like uh, jujitsu, for instance, uh-huh. and if you like spread it around by doing other like yoga, mm-hmm. um, yoga would help you in ways that jujitsu might not. Yeah, yeah, even if you only did yoga part time. But who the fuck has time for that shit? You're I right. Like yoga, yoga's a good one. Yeah. Of all the things I've I've tried, I've tried a lot of different things, mm-hmm. and. Uh, one of the th- the things I like the best is a strict yoga instructor, like very strict. Really? Yes. Have you? Yeah, like like, like Asian tiger moms. Oh shit! Fucking want to jump Lay down, like shoulders back, head down. You know, like damn. Yeah. So then I just don't even think. Yeah. I'm just not thinking for the whole hour. You know what? You should get a dominatrix. <laughs> <laughs> I've been considering that. 
Well, don't need anything it is wrong. weird because it's not it's not something I like in any other it. Like it's it's more meditation, I guess. Like yeah. it's relaxing rather than like uh, requiring energy of me. Mm-hmm. Like it requires less energy because I don't have to make the decision. Oh, I see. That's, yeah, yeah. That makes sense because I would resent routine, like when in my youth. Oh yeah. And now I um, seek like uh, structure. Uh, yeah. So um, structure rather, but like with martial arts mm-hmm. and uh, even yoga as well. I, I get what you're saying because when I have someone telling me what to do and I have to operate in a strict system, it just allows me to be just now. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. Right yeah, now. instead of running the hamster wheel. Yeah, of instead my of mind. being like, should I push it as hard as I can? You know, like there's no there's no room in my brain for my own tangential thoughts, mm-hmm. which is pretty much the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so in this very specific instance, I, that's what I like to yoga for. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's the trap when, you know, I don't have time, for instance. Mm. I ran into that and I still run yeah, into Everybody has thing. time. It's bullshit. Exactly, man. I squeezed in like a, even five-minute, ten-minute yoga sessions every morning. Oh, yeah. Good move. Yeah. And that, dude, yeah, that no, helps, That's man. so key. I did that... I. So I started doing that and, um, like, add gentle massage to it, too. Oh, really? Yeah, well, you yeah. masturbate and do yoga? <laughs> <laughs> really? This is interesting. I'm yeah, yeah. I, I use, uh, I just have, like, coconut oil. I got, like, one of those, like, gallon of coconut oil at mm-hmm. Costco or whatever. Oh, God. And uh, just, I, I started with just foot massage because I'm on my feet. I walk all, the, all day. Yeah. Um, so I was like, oh, this is a good investment because, like, Walking all day, I literally walk like twelve miles a day, just because I'm walk because my job I'm on my feet walking Are all you day. A post office dude. No, I work at the I work at the casino, the the uh, Skagit Casino. Or oh whatever. whoa! And so I'm on the floor, but basically I just walk the whole time, and I really like it because I love walking. Like it's really good for you. Like I think it's good for your mind too. Yeah, it really is. It's uh, anyway, there's a lot of things I like about walking, but uh, my feet will not be happy if i don't <laughs> yeah. invest massage and stretching into my day mm-hmm. yeah. and that makes sense especially you're like on concrete too right or that's eh, carpet or whatever yeah but yeah it's not like it's yeah i'm not wearing vibrams uh, see i never thought i'm wearing like i mean i wear pretty comfortable shoes but it's mm-hmm. i wear them in pretty hard <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> and i think even just putting on the miles because to be honest with you like um with putting on Vibrams, for instance, mm-hmm. it was initial discomfort. Of course, I slowly built myself into it. Like only wore it, you know, yeah. one day a week, two days a week, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after a while, it's literally like nothing. Oh, and yeah. even so much to where I'm very stubborn, so I wear it despite like the rain and the cold. Oh, yeah, yeah. And at first, it would hurt. And then I was like, you know what, whatever. And now it's just numbness. Pretty yeah, much. I think in some ways that that's like a good investment, like to build durability Mm -hmm. but then to a certain point it's like what am i building like what am i building it for i think you almost you always run into that to where there's no like polar polarizing option it's usually somewhere in the middle yeah yeah exactly it's usually somewhere in the middle not going extreme i found that in my own exploration with like uh the footwear and stuff just Mm -hmm. a lot of things that i did i'm like well, if my effort is the only thing that um, is, gets in the way mm-hmm. of me being successful or, you know, wearing the shoes and, you know, running or some bullshit, 
Uh, and then I'm like, I'll just ramp it up. <laughs> I got, dude, I got sick. Like, I started getting runny noses and stuff like that. My yeah, immune system just Yeah, you always want to go too hard right at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, you, I've, I've found a lot in the last year or so that uh, diligence is so much more important mm. than, uh, uh, like, an initial, the initial burst of energy. I mm-hmm. mean, starting is the most important part. But diligence is the second most, I think. I would almost say that's one of the most highly valued um, skills within our society because a lot of things that are lucrative, Mm. which independent um, jobs, projects, um, Mm. art, whatever. Owning your own company, Mm -hmm. that's lucrative. Yeah, and uh, it requires diligence above all because no one's like, do this fucking thing or I'll fire you. It's like... Mm. You yeah, start yeah, it, yeah, and if yeah, you're going to stop it, yeah. Self-discipline. And usually in the beginning, there's not much of a reward. Yeah, like, no, definitely. Yeah. To be able to put off your reward is like a, a big sign of uh, intelligence, too. Mm-hmm. Like, there was this, there's this classic psychology study where what they did was they put a kid in a room with a marshmallow. Yeah. And they're like, if you wait five minutes, we'll come back, and you can have two marshmallows. Hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And it's delayed gratification. Oh, like, okay. okay. I'm not going to eat this marshmallow now because I'll get more if I wait. And, like, it's a sign of intelligence how much you can wait. So, like, you can think of a very basic animal, like a squirrel. It's not waiting. (laughs) (laughs) Right? I want my nuts now. I want it now. But if you're, like, Warren Buffett, you'll be like, I'm saving this penny for when I'm 82 years old. (laughs) (laughs) I think delayed gratification within uh, skills and disciplines is very valuable for me on like a personal level mm-hmm. and um but not so much on a financial level like say stockpiling oh, up for yeah. retirement yeah, and shit that's, like oh well, that's complicated too it really is complicated like especially given you know what your physical state at that age and what you're able to do oh, like, yeah, yeah exactly that's where i've gotten really angsty when i was younger because i met a lot of old farts and they just were so fucking depressed. Oh, yeah, because they, like, wasted youth kind of thing? Yeah, wasted youth, and Mm -hmm. then um, the discipline that they invested in, um, it demanded time from them. Oh, yeah. like, so, they were in the, some of them were chefs. Oh, okay. And, like, not all chefs are are in this situation, but they were, like, the highest, they're a head chef in a restaurant, Mm -hmm. and they were, like, fucking six days a week. 12-hour days? Ugh. Salary? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd yeah. rather fucking Chefs work way too money. hard. Yeah, exactly, man. <laughs> oh, yeah, notoriously too hard, and, like, the people don't know it going in. Mm-hmm. They yeah, don't. There's a lot of burnouts from uh, quiz or chef school. What do they call it? Yeah. Cuisine school. That's yeah, not cuisine it either. school. No, that's <laughs> what <laughs> Fuck. Culinary. Yeah, culinary the school. Culinary there we school. go. Fancy word. Yeah, culinary. <laughs> I, I, yeah, let's yeah, it, it is kind of hard, because um, I remember I got someone hired when I was in high school, because uh-huh. he just had a kid, and it was after my son was born, so I had some sympathy. I'm like, man, yeah, let me get you a job. You know, mm-hmm. it pays eight fifty an hour, and that's a dollar more than minimum wage. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, sure. I get him a job, and he's just, like, runs out crying the next day. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, all the dishes are stacked. He's like, I can't do it. He's older than me, and I'm like. He couldn't. <laughs> he just gave up. Yeah, that's dude, I was funny. Like, by that time, I can't do it, <laughs> dude. Just imagine the buildup of that panic, though. Oh like, yeah. Him just like being like, 
he just starts doing one, and he just like <laughs> he's like, oh man, this is hard. And then he just like looks to his left, and there's a big yeah. mountain. He's like, oh no, <laughs> like ten more coming to stack. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he finally puts the one away, and a big pile crashes on his head. <laughs> That's actually funny because. Now that I think about it, that same day, mm. they have, like, uh, you know, vents, like, in your hood, hood vents, like, in the oh, kitchen okay. where you yeah, suck yeah, it up. Yeah. They have oil catches, where oh, it catches, yeah. like, the oil through the smoke. Yeah, and it's nasty. And to dump it the next day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was covered in black oil. Oh. He quit. <laughs> he was crying again. <laughs> that felt so bad. Yeah, well, that's how you learn, I guess. Yeah, it really is. Like, and I think it's, I actually think he's probably better off than, like, a lot of people for it, because, like, I think it's important to have a manual labor job that, like, is dirty mm-hmm. at some point in your life. I agree. Something that uh, challenges you, too. Yeah, like, I'm, like, I had, the, there was a while where I was working for this temp agency that had a lot of, like, manual labor type jobs that they put me in. Yeah. And, uh... So I was, I, I would do them, and in my head I'd be like, this is like a good investment for later, but it's not great right <laughs> <No>! now. <laughs> so like one one weekend, I worked for this company, uh, so you know how garbage clan, garbage cans, they get dirty? Mm-hmm. My job was to clean them. <laughs> well, I were, it was for a garbage can recycling plant. So like after you move and you leave your garbage can... It doesn't just go to the next person who lives there. Yeah. They, like, send it to this plant and, like, clean. I clean it. By hand? No, it's oh, a pre- I use a pressure washer and, like, <laughs> waiters and stuff like that. And then, like, put the wheels on and Whoa. snap a new lid on the top. Yeah. And if it's got, like, crazy markings on the side, then put it in a different category. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's crazy. It was a weird job, but I was like, this is, like... <laughs> <laughs> this sounds like really bad on paper. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> cleaning garbage cans. I try to let them experience natural consequences. Oh, okay. I think we talked about this before. Like, oh yeah, I think sandboxing, you're right, actually. where like you give them the sandbox that um, the consequences are not life or death or yeah, threatening, yeah. and then everything else you can experience. That yeah, shit. you can point yeah. at a handicapped lady, scrape knees, and people getting mad at you. Mm-hmm. Happens, yeah, you know, if someone spits on you, you deal with it. <laughs> Let's figure this out. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I had a friend spit on someone one time on oh. an accident. What? On accident. How they spit on him on accident? Oh, it's a crazy story. I gotta tell it. It's one of my... It's a, it's a little bit... Okay, so I was on this church thing. It was like a church scavenger hunt throughout the city with a friend and a couple friends. And... Find the pastor? It was like a random... Th- no, it would be like... It was really intricate. It'd be like, go to this place and there would be this guy from the church who like is acting like a witch or something and you'd have to like solve a riddle or something yeah that's so cool yeah and then they had like a driver and you'd be on a team so then the driver would drive you all around the city and you'd like do all these clues it was really cool yeah Yeah, it was dope so anyway this one we had to like go to marymore park in redmond where i live and uh it said like go to the jungle gym and you'll find someone there uh, with a monster or something and then like greet it in its native tongue, spit on the ground, and, like, uh, I say, like, unga boonga or whatever like that, right? And we're like, okay, and then it'll tell you the clue or whatever. So, anyway, we go to the playground, and there's, like, a guy sitting there, and he's got, like, a pet or, like, a like a stuffed animal. We're like, oh, this must be it. 
So, <laughs> my friend James Durbrock, he's a he's a uh, he's like he's the most straight edge like nice guy, nice like goody two shoes almost type of person. And we're like, all right, go. It's your turn to do the thing. And he's like, I'm not very good at spitting. And I'm like, what does that even mean? <laughs> like, well, all right, whatever. And so he he missed. He didn't hit the ground. He, like, spat way better than he thought. It, like, arced. And it didn't hit the guy. It hit the guy's girlfriend who was sitting next to her on the face. Oh, my God. Hit her on the face. He spat on her face. Oh, no. So not the place, not the guy. We're at, there's more than one playground at Marymore Park. We're at, like, completely the wrong place. This is just a guy and his girlfriend with, like, a stuffed animal. Uh-oh. And this guy, like, doesn't know, like, the guy whose girlfriend it is doesn't know how to handle this situation. Because, like, we're three guys, and he's one guy, and he's not, like, a tough guy. Uh-huh. But, like, we just <laughs> spat on his girlfriend, and he has to, like, defend, his, defend her honor. And, like, we're, we have, like, the most innocent, like, completely didn't mean it we're on a church group we like try to break it all down it sounds like bullshit because like what what kind of story is this you're on a scavenger hunt for your church and you have to spit um but the, we ended up just the guy just like let us walk away <laughs> yeah no we were really lucky like because he really probably should have punched him yeah, you know exactly. even though it was completely innocent and we like whatever like it was a like it was like a glob of spit on her face, just like, like literally like on her cheek. Could have oh. been like more like picture perfect yeah. wrong place to spit. Oh god! Yeah, it was really funny. <laughs> uh, we couldn't laugh. We didn't. We we were. That was the end of the scavenger hunt. We couldn't do anything more because we couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> I can't believe he didn't do anything. Yeah, he didn't do anything. We kind of talked our way out of it, but like, yeah. Because and the girl was like like because it was so out of nowhere. <laughs> it's like shocking. Yeah, and it's a classically like super offensive thing to do. Yeah, because in all cultures, everyone knows. Yeah, don't spit, <laughs> don't on, spit on your girlfriend. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's just like, it'd be funny if you like look the other way. You're like, yeah, whatever. It's too much for me to deal with. Yeah, right now. She can handle it. How old were you guys? Uh, I think senior in high school. Oh. Yeah, three seniors oh, in high shit. school, and he was probably like 26 or something You'd like that. You'd be mistaken for young adults, almost. Yeah, yeah. Oh, fuck. That's <laughs> I was picturing like seven-year-olds. Oh, no, no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so anyway, that was us. That's Sorry. funny. Yeah, my sister spit on someone when she was a kid. Oh, yeah. And she got expelled. She got expelled? Yeah, I told her that. You're too young to sit <laughs> in the back of the bus, go sit in the front, and then she spits on him and punches him in the face. <laughs> my sister's very manly, or masculine. There we go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's much more dire consequences. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That'll like, follow you forever. <laughs> she's uh, <coughs> she's never been abused domestically, but she's been the abuser. So <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I'm surrounded yeah. by masculine women. Spit on them. Mm-hmm, exactly, spit on them. But I, if I was in fast food, I probably would have done that at least once. I oh, think. yeah, that is tempting. Yeah, exactly. I do the uh, Uber and Lyft. Oh, yeah. I'll do like 2 a.m. Uh, what is it, delivery? Oh, like yeah, yeah. For and shit. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. It's fucking gnarly. Yeah. I, I couldn't handle it, man. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Like, I can handle customer service, though, so I don't know if I'd ever get, like, mm-hmm. upset at a person. Yeah. 
but that's definitely the go-to move. That's an interesting thing, because I've had that similar experience, where, like, I could be pushed, and I've always considered myself, like, really submissive and shit. Oh, yeah. Um, basically, I like getting whipped. No, I'm just kidding. But, um, <laughs> that, uh, like, passive. back. Yeah, and, like, when I have, um, any customers or, uh, relationship issues or anything like that, mm -hmm. it's always, I've never been really aggressive, like, outwardly mm. aggressive. So I've handled customer service pretty well. Yeah. And it's That's interested me, like, the difference between people, because I'll meet someone who's, like, like my sister, mm -hmm. example, aggressive, triggered, um, doesn't handle, like, uh, uncomfortable situations well, uh, handles yeah. it with aggression, whereas I would handle it with, like, uh, words, or mm -hmm. I would run away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm big on running away. Yeah, exactly. That's my go-to, that, or, like, fall asleep. <laughs> yeah, just fall over. <laughs> like, ah. Unlike a dog putting his tail between his legs, put between your legs and walk. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'm out of here. Yeah. And Peace. We've had the same parents. I mean, and that's... Oh, weird. yeah, it's different. It's never the same. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't make any sense. But, like, I'm into this study that they were doing mm -hmm. where I think it was showing that when the parents are fat, I'm stretching shit and speculating. Yeah. But when the parents are fat during uh, pregnancy, the child has a higher uh, susceptibility to, to have issues with weight management. Oh, you mean like so in addition to normal pregnancy yeah. weight? Yes, in yeah, addition okay. to normal pregnancy weight. I'm like, weight. I think everyone, you know, <laughs> if in the 100% of people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They gain weight. I don't yeah. think they lose weight. It's not yeah. like smoking. <laughs> <laughs> this is not it's fat. Yeah, exactly. Like just baby. I mean, some of it's fat, I guess. Yeah, some of it's fat, and I imagine some other fucking. You can't. Like, There's a bunch of nutrients. random stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just a bunch of. Just throw in some extra gunk. <laughs> stuff it in there. Yeah. That's all we do. Filler. <laughs> fill the belly up with stuff. For some reason, I'm picturing a chimney sweep. <laughs> <laughs> chim chim chiru. Yeah. <laughs> There's um there that it was influencing uh what so weight management. So oh, okay. both the parents struggled with obesity, for instance, and uh -huh. they gave birth, the child would be a, have a higher risk for obesity, whereas they would take people who were, um, I think even like similar, or the same parents, and if they weren't obese, mm -hmm. they were like comparing the children and stuff, children yeah, yeah. wouldn't be obese. And like, I've always thought it was interesting, like what you're going through, mm -hmm. in during the period of inception. Yeah, well, I think there's layers to, like, there's so many factors. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I took this... Or I took this class online, or I guess I just watched a YouTube video of classes online. That's the a class. Stanford, the Stanford online. Oh, dude, I love that. I got the Berkeley ones. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so there's this one. Uh, it's uh, it's like evolutionary biology, mm -hmm. and it's taught by Robert Sapolsky, and it's like the best class I've ever taken. And he describes it, kind of what you were saying is, oh, prenatal is one category, right? Yeah. So then there's okay, you could say genetics is a category. And then you could say, uh, like, um, sociology, you could say, uh, 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 brain, Neural. yeah, you could say, neuro, uh, neuro. brain stuff, yeah. shoot, I said <laughs> brain no, the shit. neuron, there's a category for it, nah, bio something, anyway, oh, okay. there, he describes it as buckets, right, so the first thing you have to overcome is your genetics, like, if you have genetics that are, like, your gonna die of you know lupus then it doesn't matter what you eat for breakfast yeah right but uh then so then like a next layer is uh prenatal like that's one that's like so early on in development that like difficult to overcome 
like you're kind of set in your ways and then it kind of go, trickles down to the things that are like what breakfast you eat so it's like building a house if you already built the house it'd be really hard to change the earth underneath of it but it'd be easy to rebuild the wall yeah but you it can it can be done like yeah. not nothing it, it's it's never i mean sometimes it is cast in stone but sometimes it's just like it's going to be more difficult for you. Mm-hmm. You know, you have high arches. Yeah, I see. You know, well, all right, I guess I'll have orthotics or, you know, whatever the, there's... Mm-hmm. Like different levels of uh, difficulty to um, to change, given, like, uh, what category it could fall into. Yeah. And I've seen that in certain instances with people, and, like, so someone who's, like, you know, when you have a kid and they throw temper tantrums? Mm-hmm. Fucking, I know some adults where that shit's frozen, and that's <laughs> all the way into adulthood. And like, I don't, and I don't say that in like a resentful way, because I've, you know, I. Oh yeah, yeah. everyone has ways that they're immature. And like those things that crop up, that I like, I watch my son go through that, mm-hmm. and then parallel experience, I watch an adult still oh, going yeah. through I that. I love that. And it, I do too, man. I geek out on it because yeah, like, yeah, that's like their. Um, like a hierarchy of obstacles to overcome, mm. that would be the biggest and one of the most difficult. Yeah, it. or it's one that's less necessary and they haven't had to overcome it. Oh. So it could be that that's more. Maybe that's like an area that's protected, been protected for them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like like the parents who never make their kids uh, do the dishes. Then that kid goes out, and when they live on their own, the dishes are always piled up. Yeah. So it could go the other way. Just as easily, I think. I, I see, like you, uh, you can almost get by mm. w- with yeah, with things. underdeveloped. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've experienced that with uh, video games growing up oh, because that it was socially underdeveloped. Okay. And I still deal with that, I, I guess. Like, um, I, I would move around a bunch when I was younger. Oh, okay. And I would play video games, and I'd even like make shit up every time I moved with people that I met. Oh yeah, and, yeah, uh, I like that. <laughs> yeah, and like that's where as I started getting from California to Washington, then to Idaho to mm. a town of three hundred, from San Francisco. Yeah, that's big. Thing. Yeah, they didn't accept the shit out of me, so I just like <laughs> hid in my house and I'd yeah. play video games, and then all of a sudden, um, when I would have the opportunities to interact, because I changed schools from that place, I went mm-hmm. to an alternative school. It was like fucking, like I made no progress. It was like everyone was leaps and bounds ahead of me. Oh, in interesting, yeah. And like things it's that like were... It's like uh, like being held back in kindergarten. Yeah. I never understood that for a long time. It was like, held back in kindergarten, what is it that you haven't learned? <laughs> like, you don't even need to know your letters and numbers. Like, and then it was, my mom explained it to me. She was like, oh no, it's social skills. So if you hear about someone getting held back in t- kindergarten, it means that social skill it was a social skill thing not that they were stupid oh i see yeah well and like when you do that too i feel like you could bury someone (laughs) (laughs) yeah because then now they're fighting from behind it's like i don't want to deal with you fuck you (laughs) you're gonna be fucked yeah does not play nice with others does not share does not you know and it should be renamed will never play nice with others i experienced that in the alternative school because like uh, when you would, when a teacher or a group of people would write that person off, mm. they would be likely to identify with their faults. Oh yeah. And once yeah. they did that shit, it's like laying down foundation cement. Yeah, and so you got to uh, character is very important. Mm-hmm. And it's it, uh, 
I think it's more important than people realize, like, how they project, or, like, how you establish yourself, mm -hmm. like, first impressions and stuff. Like, you can set your character up as a type of person. Mm -hmm. Like, right now, for you, I'm wearing this crown. It's a very dominant thing to do, to walk in on someone. Like, we've had, like, one or two conversations before. Yeah. And to walk in with this crown. Mm-hmm. But... Like, I have the confidence to pull off wearing a crown. Like, yeah. not, it's not my first time. And, like, me setting the st standard of, like, all right, James is the kind of guy who he'll wear a crown. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. That's your, That's just what it is now. That, that's true. It's reality. Because I don't... You don't question it now. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, maybe you do a little bit, but... And that goes into... The, well, even just how well you sell it now, it's just like, oh yeah, he wears a crown. Yeah, yeah. But that's interesting. It does fit my head pretty good. Yeah, it I does. The, I was surprised. I got the curls and. I was gonna ask if it was a Burger King crown, but it looks far more prestigious. No, I got it at like a costume shop for like six bucks. Holy yeah. shit! You need two. What yeah, need I, know. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I find it back that, up crown. That interesting though, because I found that. I can influence situations with the, my thinking beforehand. Mm -hmm. So if mm -hmm. I do like jujitsu and I'm like, this guy is stronger than me and this guy's more technical, he's mm -hmm. gonna kick my ass. I'm in defensive moves. If I do perform, mm -hmm. uh, it's crap. This room, you know, it sucks. It's not very lively. And specifically poetry, because I played around with it a lot. And uh -huh. I was actually able to control a room at least decently. Nice. Um, and if I go up though with expecting to fail or um, seeing that there was low energy in the room mm -hmm. it basically it, it kind of would manifest but I don't think oh, it's yeah. that way I just think it's my energy is affecting other people yeah exactly and maybe feeling. like a lot of that commanding the room energy that you're talking about is established before you say any words mm -hmm. like it's what you look like it's how you walk up it's like how you handle the mic it's like your tone of voice even like there's all these things that are like I've judged you before you've had any you've had a chance to defend yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, your costume is like that's we judge books by covers. Eighty percent I think of language is body language. Oh yeah. And, yeah. I think that's probably a little high because you can communicate with just words. I'm a little like high. pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the only one. Yeah, that's true. You can communicate with just words and I think there's a, a caveat to that mm -hmm. where through social media and texting you can see how it influences the way we interact with one another. Yeah, I mean, I guess technically, like, when you're using words, you're evoking other senses. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. like, I don't know if that's really a, a workaround. No, I understand. Too. Like, like the strong writing uses, like, oh, it describes the color of the scene or, like, mm -hmm. the texture of a whatever or the smell of the ocean. I should have texture of whatever. Couldn't <laughs> <laughs> think of a thing. <laughs> Everything has texture. Exactly. Something feels like something. You're invoking the imagination. Yeah. Uh, explicitly or no, whatever. Invoking. Yeah, explicitly. Yeah, explicitly. Yeah. Because there's uh, one thing to leave like uh, lazy writing. Not lazy. It can be lazy writing, or they call it backpacking in hip hop. Oh, okay. Is where you um, you leave it up to interpretation. You let people run. They call that backpacking? Yeah, because you're basically, uh, you're backpacking on what you assume it's going to be. So you don't have to take the time to explain oh, it. Oh, interesting. Or, yeah, and so that you can be like super vague and ambiguous and just uh, basically rattle off complexities and allow someone to make up their own interpretation. Yeah. Oh, okay. So is that related to backpack rap? Like I've heard of backpack... Wait, what's backpack rap? As like a cat, like, so there's like, it's, it's... 
Um, so there's like conscious rap, right? And it's kind of in the area of conscious rap, but maybe more like, uh, like I guess like, like um, the underachievers or like Flatbush Zombies or uh, I think Base uh, Joey Badass. Yeah. I think I think that's in kind of a category of backpack rap. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly, but. <laughs> I think it's a term I've seen before. That's that's a where it's it's kind of it's it's conscious rap, but kind of, kind of like college level conscious rap. Oh, uh, almost like it like it uh, rides on cliches in order to. Um, yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, definitely. <laughs> yeah, backpack rap refers to music that is listened to by backpackers. Oh. Peep backpackers are people who are only listen to underground or conscious rap. There we go. Backpackers <laughs> <will> <laughs> things real hip hop and say that they only listen to hip hop as opposed to rap. You know, I'm kind of embarrassed because when I was younger, I, I used to do that a lot. That's funny because okay, because that was totally not why I was expecting it to be back be called backpack rap. <laughs> yeah. But this last weekend, I was out and there was this homeless dude who he just had like a speaker like the size of his chest. Just like in front of his chest. Like old school. Yeah, yeah, but it wasn't a boombox. It was like, it was like kind of a like a newer, just like a straight up speaker. Yeah. Oh, like shit. with like auxiliary cord probably. And he was playing this music so loud. It was backpack rap. Like it was like underground rap I'd never heard before, but was like good, like oh, banging, really? and like you could hear it loud up the street. Holy like this was downtown. Shit. This was like right across from the Royal and shit. Yeah. And like it was louder outside than like the places that were playing music inside. Oh my god. But nowhere. But it. it I guess it was Monday night, so nowhere was like really loud. But like, I was like, you couldn't tell where the music was coming from. It was so loud. Like it could have been anywhere up and down like two blocks. Yeah. And but I pinpointed. I was like, yo, it's that homeless guy. And we like walked over to him, and. Like we kind of looked and whatever, and then we were like turned around and like, no, it had to have been him, and he was gone. And the cops drove by right then, and oh. the music was gone. Oh shit! Right? Yeah. And then like 30 seconds later, we're up the street again. We hear the music again. <laughs> <laughs> and then later in the night, I heard the music again. I saw him walking down the street. This dude, he's got like an orange fro, like a big orange fro. He's wearing like a heavy backpack, but also like a backpack on his chest that's like over this giant speaker. <laughs> and he's, I want, I want whatever playlist he's listening to because they were hits. Like I was dancing up and down the street, like oh, it was shit. really good shit. Yeah, Damn. but I'm sure not as many people appreciated it. As yeah, I, exactly. <laughs> I wanted to chase that guy down and find out what he's about. Dude, I might look for him, go try to do an interview. Yeah, <laughs> downtown Bellingham. Yeah. I hope you're out there, dude. Yeah, I'll find you. Oh, that might be creepy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, whatever. He'll appreciate it. I've done a couple of interviews with some homeless people in downtown Bellingham. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It was no, I talked to a lot of homeless people. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot in Bellingham. Yeah, I don't know what a lot really means. I, I mean, there is a lot. There are, like, but I'll recognize the same ones. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not like there's, they're, they're uncountable. The, they, um, or homeless people are more out in the open. Yeah, no, yeah, no, that's that would be more okay. That's probably true. Yeah, and I guess there's probably a pretty higher ratio, like a higher ratio than most cities. I wouldn't say a bad thing though, because I like if, that's why I did the interviews with homeless people. Yeah, no, so they're not like threatening. No, or, like yeah. And even within the homeless community itself, 
they identify and alienate threatening individuals. Oh yeah, yeah, no, yeah. that's yeah. And I feel like I it's that. that's just like almost a common thread among anything you find that like I don't know comedy poetry. Yeah, I think it's just people have a generic fear. Mm-hmm, exactly. And, so and like you uh, and I have talked to homeless people, we realize they're not. Uh, Focused enough sometimes yeah. to get that shit done. <laughs> I try to do like a fucking yeah. That's right. I I agree. I think more or less they might not be. Able they, to they're not very off. diligent. Most homeless people. <laughs> no. That's probably their biggest lacking. Yeah, that might, that might be the skill that they need. <laughs> they need some diligence in their I, life. I like try to interview one guy and he never made it onto the podcast. Oh yeah. He <laughs> was so drunk that I walked like three blocks with him. Mm. And we walked. In a fucking square. <laughs> it's like it's, it's over that way, and I'm like, I looked at him, and I'm a piece of shit. Mm. Sometimes, no. I am. so I'm like, he's just like walking, and I didn't I'll have the heart to, yeah. to tell him to say like, I, I can't do this. I'm sorry. So I just walked away, and he just kept walking, and so I Not. peered around the corner, and he was two blocks down, still walking. <laughs> I don't think he ever turned around. That's pretty good. That's great. Yeah, I would have done that same kind of thing. Because they'll just not listen to you. you know? <laughs> I started doing this thing because, like, um, one of the th- I like to uh, hang out downtown and, like, I'll hang out. I, I like to hang out on this corner of Holly and Railroad by the Royal, by the Burgers, and I smoke cigarettes. Oh, yeah, really? <laughs> well, I, start, I wanted to start doing this thing where I go for a midnight stroll. Ooh. Yeah, and make that like part of my thing is like I go for a midnight stroll and then I post up there, smoke a couple cigarettes, see if I run into someone I know or like start a conversation with someone who like wants to bum a cigarette. Something unexpected yeah. happens. So I've been doing it for a couple of weeks and uh, homeless people they'll just keep talking to you and I was like I wanted I heard all your stories already somehow. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> like, yeah, I get it. <laughs> your get girlfriend that. kicked you out. I get that yeah. every person in your family is handicapped and they need help. Like Yeah, okay. So then I go, all right, I'll just g- give you a cigarette to go away. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you a pack. Uh, yeah, I give them two cigarettes to go away. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I, I say it like, hey, you know, this is kind of my deal is like, I look for girls here. That's how I phrase it. <laughs> I'm not always looking for girls, but if it's a girl, I like that too. Yeah. Um, and I say, hey, you know, this is kind of my spot where I like hang out and I look, I Pick up girls, right? Can you move along? <laughs> There's two cigarettes. <laughs> Sounds like looking for like a fucking corner girl. <laughs> well, it's worked. For, it's worked every time so far. Oh, but shit. Uh, it almost didn't. Like where they got lost back in you know, almost having the same loop of conversation. Oh, no. But because they have the cigarette in their hand, I can just point. I don't have to say anything. I don't have to cut them off. I just point, and then they look at me like, hey. yeah, nosy along. Yeah, I've had that. Uh, kind of an experience where like I moved over here from Idaho mm-hmm. and I was trying to be generous because I was walking around Seattle right mm-hmm. and I was almost homeless before I moved over here mm-hmm. just because of getting divorced and all that other shit that yeah, happens and, and um I ran was walking around Seattle by myself ran into this homeless guy just, mm-hmm. just had enough for lunch for the day mm-hmm. and he's like oh you got any money and I'm like I've never really experienced you know I want to be nice to this homeless guy because oh, okay. they really have homeless people in Sandpoint they got the fuck out it snows over there <laughs> and there's no buildings to sleep in so <laughs> you're dead <laughs> and I'm like alright man I, I got I don't have enough money to, to give you mm-hmm. um, and I got money for lunch and he's like okay 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 I just need some money because mm-hmm. listen like I was in the military 
Right. Yeah, got, that's how he starts his story. You're like, oh I'm my like, god, this oh, is dude. such a big thing for a dollar isn't going to save this. You're telling the wrong pitch. They give a way too big pitch. You're right. Yeah. That is what they do. And so that's where I was like, man, this guy must be shitting me. Yeah. So, nah, I, I, I'm, I can't. I'm sorry. I don't have enough mm. money. He's like, well, see, my son, he lost his legs. He <laughs> lost his leg. Motherfucker. <laughs> he lost his leg. It's like, well, you, you got to find a bigger solution than this. Yeah. This is a. This is hardly. This won't Band-Aid won't even. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know robotics, yeah, man. Yeah, this like, is. I can cover you for a sandwich. <laughs> yeah. You can try to stick a sandwich on there, yeah. but. I don't think of it just can move. Yeah, that's funny, though. So I'm like, you know, whatever. I'm going to just, fuck it. I'm going to give this guy a meal. So I'm like, mm-hmm. all right, I could split a meal with you, right? I only got enough money for for me to eat so you can have half of my sandwich at Subway. Okay. Right across the street. Let's go. He's like, okay. Walk into Subway. Right? About to cross the street. He's like, hold on. There's some of the best fried chicken in Seattle. Right down here. I don't want Subway. I'm like, <laughs> is it was it a Zell's? Yeah, uh-uh. It was uh, a fucking I love like a, a uh, not a gas station, but a quick a quick stop. Oh, okay. Yeah, like there was no oh, gas. Oh, really? Bus. Yeah, and so I'm like, you, Do you want, think he knew the hookup? Fri- yeah, was that's it? what I thought. Cause I'm like, you want fried chicken? He's like, yeah, it's the best. Oh, fucking sandwich. I go there. And he takes I would have to do it, though, because it would have to be the best for him to do yeah. this move. <laughs> I go in there, though, and they only have one fucking thing of fried chicken. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know how much it costs? As much as a fucking sandwich, the whole thing. Yeah. God, you fucking asshole. So <laughs> I buy him fried chicken, uh-huh. and like I think I had a couple extra change or whatever, and I got a drumstick or whatever. Uh-huh. The drumstick was cold. The fried uh-huh. chicken was warm enough. But I give it to him, and yeah, I'm like, fuck. And he just walked off and left. Oh, you didn't so, even get to try it? No, I didn't get to try it. Oh, what I, if it was it was probably the best? Dude, I know. I know where it's at, too. I need to go back down. Yeah, you know yeah, where it's yeah. at? Where uh-huh. is it at? It's, uh, uh, fuck. It's over by, you know where, like, the sh- all the shopping areas are in Seattle? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the, everywhere. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> it's downtown at a park in Seattle. There's millions of those, yeah, too. I can't a, even I've remember home, what the place I've, was. I've, at one point in my life, my mom was, like, when I was really, really young, I lived in Seattle, my mom ran a daycare, uh-huh. and she would take us uh-huh. to all of the parks, and so I, I think I, I haven't been to all of the parks in Seattle, but mm-hmm. I've been to, like, 95% of the parks that's in cool. Seattle. That's yeah, something really my cool. son and I do, we, like, it's check a good off adventure. places. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's so fun to do, right? Uh, yeah, exactly, yeah. I'm looking for, like, all the cool play shit. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. And they even, it's cool, because they even got the zip lines and stuff. In oh, yeah, yeah, the zip lines are cool. It. And especially because Seattle, they're actually dangerous, some of them. Mm-hmm. And that's awesome. Sandpoint, yeah, yeah, exactly. They push like the it. Fucking, yeah, they push that <laughs> shit. Exactly. Sandpoint, it's all cushiony and shit. There's one ride I've been seeing on playgrounds that it wasn't around when I was younger. Mm-hmm. But it's it's kind of like the carousel where you spin around in a circle. It's but it's, spikes on. it's on an angle. What? It's And it's just for one person at a time. Ooh. And you run on it. No way. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's a carousel on an angle, and it's got, like, grips in it for your feet. But it's at a pretty good angle. It's at, like, maybe, like, a 30-degree angle. Wow. And so you're supposed to just run on the low side. And, like, not only is it really hard, it's harder for taller people, I guess. It's good easier for kids. Mm-hmm. But, like, 
if you fall, you like it hurts. <laughs> like you're running, you're falling onto this heavy plastic thing. Oh shit! Yeah, and it's really easy to fall. Yeah, but it's one of the best playground equipment things I've ever seen. I like that. I can't remember what the park it was that I saw it at in Seattle. That that goes back to it's the, not Magnolia, but like ooh the um conversation with like sandboxing and shit oh yeah where like i love sandboxes yeah (laughs) i like kitty litter but when you got kids a lot of people are like oh no danger my child's gonna kill themselves oh yeah you know allow them near this dangerous whether it's like a play structure or if it's like a a fucking skill saw yeah but if your kid dies on a playground in a city park you're making some money on that (laughs) you are are suing the city for playground equipment that stuff there's a reason that stuff is like super safe they don't even have cameras out there yeah you'd 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 do all right you'd of all the of all the ways for your kid to die that's a good one you know it's easy to adopt a kid yeah especially when you already got one You gotta die somehow exactly. on the playground equipment. That's a good way for a kid to go, doing what they love, you know, with their boots on. Yeah, I didn't even think about that, man. That's no like suffering. that's like the war for kids being on the playground. Yeah. Oh yeah, it and is. Dying man. out there for what I love. <laughs> yeah, for my freedom. Oh shit. Anyway, yeah, junk. What were we talking about? Or, Playgrounds. Uh, something danger. Like uh, I, danger, Will Robinson. I expose him to danger. Like if you push a kid next, <laughs> if you put a kid next to something really high, right on the edge. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's scary. As long it is scary, and it scares the shit out of me. Yeah. But as long as they don't trip, they obviously. I don't even trust myself on no, that. No, I don't either. One is the one that I, for some reason, I can't get Dude, past. I've all taught, all sorts of other things I could handle. But. I've taught him how to climb trees. Yeah. I want to shit myself every time. Oh, yeah. But if you put a kid, though, next to an edge, um, they won't, like... Damn, I never even thought about that, but that's way scarier as a kid next to an edge than yourself. <laughs> and every, every child... I never even thought of that. Every child that I have been around, anyways, mm-hmm. recognizes that. And I mean from a very, very young age. Oh, so, like, yeah, a yeah. sharp thing, child recognizes that. Yeah. So if you're there, like, you don't have to take it away, but, like, if you're sandboxing, making sure they don't kill themselves as uh-huh. a consequence, then they're pretty aware of danger, and you don't have Ugh. to step in front and say, stop! Yeah, yeah. I need to pad everything up, and you fucking pussies, but... Yeah, that is... Because I imagined a kid with a knife, and I wasn't afraid of that, but a kid <laughs> by a high ledge, oh, my goodness, with me, like, right behind him, and I'd, like... <laughs> I can't grab him in time. <laughs> or like, that move where he's like, oh no. And then I push him. Yeah, exactly. That's the worst. Uh-uh. Push him when you try to grab him. Oh, yeah, I don't like that. I, I've always been someone who's like, I have a hard time with heights too. Yeah. Even climbing. So when I first went snowboarding, oh, yeah. I was going to fall off the mountain. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I kind of know what you mean, but like, (laughs) just because it's so steep, you mean? Yeah, or like, because I'm going up on the chairlift, it's windy, and I'm going higher and higher, and there's a smaller area beneath me, because like, as you get to the top of the mountain, if you will, then it's like, just straight down, all the way around you. I felt like... That's weird way to think about it. They'd fall off the mountain. It's, but it's... Yeah, yeah, no, but I know what you mean, but it's a weird... It's a unique thing to be at the top of a mountain. Yeah. Yeah. And mo- emotionally, I'm freaking out. Intellectually, I'm like, shut the fuck up. Mm. And I- I've experienced it like uh, I've been trying to get into the wilderness more oh, because yeah. of that. Because I've always I'm trying to get out in the wilderness more. Yeah, out the wilderness. <laughs> there we go. Outdoors. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I said that. 
<laughs> I think there's value um, in, in trying to put yourself where you have those moments of resistance, though. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, because... Yeah, you got to grow. Mm-hmm. And you don't... Um, you aren't those points of resistance. I used to identify with those. Yeah, you are. You're, li- you're like... Um, your reach mm-hmm. you're you are as far as you've reached you it's like you should be trying to just reach farther always yeah exactly uh, yeah i don't like that that much but i do agree yeah and what well, in the and be uh what is it in love with the process instead of yeah, the destination yeah which, um the, and yeah. the means justify the ends mm-hmm. no that's not true no no it's no. the other way around yeah and i disagree and justify the because we're talking about the late gratification yeah we are yeah, yeah. and that it's interesting because like when I was growing up I would avoid all forms of discomfort oh yeah yeah definitely and, yeah and I'd do whatever you'd was you'd think like, it was bad felt good yeah I would do the least amount of work mm-hmm. yeah I couldn't clean my car I couldn't clean my room I, fucking dishes was a nightmare yeah and I when I and even work when I went to work and I had mm-hmm. those busy things all I would think about like my cycle of thoughts was ah it's gonna be busy tonight I go home. Ah, oh, I got these chores to do. And uh-huh. Never like they're always unfinished. And now I'm at a point in my life where those things are noticeably, like noticeably easy to accomplish. Oh uh, yeah, I I had a little bit different. I would always think, how can I do this the least, or like how can I like put the least amount of effort, or like cheat my way around it, or like you know do it halfway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what's the way I can put the least amount of energy? And it was kind of good because it's a useful thought process of like efficiency mm-hmm. but uh, a lot of times you just didn't have a very good product to the end. <laughs> I think that's the difference between like uh, you know efficiency um, for like enjoyment or efficiency for subverting doing it. Yeah Whereas, it was always to subvert doing it. Yeah. It'd be like instead of doing the problem I could just pretend to do the, I could write out math that's very similar looking you know or like yeah. just get the answer wrong or you know yeah. Going through routine almost too, whereas you're not spending like all the time. To, I've done that with math, where I don't think it all out, and I just do bare, bare minimum. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't even spend the time to like think about it to try to enjoy it. Mm. So when I got to higher level math, mm-hmm. I don't know how to do any of. Yeah, this. exactly. Like math is one of the things that definitely needs a foundation. Mm-hmm, it really does. Yeah. And now I've gotten to the point where I'm taking on like things outside of. Uh, video games and drugs yeah <laughs> and one before what a big old world there is <laughs> yeah exactly because like before my son was born that's all that i i was uh-huh. it was like that's a lot of stuff though yeah it really is a lot yeah, of it'll take up yeah especially mushrooms man when you take mushrooms and oh candy. yeah <laughs> fuck like uh um, i'm a big fan though really yeah, yeah i am too man it's as a kid i used it to i didn't understand their how powerful they were i, I didn't take them till i was 21 or 2. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I rode the train a little early. I overdosed yeah, when I, I was waited. 12. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and not, wow, I don't early. mean that in like a bragging way. No, no, but it gives context. It, yeah, and then so... That's um, real. The 12, though, that's mm-hmm. like as early as you go pretty much. Well, my whole thing yeah, was... I, just, I don't know. Like that's in, pretty early, though. Insecurity thing, so... Yeah, it's late. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> See? That's what I'm saying, man. Where, where, where have you been? Yeah, I know. Everyone already fucked by that time. They already yeah. had kids. I'm all behind the time. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, I was trying to fit in over there. And uh, over uh-huh. Idaho, the town of 300 people, it was wilderness, fucking, or drugs. Yeah. 
to me, I think. But and so I was. And not everyone was your age. Yeah. So my friends were uh, 18, 20, and I, I'd hang out with my mom's friends. And my mom's like 50 at the time. Uh huh. And I just get high with. Yeah, because the closest date. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If there's 300 people, that means there's. You could say there's one person who, or two people of each age between, you know, yeah, exactly. or whatever. There's like five two-year-olds. There's not enough. One school. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And the only people who stay behind are um, below the poverty line. Yeah, and old people. Yeah, exactly. How can you afford it otherwise? You yeah, know? you're and stuck. Like that's what how I tried to fit in was, uh, you know, using like drugs Being and cool. stuff. Yeah. And that was going back before. You know what I realized recently though? Huh. Drugs are cool. Yeah, drugs are cool. Like. I, uh, <laughs> this is stupid, oh, but I started smoking cigarettes recently. Yeah. They're oh, cool, you know? Too. They're cool. Yeah. <laughs> they taste really fucking good. I, I don't like them. Mm-hmm. And I only smoke them Wait. on the, yeah, I pretty much only smoke them on that corner that I was talking about. When did you start smoking cigarettes? Like, pretty recently. Holy shit. I've never met someone who's done that. Yeah. Well, I don't like them, and I don't really get much effect from them. You don't? Like, I don't even really like the effect that I do get. Did you get dizzy at It's first? not like I don't like the effect. It's just very mild, and I don't really care that much. Hmm. I see. That's how I was. <laughs> it was like having, okay, the, so, yeah, having something to stick in my mouth. Yeah, and it looks cool. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a dick in your mouth. Dude. But it's weird because, like, it sounds stupid for me to say, like, smoking is cool. But, like, it's I've actually proven it to myself by, like, doing this social experiment of going out on the corner and smoking these cigarettes. <laughs> yeah. People come up to me, and I've made, like, many friends. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what I do. You can't not prove these friends that came up to me because I, like, the reason <laughs> was because I was smoking cigarettes. It's the icebreaker too. Yeah. Like when I was in high school and middle school, we had a our park mm-hmm. next to the school, which is there was no playground. Don't smoke, kids. It's bad for you though. Actually, <laughs> if you're new to a school. Yeah. You might no. If you're new to a. I so the reason I started is I had a professor. I went to school. He was a professor of logic, <laughs> and he said this thing that it it was probably the biggest thing I learned because I I. Uh, well, I learned a lot. That was a good class, actually. This was a good professor. And he said that uh, it's bad for your health, but smoking cigarettes is like the best social thing you can do. Start smoking cigarettes as a freshman in college is like one of the best social moves you can do, but it's really bad for your health. <laughs> what? Yeah. He said it's not an official like endorsement for by the school, but just me as a person. He said that. Yeah. Yeah, and I, it stuck with me because it, it made a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. It, for the social value of it is a lot higher than the health consequences. Yeah, yeah. At least at that point in your life, mm-hmm. that's how they get you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you work for my bro. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's uh, why you got to roll uh, like CBD joints, uh, and you got to put filters in and pretend they're cigarettes. That's what I, I'll do now. Oh, that's like, an interesting move. Because the CBD doesn't really get you high, so I'll go buy cheap ass CBD. Why don't I just smoke weed? It, then I get really high. Oh, oh so this is the thing is I also am already really high. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I, so I smoke a bunch of weed beforehand, too. Oh, so, shit. Uh, yeah. Why don't you just smoke joints? They'll love you more. Yeah, well, it's different. It's expensive. It yeah, is. and it's different. Yeah, it's expensive. I can't... I can't sit on the corner and smoke four joints. <laughs> That's where the CBD comes in, because, like, if I smoke... No, it's so much, though. Expensive-wise, or...? Just, like, quantity. I don't know. I guess smoking weed as a... Like, mm-hmm. seems like it's more than smoking cigarettes. But do you get high? Have you ever smoked, like, the CBD-dominant? 
Yeah. Have you ever got high? Do you get high off of them? I mean, it's a different kind of high. Yeah, that is true. I you guess feel so. it more in your chest than in your face. But you could always go like, uh, what do you call it, e-cigarette? Uh, yeah, that's a, yeah, but the point is be cool. Yeah, that is true. That doesn't make you feel cool. It really no. Doesn't. It, no one wants to bum one off you. Yeah, here you want to fucking. Hey, do you have a light? Yeah, do you have a lighter? No, because I'm using an e-cigarette. Yeah, right. You gotta have a lighter. That's true, and you even. Uh, it's interesting to see how it affects people now because now people, instead of like bumming cigarettes, like you're saying, mm. they'll just like be b- fucking trying to make fog. <laughs> <laughs> Checking clouds. Yeah, human fucking fog machines. I do like actually walking through that though. Mm-hmm. Like it does smell good. Dude, I like playing with it, man. Yeah, I, no. I used to work at Mount Baker Vapors. So. Oh, yeah, can you do yeah. like all the tornadoes oh, and shit? Oh, fuck no. <laughs> no, you can't. No, you can't, can't do any tornadoes. <laughs> no, I can do the circles. I almost got you though. But the, I wanted to do like jellyfish and shit like you that. You can't do the tornado? You can't do the uh, you gotta learn. It's real easy. Really? Yeah, it's super easy. Me. Well, you you, uh, you just like blow on a flat surface, and it's like just one move with your hand. Really? Yeah, I'm not good enough to do it unless there's a lot of cloud there. Mm-hmm. But like it, the way you just like let it kind of seep out of your mouth, so it just covers the flat floor oh, okay. like a table or something mm-hmm. and then uh you just scoop with your hand and it'll turn into a tornado oh that's really cool it yeah. there's one with a jellyfish and it's like where you uh you almost push the cloud or the like a cloud through a ring and it looks like a fucking jelly it's cool yeah yeah it's like super that sounds hardcore how the hell there's like smoke artists now uh, like, yeah, what the fuck? people who work in smoke shops <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, when we worked in Mount Baker Vapor I was um, doing like manufacturing and R&D oh yeah and were you making some of the no way Mount Baker Vapor actually now that you mentioned that I was talking to someone recently who said that's the juice they use oh really is the Mount Baker Vapor that's why I worked for them is I moved over here from Idaho and I used to just vape their juice all the time oh so yeah I'm, yeah I'm apply there fuck it and Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Really cool. It's one of the things that like uh, pushed me further into like entrepreneurship and shit. But that's one of the b- better ones mm-hmm. I've heard. It really yeah. is, and the Mount people Baker there are Vapor. really cool too. And they're yeah. cheap as fuck. Oh yeah. But yeah, and there's um. They do custom flavors though, and this guy was like, uh, yeah, that stood by it. Well, yeah, he stood was by it. Yeah. A nightmare though, in custom flavors because oh, I'm sure you can't. Um, it has to be all done by it manually. Oh, interesting. Because if you mix flavors um, at will. You cannot replicate that over and over and over again uh, in the production process. So everything was done by hand. Interesting. And yeah, it was really and interesting. You saw a lot of little bottles. Mm-hmm. It's literally They're like all you're really filling a 15 milliliter 15 bottle milliliter. <laughs> They get like vapor locks, so what you have to do is you have a squeeze bottle, like you uh, think uh, oil, like the plastic squeeze bottle yeah. for oil, mm-hmm. and you have to hold it an inch above, can't touch, because if it touches, it contaminates the fucking bottle. Oh, yeah. And you have to... Sh- pour a piss stream into there. Oh, and it's like a gone. hole as small as your pupils, <laughs> man. Uh, my pupils are pretty big. Yeah. Woo, just a bit, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, that's funny. And that's like, now that you think about it, that's what I got into smoking cigarettes for, is the social aspect of it. Cause like, oh, yeah. I, Why else would you? Yeah, it's true, because I didn't even get, dude, when I first smoked, uh-huh. I would think I was like, like 11 or something, uh-huh. and we're smoking it, you know, in the field. Right next to the football players, they're all running, kicking their ass, and uh. they're sitting there smoking. And, like, I wanted to throw up, but I kept forcing myself through. Oh, yeah. And then I started to love it after. I was like Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> well, I actually, I, I did a joke one time on stage where I said, uh, I started smoking recently, 
I don't like it, but I heard it's good for you. And I'm kind of a health nut, so I figured whatever, you know. <laughs> but it's absurd because everybody knows that it's bad for you. Mm-hmm. And there's no real benefit to it other than, like, there's no even marketed benefit to it mm-hmm. other than social. Yeah, you don't even, you barely even feel it's the effect. Yeah, nobody's like, oh, but it's got the best high. Mm-hmm. Nobody says that. Yeah, that is really weird. Nobody's like, oh, yeah, but this one's the best high or, like, the best cigarette. They don't even really call it, I guess, a cigarette high. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh-uh. They, well, they almost, I feel like they divorced that high thing, because huh. if they marketed high, then it would be attributed to drugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's not that. That's why you can't say, or people don't say coffee. This coffee gets me really high. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's like, say, like buzzed. to it. Just, yeah. What do they say for cigarettes? They have buzz. Is that got a nicotine? Oh, even nicotine buzz, I guess. Even a nicotine high, though. I've heard of that, like between conversations. But we're always yeah. partying when we talk about that. Mm. And what we would do, and this is like, this is an interesting aspect of like the culture that I grew up in. Mm-hmm. Was a lot like, of spliffs. Mm-hmm. They do spliffs. Is where that they would, <laughs> Yeah, where they chew uh. and they smoke cigarettes at the same time to get a nicotine high. Oh yeah. Uh, what? That's fucking. Yeah, I crazy. never, I never went in the chew world. I tried it. Was just it. too uh, messy, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. And, like, can't suck dick and chew. <laughs> nah, I just, it was always messy, and I thought it was gross that you needed something to spit in. I like the aspect of smoking, but yeah. I had, I've always had an issue with hand-to-mouth, probably, so. Oh, and my yeah. mom smoked. I used oh. to steal her Marbreds, and, like, she put me on timeout. Oh, okay, wait. So, Marbreds. So, this is something I've been interested in. Really? Is what brand of cigarette to mm-hmm. smoke. Marbred 100s. Yeah, that's the coolest one, though. Yes, it is. Well, Camel Wides. Camel Wides? Camel so what I've been smoking is Camel Turkish Silvers. Mm, those ones those ones are pretty nice. Because I feel like Mar- Marbreds is almost too trying too hard. Mm. It's not trying to. Like, you're... You, I'm trying to profile people by what they smoke, right? Yeah. And so I think Marbreds are cool. Mm-hmm. But maybe they're not the kind of cool I want to be. Yeah, I can understand that. A little too hot, a little too edgy and cool. Mm, no, I think more straightforward cool. Oh, they're more like straight. Like if you're just a, uh, if you're a normal guy, then the Marbreds are but for no, you. Or if you're a cool guy, or like someone from the military, I think. Or if you're, uh, I don't know. It's definitely good. I yeah. think it has a positive. Connotations like kind of like no bullshit. No yeah, no bullshit. Yeah, no a bullshit. no bullshit kind of person yeah. smokes reds. That's a good way to put it. So I like that. Me, give me someone who smokes uh, Newports. Newports. Well, so I I'm going about it the other way because I, uh-huh. uh, it's almost more like I would see a person and try to guess what cigarettes uh-huh. they smoke. Like I, that's the way I can see it. I can't see it the other way so much because sense. there's a there's so many different like niches of people because mm-hmm. it could there are it, you'll come across something where it's like all nurses smoke Paul Malls or something like that yeah. where it's like a very specific thing does a very specific so it could be like you know nurses and janitors and basketball players all smoke Newports that makes you know sense. or something yeah. like that uh but it it is it does seem like categories of people smoke different things. I, I agree with you because I experience that with between camels, marbs, and menthol. Mm-hmm. menthol yeah, then the general. menthol yeah is a big category. And then the camel crush. 
Camel Crush, interesting. Yeah. You, wait, do they, I don't know if they sell that anymore. So it's I like don't know, camel a crush. camel, uh-huh. and then you push the filter, and it breaks the bead, and it turns it into menthol. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and that's like that. Those are people that's kind of interesting. Yeah, it was. It was like you. Those are the people that uh, you either got it by accident mm-hmm. or they just started smoking. Oh. It's like they're on the fence. It's almost like oh, they're bisexual. Interesting. They don't know if they're you know which way they're going to swing quite yet. That's interesting. So then there's American Spirits is a big category. Mm-hmm. American Spirits, though, I, I feel like like what I see a lot, uh-huh. and you're right, it's a big category, but a, a large portion of that category are people who are trying to be healthy smokers. Yeah, okay, that's interesting. Yeah, like we're healthy smokers, and it's a little more... It's a little more hippie, mm-hmm. but it's also a little bit more... Uh, less like less money too yeah 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 or like um but then it's also there's a cool element i think they're cool mm-hmm. but i think they're overplayed in like i've heard people say like uh he's one of the like it's too many people like when are in that category to walmart oh interesting yeah yeah okay okay yeah i see what, uh, yeah exactly mm-hmm. yeah when it comes like mainstream like <clears throat> yeah rebel against them it American spirits might be the mainstream. Yeah, I don't know. I'm yeah. I'm so new to this world. I feel like anyone listening is like, no, you don't know it at all. You're stupid. Motherfucker. <laughs> Where's your social media? PM you now. Yeah, exactly. Well, Let me know who smokes what cigarettes. I'm trying to figure it out. And I I don't mean the, this. The thin the the Paul Malls. Uh, that's all old people. Mm-hmm. And wanting to save money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or checkers. Have you ever smoked those? No, I've never done that. If you need to, quit. Yeah, quit. (laughs) Those are the cheapest cigarettes you can buy, Mm -hmm. and it's like... um it's like eating the fucking name brand of Cheez-Its. <laughs> <laughs> so, there's also people who smoke, like... I always use them as blunt wraps. Mm-hmm. But people actually smoke the things. You know, like... Uh, uh, Swishers. Swishers no. or Dutch Masters or mm-hmm. whatever. Man, I gotta figure out who those people are, because... <laughs> They're different. <laughs> I, so I bet some, like, They're going some, for it. Sleazy bachelors in their fifties. Oh. Yeah, or like overly drunk, like. But that's just Idaho, because Idaho, most of the people smoke. Oh yeah. Okay. And most of the people drink. Mm-hmm. A lot. Yeah. And so that's where you got to see all these differences, like. Oh, all, so that's a way you could do it is be like, okay, who drinks? With, like, if you smoke Reds, what do you drink? Mm-hmm. If you smoke American Spirits, what do you drink? Oh, yeah. Right? So if you smoke American Spirits, then you probably drink uh, Rainier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I'd say Rainier, yeah. You're, or you're, like, that that's the kind of connection that I could see making of being like, you're in a bar and you see someone drink a drink, and I'd like to be able to say in my head, oh, I bet that person smokes this kind of smoke. Mm, yeah. Like, that's the kind of knowledge I like to have. And then you can, yeah, because when you get, you're able to, um, what do you call it, see those stereotypes in certain ways. Yeah. You're able to kind of, like, pinpoint people. A little yeah, bit. I like doing that. And I don't want to be <laughs> offensive, but I'd like to go on a reservation, and I'd like to see how many Native Americans smoke. Uh, American spirits. Smoke American spirits? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny because I work at the casino. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and so there's a lot of natives. Really? Um, okay. But not a, nearly as many natives smoke. Hmm. Like, it's not as high as you would think. Isn't that like not as many natives gamble? Yeah, I guess you would think that too, but I'm at the casino, so those are the ones I see. Oh, <laughs> oh <shit. laughs> I guess I see the ones who work there too. Mm-hmm. 
But yeah, I haven't found a brand that's like native smoke. Yeah, I, I don't. Like native, I need to. I don't think they smoke cigarettes that much. No. I don't know why I think that. I guess because I haven't seen it. Yeah, I don't. Or I, don't I would have picked so up either. on it. I don't. The only thing that I, that I see often is, and I don't mean this in an. No, that's way, not right. But there, well, I don't know. Alcohol and not as much cigarettes, but more. Yeah, alcohol. more alcohol than and cigarettes. Not, I don't mean that in a judgmental way. I'm just like it's something that I've always found that I found interesting. Mm-hmm. Cause I saw it in completely uh, away from here, over in Idaho. Oh yeah. I saw similar things, and that's always fascinated me about that culture. Is like uh, like higher uh, alcohol abuse. Yeah, well, I th- I think that kind of goes back to that uh, that Stanford class I was talking about with yeah. the evolution versus like uh, you know your genetics, your the way you were raised, those buckets. I do there is like genetic di- predispositions to alcohol abuse or like to how how alcohol affects you. Mm-hmm. Like, have you ever seen like the Asian blush no. that like. Chinese people get when they drink. What? They like their cheeks get flush. Oh shit! You've never I, seen that? that? Was makeup. No, it's a real thing that like a lot of Asian people when they have like lower tolerances for drinking alcohol and their cheeks get flush real easy when they drink, and so it's a real obvious thing that's like okay, well, you're Asian, you got and you're drinking. I can see it. Yeah. Um, and so I don't know enough about like Native American differences, but I could see just as easily. You know, instead of your cheeks getting flush, you want it more. Yeah, or like there's whatever. There's there. some kind of influence that's more than, and then obviously compounded by now we have we know there's this stereotype of them drinking. They obviously know it much more than we do. Yeah, I you drive know? down when I work yeah, for Safe Light Autoglass. I install windshields on the reservations in Marysville and oh, yeah. Birmingham. Um, there's a lot of reservations around us. Oh, yeah. That's what I would, the recurring theme was the signs that I would see, which talked about abuse, like, on every fucking telephone pole. And I'm oh, not like, criticizing. Yeah, yeah. I was just really astonished. No, yeah, because people are aware of it, I guess, because it's become a stereotype. Mm-hmm. And I do think stereotypes kind of have uh, the self-perpetuating. Yeah, I like almost... But then people also just as much rebel against it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, there's the people who then go, I'm never going to touch a drink of anything. It's interesting how um, the relationship between that, because you have people where, like, the uh, majority of the culture identifies with the stereotype. Mm-hmm. And at some point, um, they there becomes this counterculture, and that becomes a culture. Mm-hmm. Does that Like, you see that with, like, uh, drug culture. Mm-hmm. Like everyone was like anti-drug, you know, at one point back in the day, and then there was a counterculture of you know hippies and all that other shit, mm-hmm. and it becomes mainstay almost. Not saying that everyone's a hippie, but the yeah, view on things. I almost had. I'm almost not sure how drugs were viewed way back in the day. I almost think they were more accepted. I that's something that's interesting. Uh, maybe just the accessibility is a part of it. Like they used like. There were people who just never used any dr- drugs because they just lived on a farm that wasn't near anything. Mm-hmm. But when they did, they used, like, real... They only had the heavy stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, they're cutting off your leg. You want to... <laughs> but I I don't know about, like, socially, like, drug addiction and stuff like that. I only know real alcoholism and how well, that was treated. I experienced this in, um, like, the CBD industry uh-huh. where I have customers... And um, they'll be talking about like marijuana, and it's like they're com- just now coming to terms with like, this That's isn't the devil drug. shit. This yeah, isn't yeah. making you crazy. And it's like, what the fuck. Yeah, Why they had to overcome that. that. Yeah. yeah, and 
it's interesting. That's for another reason why I don't smoke jo- joints why? in public as much. Oh, because of the stigma? Yeah, because I think there is, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, even though I'm not worried about it, like, I'm not concerned for myself, I do know that people don't like it mm-hmm. because they have those kinds of associations Isn't with that it. Isn't the difference between uh, weed and alcohol? I suppose you get just if you're hammered as fuck, you yeah. wouldn't be like worried about that or anything. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm gonna get naked in the street. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be like, I'm gonna duck behind this double alley. Yeah, exactly. Make sure I hide it. Yeah. I still uh, affect or I still have like a stigma on weed. Yeah. Whereas like, and I don't mean this in some like weird dramatic. You won't smoke a bong on a corner. No, it's hard for me. Like it's hard for me where even like my manager says you got to smoke weed outside. Oh yeah. I'll fucking do that. But um, <laughs> this is a fire hazard. I'm like, fire you want hazard. me to just like hit That's the bong? That's his reason because yeah, it's a fire hazard. Well, my kids are fucking down there, or my kids down there playing. I yeah. just you know rip the bong and I'm like, don't touch that. That's you're nice. gonna spill it. Like and but in Idaho, it's a felony. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I'm like, um, this yeah, is fucking felony weird, for an eighth is crazy. Yeah, and, yeah, I could that's, so that's like the standard though, it, it, and it, it makes is. sense why then it's four times as expensive. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, I used to make so much money yeah, off yeah. that as a kid. But that was the thing was that I would identify with people who would, uh, you know, like I talked about my experience, you know, with overdose and stuff, mm-hmm. and I used to play around with some harder drugs. Mm-hmm. But when in dealing with weed. I would have to interact with people who were dealing with harder shit, and oh, yeah. I would identify with that culture. Interesting. Um, and then I would also... I never liked weed culture. Really? Yeah. See, I never got the, like, you know, that hippie bro culture. I mean, I, I smoke weed all the time, every, like, all the time, all the time. Mm-hmm. I hate weed culture, because it's too, uh, um, it's too preachy, like, preaching to the choir. Yeah, I see. There's a lot of preaching to the choir. Like, all the opinions, it's like, I've never found anyone disagree with them. Mm-hmm. Or any, no- or very few novel opinions. Too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Just almost like repeating it. But that's because we... Bad memory. <laughs> yeah. Here's like something. So I quit for four years, right? When oh, someone's okay. born, I'm like, that's hallelujah. Good. Four years, that's pretty good. Yeah, and I, I've been a smoker since I was 10. So oh, it was nice, like, yeah. It wasn't hard for me, but I thought it was going to be hard. Yeah, it's easy. I've quit smoking a few times, and it's easier than you'd think. My stoner friends, though, uh. I get a call like every three months. Uh. You smoke a bowl? Dude, it's been two fucking years. <laughs> like, I haven't smoked in a long time. Like, we can hang out. Yeah, and yeah. Just always forget. And it was probably it was more of the friends that I had, but you know. Yeah, no, I know what you. Mean. I know what you mean, though. Like, it is a thing to do, mm-hmm. and it's kind of it is it, it is an g- easy way to like initiate hanging out. It is, and that's so the, there are a lot of friends who it's like that's a good way. That's like, hey, you want to hang out? They say, hey, you want to. Chief. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was a cool thing too, because it brought in in lieu of like having interesting uh, conversations to bring to the table. Mm. That was something that I could offer. Yeah, to yeah. People. And then, even then, because like I didn't think that I had uh, much of value to offer uh-huh. to other people. So when I like I couldn't say you know let's go to the roller rink or some yeah bullshit. yeah I got the place yeah I did, I got weed you know I got uh-huh. I got the most weed so hopefully yeah, you yeah. want to hang out with me yeah and, yeah exactly. Yeah. And that's where my relationship with weed was kind of more destructive. So. Yeah, no. But, yeah. but it's it's kind of like what we were talking with cigarettes. Very similar, actually. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> this is the bads for you. I, I don't think of it as... I guess there probably are health, like, bad for your lung. I don't even think about that at all. Mm-hmm. I know it is bad for me, but 
I don't care about it, I guess. Yeah. The parts that are bad for me are, like, productivity. Mm -hmm. And that's more what I'm concerned about. That is the same for me as my uh, productivity and my uh, level of uh, fulfillment Mm. and the kind of suffering that I experience. Oh, and the kind of suffering you experience. I want a specific level of suffering. I don't want, like, I'd rather choose my suffering than let it happen to me. Oh, that that's sense? dope. It's, yeah. Yeah, that's it, great. It's been really helpful because... Right, I want to choose my suffering. That's it, good. Yeah. Okay, because there is, like, suffering as an investment. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you're building up your your tolerance. And or, like, you're, you're strengthening yourself through, like, breaking down and rebuilding. Exactly. And it's almost like when you lift a weight... Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, if you lift, uh, practice lifting 200 pounds, mm-hmm. and eventually you can lift 200 pounds, yeah. then, like, if every day, like, just your day-to-day task, you have to lift 100 pounds, now that 100 pounds is really light. Yeah. You never changed weight, but now it feels light. So that's where, like, I would, I try now to do things where, it's that Goldilocks that we're telling, talking about, if you go mm-hmm. way too extreme, you'll just blow yourself out and yeah. be miserable, but you invite suffering um, that interests you for the yeah, you know delaying yeah exactly for a future investment and then your life never actually falls apart yeah. because when you're confronted with difficulty in life it see your tolerance for it is high enough that it seems trivial yeah it's like I I think the physical metaphor is a really easy way like to ground a lot of things and so like I was just thinking of uh, giving myself a foot massage right before I go to work I I walk a lot at work. So this is like, there is a pain to a massage. You know that feeling of like, it's a good pain. It's like a, a well-known good pain is like, oh. Yeah. I don't know if that's the right, that's, that's the noise I make, I guess. That's coming. Yes. And, <laughs> but it's, it's that investment of pain is like, okay, I'm going to, or stretches you do. When you do a stretch, it does hurt, but it's like, okay, this is the extent that I'm going to push my muscle to and then it's comfortable in this situation for when I use it, and it has to be in this situation. Yeah. that Now that you brought that up, it, I've been experiencing that in a lot of things, because I thought, like, doing extraneous activity before work, mm-hmm. uh, running, biking, I need to conserve my energy for work. Mm-hmm. That was retarded. Yeah, you don't need to conserve your energy. You can just build your ability to create energy. Like, mm-hmm. one of my favorite things I think about a lot is Dennis Rodman. Mm-hmm. After every game he would play, he'd do the treadmill for an hour. Oh. After the game. Really? Just beat Every shit? game, fucking all the way through the finals and shit. His whole life. And he was known for having this crazy endurance. And it's like you could say the chicken and the egg, but if you, after practice, are going harder, you're no matter what, you're going to have more... In the, gas tank. in the gas tank for next time it's going to be harder right now but he's investing in this time when it's super impo- like when he's the most tired mm-hmm. he's played as hard as he can and had as much motivation to play as hard as he can Yeah. and now he's going to put a little bit more on top of that and that's that I don't know to me that, that, that stands out as a great like mm-hmm. investment in your ability that really does and that almost goes back to what you were talking about prior to uh, efficiency, except mm. when you're just, you know, going through the motions and yeah. the effort, and then that, like, you, you're not, you don't push it envelope further, and you, you know what I mean, you don't mm-hmm. go to that deeper level with it, and um, that's interesting, I never thought about that, doing, like, 
something extra after you feel like you're done. Yeah, exactly. And in the category that's the most important, Mm -hmm. right? So you could say, like, okay, after you're done with work, you know, like, maybe what your, I don't know, maybe your job is to cut, to shovel stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So then every day you do eight hours of shoveling, right? And then that becomes, you can do eight hours pretty well, right? But if you go home and then do another hour of shoveling at home, that eight hours is easy. Mm, yeah. Because now you have the strength to do nine hours, and they're only asking you to do eight. I don't know if this works exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, or if this like, is the perfect metaphor for it. But the Dennis Rodman one is because it worked, yeah. and he's a real person. That's interesting. Huh. And um, I've, maybe it's, it might relate, but I've experienced that with cold showers. Oh, interesting. So I've done cold showers for a year now. And Whoa, I, yeah, that's and interesting. So, like, I'll do it every day without skipping. And that's hard for me because that's why I got into the cold showers. Is it was like, I was afraid of the following through diligence, right? Yeah. So then I, was create, I would create cold showers. I'd start doing that, and I told myself, if I could follow through with this on a year, then I would have, it'd be easier to follow through with other things, maybe. What do you mean by a cold shower? I turn it all the way on cold. And all the way cold is this your only sh- like? Is this like your main shower? You only do cold showers. Yeah, you know, don't, you don't do any hot showers. I'll do no. I do hot showers in the evening. I do the hottest that I can handle. Oh, okay. And I'll do that. I like the heat. Uh huh. Um, I hate fucking cold. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, no, that's you're training your diligence. <laughs> and a year you're later, cha- your physical ability, like your mind follows your body, mm-hmm. just as much as like it goes both ways. But like if you train your body in Diligence, your mind is now more diligent for other activities that require it, mm-hmm. even if it's not a physical one. And thinking about that now is that my level of diligence is unrecognizable to how it once was. When we talked about nice, yeah, yeah. Now you can do the dishes. And like, um, you have a child. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and I, in comparison to my son's mother and I, you gotta be a parent dad. every day. Exactly, but like, I would look at. I was over there for Thanksgiving, right? Mm-hmm. And she's like house to house. I was at one point in mm-hmm. about almost being homeless. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's having issues with relationships and maintaining a relationship. Oh yeah. But that's what she was got. That's the mess she was into when we were together, and that's the mess I was into. Oh. And I got to a point though to where I took a right turn. Yeah, and, and you no started building other areas. She did that, yeah, and so that's where like her issues, like the starting and stopping, and that mm. was my issue too. Is like I wanted to change, and I never would. And so I started getting onto these kicks where I'd listen to people and they give me good ideas or bad mm. ideas, and that was a cold shower. Was the first one, so I was so frightened. Cold of Being like my son's mother. Or, like, more oh, of myself, yeah. people are... Fear is a good motivator. It is, really, man. And that's, like, um, and insecurities really helps fuel that fear. Yeah. And so, I mean, sometimes it can be debilitating and overwhelming. Mm-hmm. But it, if you can do it, then if you can harness it, then it works good. But that's where the fear thing, too, in with cold showers. How long are these cold showers? The cold showers are about, like, ten minutes. Ten minutes? And yeah. You gotta, ten minutes? It, it didn't start Holy that way. Holy... No, it did not start that What? Way. <laughs> I was thinking, like, two minutes. Uh-uh. And there's a... I was thinking as quick as I can scrub. But the... No, you got to sit in it. Is that the point, yeah, right? that's the point. Because the, you, the idea is, I want to leave, I want to leave. Mm-hmm. It's calming yourself down from that, realizing that that is just a pattern of behavior. Because 
is the cold painful? So do you do like a head-to-toe body scan, relax all the muscles? Yes. And what happens when I feel cold, I say, right, initially it's painful. Yeah, I go like this. Yeah, shocking, <laughs> you know, like freezing. Right? Yeah, you start, your so, face starts shaking, you, my jaw clenches, my... You just like, take a deep-ass breath. And try oh, to, yeah, that deep breath. Yeah. That's what it is. And try That's to work the hard one. your body from oh, like tensing. Because you're going to ruin my mornings. <laughs> I've realized Because now I'm not going to be able to take a shower without thinking I'm a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> it was, like, from when I first started, I could just barely stand it. Right? Uh, yeah, no, it and, sucks. Yeah, and sometimes I'd be like... I think that's very relatable cold. that cold showers are intolerable. Yeah, that it's in, but what I always... I got fascinated about was yeah, first no, of no, fear. I'm thinking about it. If I'm like, all right, this is going to be cold. I've had days like this. When I wake up and I'm tired, or when mm. I wake up and I'm in a bad mood, I'm like, fuck, I don't want to fucking do this cold shower. It's going to be cold. Damn, like, why did I commit to this? Yeah, and then I'm thinking, like, dude, my house is cold right now. It's like 60 degrees or uh. whatever. I don't want to get in there. When I get in there, because I have all of this, like, expectation built up, uh. and I do, like, I'll do day to day journaling, right? Oh, okay, um, yeah. Because I remember that. My no, it's good for a lot of reasons. Yeah, memory especially. And so I get in there, and when I have this like uh, expectation packed, or this expectation going in the cold shower, miserable. When I would just fuck with myself, and um, I would sit there and tell myself, "No, it's mm. going to be really good. It's I'm not going to die. Just take a deep breath. It's fine." And I'm like in a good mood. I go in, and it feels like I am being. This is weird. Like tickled. It feels like oh I yeah, I know what you sensation. mean. Yeah, but I don't like tickle. Though. No, so what, what I found out for me was that when I tickle would makes you clench. Go into yes, tickle makes me clench. But when you have you ever been tickled <laughs> and instead of like trying to fight the tickle, you kind of just like give into it. My mom tried to train me how to do that as a kid because really? she trained herself how to do that, and she's uh-huh. not ticklish. Uh huh. She trained herself how to give in, like relax into Does it, she and like not. It? No, she just, like, almost feels no, like, it doesn't excite her in the way that it does. Mm-hmm. Like, that it makes you clench, yeah, makes me exactly. clench. Yeah, she out. she did a mind over matter type thing mm-hmm. mantra to herself after being tortured, tickled, tortured by her siblings. Really? Yeah, oh, and shit. so she got to a point where she just, she could do it. She could just not be ticklish. Whoa. Yeah. That's a trip. Yeah. Still? Yeah, still. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I mean, well, because that's the kind of thing that you would think, oh, she's bluffing, and she say that because yeah. then she's not ticklish. But that's the kind of, th- but it's the exact opposite because it makes people want to test it. Mm-hmm. Ah, I see. And she's never not like she she's passed every tickle test, oh. whatever that <laughs> she's means. Passed my, my passed all test. the tickle tests. <laughs> and that's almost what the cold becomes, but. I, the cold's a tickle test. Yeah, it's like a tickle test. But in some aspects, like, you know, when a child gets overwhelmed mm-hmm. with, uh, there's a lot of energy in the room, so they have, like, tantrums, or oh, yeah, they yeah. can't handle something. Mm-hmm. I found that in the cold, if I can calm myself and I can just breathe, it uh, feels good. Instead of feeling, like, pain. But right now, if I go in the shower, mm-hmm. and if I'm just thinking about how miserable it's going to be, most of the time it will be unpleasurable. Oh, yeah, because you can choose. That's, oh, Okay. Mm-hmm. So I have, I have this thing I think about all the time. Tom Sawyer's fence, the whitewash fence. Mm-hmm. You know, so he did this thing where it was a chore for him, but he pretended to like it, and then the neighbor kids would be like, "Oh, can I do it?" And he tricked them into thinking it was fun, mm-hmm. and they'd get like gave him an apple or whatever. Yeah. But the thing is, it was fun. Mm-hmm. Like you can, it was work in his mind, and it was fun in their mind, and those things are both true. 
and you can decide what is work and what is fun, right? And so what the way you like you can do that to make your life more enjoyable. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of what you're doing there is you're like, okay, I'm making this a game for myself. Yeah, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And so now it's fun. Yeah. And I'm winning. Because I could never think about like, oh, you gotta do this because you're not, you know, you're, you're a pussy or any of this other shit. Getting wrapped up into any of like that ego aspect of it just fucking robbed it. But it was, it was fun. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was trying to do. It was like, I got on the kick. Is like, Video games, stimulating, mm. fun, engaging. Yeah. No, these things that I've been ignoring have the potential to be fun. Yeah. And that was like gamifying it, and I'd never realized that until Or, or even back. taking away the work aspect of it. Like, Tom didn't want to do it because it was an obligation or because of all these negative things that are associated with it. And, like, with your shower, you're like, oh, I don't want to do it. The more you think you don't want to do it, that's what makes it negative. Mm-hmm. If you're like, you never say that about playing a game. It's like, oh, I got to go play this game. Yeah. You say, oh, yeah, I got to go play, you know, I like playing games. Mm-hmm. That's interesting because now um, the, we talked about delayed gratification, right? Mm-hmm. And, like inviting suffering. Um, that shit becomes kind of enjoying after a while. Like mm-hmm. when, you, when you frame it differently. Oh, yeah. Uh, whether it's like exercise or going up on doing like stand up and mm-hmm. bombing. And, you know, it's something where like literally rip I've never done that before. Oh, not I've never. Always, I always am successful. I know, you impressed me. <laughs> I don't know how it happened. <laughs> magic coincidence i think <laughs> i think so but like even those those excruciating moments can be pleasurable you know oh yeah but yeah yeah because you i mean the other thing is like a bad experience is a good story mm-hmm. yeah you know or a good memory i never thought of it yeah. like um i always liked calvin and hobbes growing up and so his dad would always be like it builds character that's what he'd say whenever there's a bad thing yeah and it's true though Mm -hmm. because those are the things like doing well and succeeding and you don't learn from that you learn from your mistakes yeah and i think i mean you kind of learn from success but it's not as uh and it can be really destructive when you indulge success mm, yeah yeah. like when you you uh what do you call it you fixate on your success and you do whatever you can to maintain that success you even see that with uh certain comedians and different artists like where you're successful and you don't want to take risks but when you change your relationship with uh with those lows in your own life i think you know where you try instead of trying to avoid them all the time because mm. we can tend to do that we're like we're, we want our life because we get the confusion between fulfillment and happiness mm. it's uh unrealistic to try to lead a life filled with happiness but yeah. it's realistic to try to lead a life with fulfillment yeah that's going back to inviting your own suffering and Instead of, like, avoiding suffering, Mm -hmm. that in and of itself can be a trap. But if you invite suffering, then whenever your life goes wrong, your life's not even going wrong. It's just life. Yeah. You're managing expectations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you're unattached to this uh, utopian view of what your life can be. And that's why I like... Yeah, a lot about expectations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if you have a utopian view, you're never going to be satisfied. Yeah, exactly. I like that about uh, pursuing arts outside Mm -hmm. of uh, a conventional job. Because... When in a job, if you meet the same expectation all the time, you'll maintain mm-hmm. your position. You, that doesn't work in art as well. Yeah, to you're be right. successful, you, you constantly be... have to be objective and you, you constantly have to take risks, and mm-hmm. that's what's rewarded. But in um, oftentimes, sometimes, anyways, working in within a big company, for instance, taking risks is not often rewarded, and the status quo is more or less rewarded. Yeah, or there isn't initiative to go it to like your energy in that direction yeah and it's you're not like personally invested yeah exactly yeah 
you're not there's no reason to or mm-hmm. there's no motivation for it so then why you end up putting your energy in your hobbies yeah exactly and that's um that's a way of living yeah it is and that's always something that i wrestle with personally and i'm curious on what your relationship with this is considering with comedy um is that i'm always afraid to work and then have hobbies and be oh yeah oh no i disagree i only want hobbies yeah those disciplines if you will and i'm not interested in turning it into a work well no i'm more interested in turning it into a work oh oh, okay to be able to like professionalize it because my thing is is not my thing. Mm-hmm. I realize that I enjoy certain things, mm-hmm. and if I do them really well, I can be rewarded. Yeah, I think that's okay. And so, but yes, I think that hobby, like hobbies, are important to have that aren't for anything. Mm. For falling, for falling. Yeah, like there's no no gain from it. Isn't that? I was talking earlier about doing like something that was unrelated to your discipline, like yoga. When you yeah, yeah. Jiu-jitsu. I think it's super important to do some stuff unrelated to your discipline. And what that does is that fun informs your discipline. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. You have like a, a base that then you have this new metaphor to learn through. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's, you, you can, and I almost think like, uh, what is it? Epiphanies? Yeah, epiphanies, when exactly. I, what I mean epiphanies is just like any innovative experience that you have, any new experience, is valuable in whatever you're doing. And it's relevant yeah, to... Because metaphors can contextualize anything. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I, I do this pretty actively. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'll actively... I, I call it, like, uh, dropping a, a pebble in a, in a pool of water, right? So I want... Uh, every new piece of knowledge, it cre- uh, shoot, that metaphor, I'm not describing that well. Oh, no. I like to drop them in areas where I have nothing because then the ripples ex- ex- expand in directions where I don't also don't have anything. Oh. So, like, I'll go to a whole new subject, like a whole new genre of music, a whole new type of book, a whole new something, and kind of drop and expand out from somewhere I've never been. Mm-hmm. Maybe more like echolocation. Oh, yeah. Whatever, like... like uh, Finding the edges of a new category mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah, going to the fog of war. In the yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. There you go. I like that. Um, so, like, I recently started taking singing lessons. Ooh. I'd never done anything like that before. Before that, I did ice skating. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I tried all the different kinds of yoga and all the different kinds of instru- instructors or like these things that there's no way they have like. I'll, ne- I'll ever make money at them or like you do them in any kind of professional capacity. Mm-hmm. But like, I think there's value in it that I haven't pinpointed. I feel like that's the value. That's the value that I'm most interested in now because okay. the experience is timeless. So, okay. So here's something that kind of guides that is Steve. There's the story of Steve jobs. Um, when he went to read, he didn't actually go to read. He just like sat in on classes, but he took a calligraphy class and he took this class and he's like, I never, I like just a random class. I'm just going to learn to learn for learning's sake. It's a hobby. It's a whatever that ended up being what informed the typeface for the first Apple computers. And that's like what, that was a big aspect of like what made it a more, uh, user friendly experience. Right, so this very like obscure piece of knowledge that he had that really had no potential of apl- of like being relevant or applying 
ended up being like very important and it's it, uh those kinds of things happen all the time with disparate knowledge yeah like i that i understand that because you could even frame it in the way like if you're um, going into a discipline mm -hmm. right? you have your role models or whatever you're kind of like it's originality is like blending your influences mm -hmm. but if you have influences outside of the discipline you're adding something to the discipline that makes sense? Yeah, adding yeah, definitely. Perspective, because perspective is so important. Influences. Perspective, exactly. That's that's where knowledge is. Perspective. And that's I'm having a lot of fun doing the similar thing that you are. Mm -hmm. and that's where the cold shower comes in, the yoga and stuff uh -huh. like that. I was retarded, or not? <laughs> sorry, I don't mean. That <laughs> no, much. retarded. I mean, I know what it means. Yeah, and I. To stunt. Yeah, exactly. And my parents, they're like work. Mm -hmm. Get fucked up, and that's kind of about it. Yeah. So when I was growing up, like I was saying, with video games and drug culture, mm -hmm. um, which drugs are cool, just in the context. Yeah. And so it's not important to be cool forever. Yeah, exactly. And it's uh, if you don't. Have it any, is right now for me though. I'm yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. But if you do like, I like to smoke weed and doing yoga, or smoking weed and going for a walk, yeah. as opposed to just smoking weed when your objective is yeah, solely no, the that. high. That's when I think it can kind of hurt, or like you solely eat food because it tastes good. Yeah, that's exactly. That's where the hurt. Ah, that's interesting. But there's um, when I grew up and no one uh, taught me about you know disciplines, interests, or any mm -hmm. of these things. So as an adult, I'm experiencing even exposing my mom. Oh well, yeah. To these things, because it's like and through I, your kid too. Yep, because I don't hang out with people like in my family. Mm -hmm. I don't like I don't like to. I'll watch a movie with someone on the mm -hmm. off chance. Most of the time, I'm just busy doing a lot of things. Yeah. And so I, I invite people to come along with these things. Ah, uh, yeah, no, that's class, good. I'll pay for you to do a class. You want to come hike? I'm hiking this day. Yeah, yeah, and that's a good way to do it. Yeah, and like, I'm learning, though, these experiences. These are all new to me, and I didn't realize life could be so interesting, as silly as that might sound. You, did you realize that you could be a leader without having done something before? Uh, no. Are you learning that skill? Because I think it's a super valuable skill. And my my dad was so great at it and never realized it growing up. Really? Because he would do all these things, and I always thought he was like a master at it, mm -hmm. and it was just him doing it the first time. Mm -hmm. But there's a there's a there's a way to lead when you haven't done something before that I think is a very like fatherly trait, mm -hmm. and it's because you kind of just have to bluff your way through it, mm -hmm. and the child just assumes that you know. Yeah. And you teach the process if you know a process of learning then you just or you use them as almost a crutch to learn through like oh, oh you figure it out yeah. and then let's figure it out together and realize they think you're teaching them but you're learning together that's exactly what i do with my son almost every time without thinking about it because i'm learning as he's learning yeah exactly like, the best way to learn is to teach mm -hmm. and I've, i'm finding that in like with my son that the things that I do teach them stick with me more, and even in jiu-jitsu. Oh, definitely. I don't know, like, uh, I would teach kids mm -hmm. um, who are further in rank than I am or know more. Oh, yeah. And doing that, even just reiterating things, it, like, working through it in my mind and then telling it to someone solidifies that. Yes. Otherwise, it just goes in one ear and out the other ear. That is exactly true. It, ha it goes through your whole body. It goes through the cycle, the process of in, and you're breathing it in, and you're breathing it out. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm a big fan of education theory and education psychology. I read a lot of books. Uh, anybody listening who really cares, uh, and you, uh, um, William James talks to 
teachers on psychology and students. It's it's all about that. It's all about education theory. It's all about how teaching is the best way to learn. Um, it's a super great Fundamentals of Psychology book. It's really, really dense, but it's only like 100 pages. Whoa. It's the best book I've ever read. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I really recommend it. If you're interested in this kind of thing, I have a lot to, like. I have a lot to say, but it's all garbled because I'm just trying to say what he's saying. Really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm interested, though. Um, yeah, but it's all it's that I'm really interested in the teaching and learning exchange. Mm-hmm. And the, I guess not exclusively father-son, mother-daughter, mother-son, whatever, parent-child relationship is like, that's where, lear- that's where learning is. Mm, yeah. Um, or like that's where that exchange happens more than any other situation. It, it really does because my son has been the vehicle for me learning things that I never expected. Mm. He would ask me questions often then. Yeah. I know them. And I, I've always encouraged him to say why. Cause, so yeah. a little bit of backstory is when I had my son when he was 17, right? Mm-hmm. And my son's mother was, I don't know, in their early 20s. <laughs> and my, they are Whatever parents, it was. Yeah, somewhere right around there. Our parents, though. She bought you cigarettes. Were, yeah, she, exactly. <laughs> That's the only reason why I married her, man. Yeah. <laughs> and, I like that line. And there's, uh, our parents, though, all of our parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, drugs, TV. Mm, yeah. And I'm like, all right, these guys. It's not a lot of America. to take advice from. Yes, it is. Yeah. And if it's not, you are... Uh, the right opiate of drugs. the masses. Yep, Xanax, all that yeah. shit, Ritalin, woo! Mm. And uh, so I didn't want to take advice from my parents, though. Oh, yeah. So I went to, uh, it's called uh, Early Head Start. Oh, okay, and, yeah. Yeah, so... Oh, interesting, that's where you went to. Mm-hmm. And that's great. So we met with her, and I tried to... That Those program coordinators are so happy. Yeah, they are. <laughs> they are. <laughs> <They're>, <laughs> Not only are they happy people, but they're like, yes, this is the program that's designed for you. Yes, please. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's so many people not taking advantage of it. That it's, a great, where, it's a great resource. Well, when I was a kid, I saw the, a lot of people, because I was at an alternative school, had a mm. fucking daycare in it, um, if that speaks to Oh, me. yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm like, all right, dude, my son's mother, she's an mm. alcoholic, so she drank like two months into his pregnancy, and she's like, oh, I'm pregnant. Oh, fuck, please don't be uh, mentally disabled. Yeah. He wasn't, though, but... Um, so I was afraid. Yeah, like, no, yeah, but you were afraid. I'm going to do all this research on how to be the, uh, not the perfect parent, mm-hmm. but how to give my son the tools that he'll need. Yeah, at I least. I don't have the tools. You at least yeah. know that it wasn't, what you know isn't the right way, but like, so cancel that, but what is, like, what can I replace it with? <laughs> yeah, exactly. How can I use what I know uh, didn't work for me since yeah. it was fresh in my mind? Yeah. Like, really fresh. Super fresh, Blood, yeah. Like, trauma, too. And so I'm like, how can I not do these things? Yeah, yeah. And, like, uh, what do you call it? So I reached out to Early Head Start, and we worked with them, and I had the opportunity to learn a lot about early childhood development. Oh. Not enough to reiterate, but... Yeah, um, yeah, I know what you mean. It, it's, you recognize it when you hear it. Yes. Yeah, it's yeah. been in a very, very fun uh, foray into uh, social experimentation. Oh, yeah, I love because, doing that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, so yeah, like, yeah, that's up my alley. Learning this, and then also, like, uh, I'm... Cause it's, so my son's mother, right, she'll struggle with something. Mm-hmm. Or uh, his grandma will struggle with something. Mm-hmm. And... I have to explain it to him, whereas opposed to me as a person, yeah, just write it off and wouldn't think. Yeah, about I'd be it. like, I'm avoiding it. I'm not thinking about it. But he asks yep. a question, then he asks a follow-up question. Exactly. So I always encourage that because yeah, I wanted no, it is him good. to like. I didn't want him to just accept, you know, just whatever someone told him. Mm-hmm. 
So I have to explain all these people going through struggles, including my own self. Mm -hmm. You know, I went through at one point in time after I got divorced, it was like relationship after relationship after relationship. And I'm like, please, listen, dude, we all make poor choices. Mm -hmm. And I started to learn about good versus evil. And so like the fact that this is all my own thinking, so I'm probably, I could be wrong. No, no, I'm I'm interested. That no one, there isn't any inherent evil. No, definitely. Beyond good and evil. Beyond good and evil. Yeah, exactly. And that's actually a good book if i'm remembering yeah yeah it's by nietzsche yeah Yeah. and uh the fact that it's just intention and a lot of the people have good intentions and it comes off the wrong way Mm -hmm. um like poor decisions for instance someone who's an alcoholic isn't intentionally trying to destroy the people around them they're just like you trying to uh receive pleasure yeah and this is the only way that they know how to experience it right now in so i quick want to go back to yes your kid asking the questions, though, because that's the interesting part to me is that exchange of asking questions in the difficult areas, mm-hmm. right? So I had this, I have this theory about like being a good parent, yeah, right? So your kid is just a hailstorm of questions, right? Mm-hmm. So here's a challenge for you in a week, ask your child more questions than they ask you because. A lot of time, like, um, I'm a big fan of Socrates, and he has the Socratic method of, like, learning through questions. Mm-hmm. And it's a great way to kind of spin it back at him. Um, yeah, so, like, they'd ask you a question, like, hey, can, uh, uh, you know, can I have a thing? And you'll be like, well, or no, that wouldn't be a question they would ask. Okay, um, shoot, I got to think can of a question. Yeah, okay, sure. Can I have candy? And you'd be like, um, no, because you, you have to say no. You can't just, like, let them decide. But if you follow it up with, why, would it, why wouldn't I want you to have candy, mm-hmm. right? That then they have to either think about it or they just ignore it, mm-hmm. right? They think, okay, they don't want me to have candy. Maybe they don't know. Mm-hmm. And then that solves the problem because they, oh, I was just asking so I thought it was a good thing to have. Yeah. You know, and you're like, no, it gives you energy. You know, it, I, it doesn't always work. Like, yeah. it's just a theory I have, but it, it, it no, it's that cycle of breathing in and breathing out, learning and teaching that if you make them think about it, mm-hmm. Then sometimes they learn. <laughs> sometimes they don't. I yeah, mean, <laughs> they'll just say it again and again. But. That makes sense, though, because, like, you know, when you have candy, it's like, no, you can't have candy. And it's like, well, um, why do you think I don't want you to have candy? Yeah. And then it's like, oh, you don't know. And then, because I've had this conversation with him, and it's like, do I have this conversation with him now? Because he'll get sick. Because he'll eat too much candy. Because yeah. the actual consequences, sometimes I'll let him experience that. Yeah, yeah. So sometimes he has to learn it. He doesn't really understand it just with the words. Mm-hmm. He needs to physically understand it. And that's the real, though. That's the way that he understands it. Because mm. he understands it, like you're saying, through through teaching and yeah. experience. Because if I tell him words, he can't understand abstract consequences. Yeah. So I have to push him through the motions. And that's where, like, it was, you know, sleep is another one where yeah. if he didn't want to go to sleep, maybe I'm taking you off course, but if he didn't want to go to sleep, he can experience, experience Being tired. tiredness tomorrow Yeah, we can talk about tiredness. But maybe he's not, he's willing to be tired. Like he's, you don't want him to be tired. Mm-hmm. He's like, ah, it's worth it to me. You know, yeah. it's worth it for, to me to eat candy, to be wired. So then you could be like, okay, why don't I want you mm-hmm. to have, to eat candy? Yeah. You know, you can make the question more like abstract mm-hmm. 
because uh, they can handle it sometimes. Like you, you, you can gauge what your kid can handle. Yeah, you, that's the fun part is you want to push that. Yeah. So instead of saying, so this I kind of like this one. Instead of saying why don't I want you or why is it bad for you to have candy? Why don't I want you to have it? Because then it's not on them. Because they, they could be like, oh, I feel sick. What do I care? Yeah. I like candy. Oh, my dad doesn't want to be up all night. Mm-hmm. Maybe that helps. I mean, just and that, whatever perspective you can add to it with a question is building knowledge around an area. That's fascinating to me because... I don't like professing here. <laughs> I feel like I'm talking like I know stuff, and I don't know if I like being in that situation. Yeah, I can understand that, but at the same time, I think you're curious about something, and watching you follow that curiosity mm, okay. um, would then encourage other people to kind of go down the same line. Okay, that's uh, fair. If that makes sense. Yeah, as uh, long as I as long as I'm maintaining a curious perspective like yeah. it's an experiment or like that question thing I posed to you of ask more questions than is asked of you. Not being dogmatic in your approach. Yeah, okay, yeah, it's yeah. not dogmatic. It's just, hey, give it a try and see what see how it changes your outlook and well, your perspective. It goes to gamifying it because it's a play. Gamifying it, yeah, it makes it a game. It really does because that's... That's great, yeah. Instead of your kid just asking you a bunch of fucking questions and you're like, ah, oh, stop talking to me, you can mm. really have fun with it. Yeah, make it a game. Yeah. That's great, because you're totally right, I made it a game. Yeah, <laughs> I do that with my whole life. No, I do everything. I do that too because everything else, like, boredom... <laughs> makes it more fun. Yeah, boredom is a perspective. And oh, the, I'm uh, quoting you on that. Boredom's yeah. a perspective. That's I'm writing that down. Oh, what, what was I gonna? Oh, with the questions, I think that's an important point that you make because it helps the child develop their thought process. Yeah, the or, process. Yeah, and I think a lot of that's Yahtzee, and I experienced <laughs> that with like yeah. uh, homeless people, myself, and just talking with people. You know, yeah. Like, there's all of these things that we assume the way things work and, and the way some people think about things don't make any fucking sense to me at all. Yeah, but that's those are the people that make me curious. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, that's my point. It's, yeah, I just like, want to figure it out. Yeah, exactly. And because and nobody's like, I mean, maybe there are people who are just completely illogical, uh-huh. but everyone has some reason they think what they think. Yes. You just have to follow it to maybe. A, misconception or like uh, fundamental like perspective different like most of the time it just boils down to you have different facts that you're dealing with that goes back to the whole good and evil thing too because we're basically all the same with very uh, with minute differences in all these different areas yeah I mean we're pretty it depends what you're looking at we're different Mm -hmm. and similar I mean we all have hands and arms and legs but some of us don't yeah that's true but I mean Different in the sense of like uh, alien in the way that you think. Yeah, yeah, we all like, yeah. Like a Russian and an American. Logic is all logic. Yeah, our culture is yeah. different, but I mean, we got we got brains. We still have to eat food. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sleep. It's yeah, and there's no monsters underneath the bed, essentially. Yeah. In terms of people, and yeah. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, I think. I think I could have a conversation with anybody. Yeah, that's where I'm at. Is I even people who are like overtly uh, aggressive. Yeah. And. Like in a very scary way, uh-huh. um, I can have conversations with them. Yeah, I can still talk to them. Mm-hmm. I understand that, like, I'm I probably twenty steps away from there. Yeah, twenty steps, not five. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, with a plate glass window. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, that's why I have a friend, kind of a friend. Yeah, he's a friend. Yeah, um, but Count he it. he uh, visits. Uh, Is he gonna criminals. listen and be like, "I'm not your friend"? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he, well, no. he. 
Uh, Will is no friend of criminals. mine. Yeah, motherfucker. <laughs> and he's been I doing it since he's been a kid. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. And, uh, That's really interesting. It's very interesting, yes. That's almost more interesting than... I almost want to visit him. Yeah, I, I know. I just threw that out. Yeah. Why, then, why does he do it? Just so he's interested in the way that their mind works. He started writing them when he was like 13. And he was watching like one of the true crime things. And uh-huh. he wrote them in jail and then wrote back. And then he's just been writing them ever since. It's not like a, a fascination where, like these people are. are yeah, yeah. Possible, but, but a curiosity. Curiosity. Mm-hmm. And he's, uh, That's a great curiosity. It really is, man. And they, yeah, I'm to a lot of people have that curiosity. I think it's a real common curiosity, <laughs> but to t- take the initiative to turn it into an action mm-hmm. and it's, actually like try to quench your theory of curiosity. Mm-hmm. It's something that's, cool. that's kind of uh, taboo to some people. Yeah, and, I can see that. And that's where like he experiences backlash for it. But then the funniest thing is, is that one of the most popular shows is like Law and Order. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. All true, true, all crime, true crime stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like the spectacle. True crime is super popular, and mm-hmm. that's like, that's like the hardcore way to do it. Yeah, it, it is, and that's what it surprised me. I'm that's like, Dude. you know, I have thought about that as like these people, they are accessible. Mm-hmm. Like you can interview. Like most people, if you ask them, they'll in, you they'll be interviewed. Like mm-hmm. you ask me, I'm doing it. Yeah, exactly. But I mean. You could, yeah, or you have experience with asking people on the street, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And people say yes. Dude. Like, nobody doesn't have the availability to be interviewed. Mm-hmm. I walked down the street and it felt weird because I felt like I was doing, I don't know, picking people in like yeah. a lineup in prison. But I walked down the street with the homeless people and I'm like, mm, that guy looks interesting. Hey, you want to do an interview? Yeah. I'll buy you food. Well, so uh, I want to commend you on that because mm-hmm. I think that's how, you, like, I read. Benjamin Franklin's autobiography. Yeah. And he said that that's the key to how he got so smart. Really? Is his father, every Sunday, would go out into the town and choose a random person and invite them for Sunday dinner, and all of the Franklins would have Sunday dinner with this person, and they would fucking drill them on political things of the day. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to be right here. All right, you're a cobbler. What do you think about the new tax on whatever? Yeah. yeah. And so every week he would, they would come and have a new perspective. Mm -hmm. And so he said it was the most valuable thing of his like education of his upbringing is that he learned the perspective of every person of every person, of every person in the community that he could, that they reached out to all these perspectives, and he understood all of the perspectives, and from perspectives is knowledge and truth. Exactly. And, and so you're doing that. Mm-hmm. Well, that's where, when I was telling you about the people... I mean, the questions might not be about the salt tax and stuff. Yeah, but. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> questions deviate a little bit, but... <laughs> Does Virginia deserve to, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Pennsylvania. <laughs> There's a, that's what kind of inspired me to do podcasting was that, mm. uh, two things. One were the older individuals that I met in all these uh, industries that I worked in. Mm-hmm. And at the top of their industry, at the place I worked, fuck, uh, they would be like, this fucking sucks. Not all mm. of them, but a lot of them. Yeah, a lot of them. And so... Every time I listened to them, though, I would listen. I would try to listen. Yeah, that's and important. That helped me so much because I was like, so I was. I talked to you about being in the restaurant industry. Mm-hmm. I worked at one restaurant, started there when I was fourteen, mm-hmm. and I worked there till I was eighteen. Mm-hmm. 
I've met a lot of people who got out of school and they continued to work there, or who uh, moved here and that's all that they did. They never started up after, mm -hmm. and it was like always the same. I was, a, I became afraid of that. Yeah. And so, and those people because because you can see how easy it can happen. Mm-hmm. It's very easy. Seductive. Yeah. You just don't. You just have to not be proactive. Exactly. And so I, and especially given my situation with having a kid and all mm -hmm. this other stuff, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm kid initiate. Yeah. This place. And, um, that's where you get initiative from. They, yeah, exactly. And that's where not having kids any, don't let you sleep. <laughs> dude, I, was, I would literally go like get off of work time to go at 11 and then I'd have to feed my son until like uh, one or two mm. and then get up at six or seven to go to school and then go to work and yep. my son it was like holy shit play skyrim for like 30 minutes <laughs> smoke a little bit of meth stay yeah. away i'm just kidding. i smoke meth heroin but not meth um it, it was listening to these people because i didn't have any role models i've mm -hmm. never oh, had a role okay model. so i want to ask you uh, this is one of my favorite questions yeah who are your heroes? Like, if you were to name some heroes. Um, who are my heroes? Yeah. As who I am today, my heroes would be uh, Musashi. Oh, who's that? Uh, he wrote the book of Five Rings. Um, he was a, a samurai. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and basically he, he participated in many unrelated disciplines that informed, uh, I'm going to butcher this, but um, him being like a, a samurai. That's interesting. And Is this yet? So the five... Like, what would I read to the, learn his... The Book of Five Rings. The Book of yeah, Five Rings. That's a really good book. Audio yeah, book yeah. and just straight Oh, yeah, The Book of yeah. Five Rings? All right, I'm on it. And then um, uh, Tim Ferriss. Uh, oh, that's a good one. Yeah, I love Tim Ferriss. And then there's a guy connected to him, but Josh uh, Wazikin or Waitskin. Mm, I don't know if I recognize He's that. He's a chess prodigy. Oh, interesting. Yes, and what he does, though, is he wrote a book called The Art of Learning. And oh, so, yeah. I think I've heard of that book. Connected to Tim Ferriss. Yeah, okay. And he goes into, like, meta-learning and how... Oh, meta-learning? Yeah, I'm into that. Yeah, and he when he did chess, though, he realized, so, like, one of the things in chess, instead of learning the basics, he would um, learn the finishers. He would teach you the finishers. And if he taught oh. you the finishers, he could bring you up to a professional level in just quick. Interesting. But he was fascinated Meta-learning, like, though, yeah, I, I do that a lot. Yeah, and that's where I got if you if you learn how to learn... Mm -hmm. then you can learn anything. Exactly. And yeah. If you also um, un try to understand your tendencies, like the mind's tendencies, oh, yeah. biases and stuff, and become informed in that way, it's easier to um, strategize. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's cold showers was one of them that brought me there. That's and interesting. For another one of my heroes, I guess it would be... I'd probably say Idean or Michael Larson. Oh, I don't know that one either. So that was number two. Wait, oh, wait, wait. What was the name of the book by the chess guy? Oh, that was uh, The Art of Learning. The Art of Learning. Yeah, he That's was a five-year-old, no, ten-year-old chess prodigy. Ten years old, kicking ass. But Michael Larson is one of my biggest heroes because he's the one who inspired me, like, just reaching out mm -hmm. and talking to people and trying to talk about my shit and not hide anything. Mm -hmm. Um because I realized that, oh, people I look up to experience these things. I mean, Tim Ferriss talks about committing suicide almost. Mm -hmm. And like, I'm like, oh, these people are fallible. They experience, yeah, yeah. you know, suffering like me. Um, just because they do great things, it doesn't mean they're different than me. There's, there's very little other there. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm sure there's genetic shit like we talked about before. But, yeah. Um, it, Michael Larson, he had a band called Idea and Abilities. He called this backpacking rap because he's hip-hop. Oh, okay. And it was underground hip-hop. 
He there's a story where he turned down like uh what is it uh Biggie Small no not Big, Puff Daddy. Oh yeah. He so 13 years old puts out his first record. Mm-hmm. And it's him and then his buddy who's a DJ which okay. is abilities. And they would he put out his first record when he was 13 talking about like Plato and Socrates. Oh cool. Like the allegory of the cave. And oh stuff. that's one of my and, favorite allegories. Yeah. And so he was slipping top that five allegories. Music, 13 years old. Oh man, that's cool. Beating adults in rap battles and stuff. Nice. And it was really impressive, but. The content of his music, mm-hmm. this is where I'm going to sound really pretentious, um, is really spoke to me uh-huh. because he was talking about a thing, a lot of things that were not very appealing, but his experience through life. And oh, like, okay. He was uh, talking about negative things, but yeah. Yeah, okay. like <laughs> one of them was agony is truth. Agony is truth. Wait a minute. I'm going to fucking... Um, That's kind of true. Yeah, like you're alive when you're... Yeah, I can yeah, it's. It, it I can was, see you attaching to it. Yeah, that's basically not my, what it was. It's not my key, but. Well, like. I uh, get it. It's agony is truth. It's our connection to the living. I accept it as perfection and keep on existing. Oh yeah, our connection to the living. That's the part I agree. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and that. So he was talking about a lot of concepts like mm-hmm. that. And. Um, but you could say that about any emotion. Yeah, that is true, but, like. For me, at the time. Mm-hmm. I guess it was almost something similar to, like, emo shit? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Where it was, like... I never had an emo parts. phase, I don't know. No, really? I think I'm going through it now. It was, like, emo music phase. Yeah. I never... Well, I mean, I guess I listened to sad music, but, Chiodos? like... Yeah, I never listened to... I never was into... I, I don't know why. I guess um, music and emotion are very closely tied to me, and I just never... Mm-hmm. Sought out that emotion. Yeah, like somber and shit. Like, wait, what's your favorite I mean, kind of music? Uh, Simon and Garfunkel's my really? favorite. Oh, yeah, 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 so, yeah. so that's <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's it's a different kind of. Mm-hmm. That's more calm. Yeah, I see. It's more like vibey too. That's a correct. Yeah, I mean, well, something you want to dance to? No, no, it's no, not no, like no, that. No. It's very. It's Why very am calm. I not think, re- recalling Sim- Simon, Simon and Garfunkel? They did like Bridge Over Troubled Water. Oh yeah. Yeah, very gentle. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is emotional, I guess. That's actually the kind of music that I'm coming into now, like Run River North and, um, what is it? Fuck, I forget their name. But when I was younger, it was like Bleeding Heart, like uh, City in Color. Oh, yeah, I like yeah, City in Color. Like ID and Abilities. But I only, City in Color was like one of the few I've tapped into in that area. Yeah. Is it is that Green, something Green? Who's the, Green Day? Who's the no. sing, lead singer of City in Color? Oh, is it like Jeff Green or something? I think or it's so, not Jeff yeah. Green or Houston? No. And I don't Houston Green? I always spell city and color like they're Canadian too. Yeah, it's the other way. It's Dallas it? Green. Dallas Green. Yeah, there we I go. I said Houston Green. <laughs> that's <laughs> so close. Yeah, that's I'll count crazy. it. I'll count it. Yeah. yeah, I had a friend who was a big fan of theirs. Really? And so I listened to that. Yeah, I like city and color. This is weird, but what does that music make you feel? Does um, it make you feel like somber and down? Is that kind of the thing on a good day or does it make you feel like happy? No, more. it makes me feel somber and down. See, that's the weird thing, is that that music makes me feel happy. Oh, At interesting. At one point in time, like, happy music. Oh. <laughs> the fuck down. No, I like happy music. It's like someone yeah. taking Ritalin and they, like, focus. And that's interesting. Huh. Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. Mm-hmm. That's why I asked, because I, I felt like, I was, yeah, I was yeah. curious. When I want happy, I'll listen to, like, well, hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Happy me Now I gotta think about that I don't know if I know the answers right away I'll have to yeah, think about no, it Meditate yeah. on it 
Oh, there's a. Uh, this is the no, but good answers on your heroes. You had some good. I've asked that to a lot of people, and most of the time, people aren't as quick. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, some people have like one or two, but you had a solid set and reasons why. That was good. Yeah, the, those people of uh, and Joe Rogan, but mm-hmm. <laughs> and Joe uh, Rogan, uh, yeah, yeah, put it up there, sure. And it's the those people were the just heavy influencers in my life because once mm-hmm. again, like I was just immersed, yeah, in like that that drug and the working culture. And not a lot of people provided me insight mm-hmm. on anything else. And those are the people. Michael Larson, the idea and abilities guys, was uh, he was the gateway out of it. And yeah. he was like, "Oh, there might be something else. So let me go look at other things." Because like, I don't know your experience. I, I mm. understand you were like associated with the church. So when I was oh no, me, not at all. Oh no, okay. Yeah, so when I was pretty younger, much not though, it, yeah, the, I, a little bit as a kid, like Episcopalian until like third grade or something. Yeah, but, I was like, Mormon until like oh yeah, fourth grade. I was baptized. And then, oh, like, interesting. One That's the, a little more hardcore. <laughs> uh, yeah, one of the Boy Scout leaders, the kids wanted to fuck. It was, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, interesting. Gay people. Uh, That's interesting. <laughs> I'm not gay, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The Mormons are... Repressed. They don't like it, apparently. Um, well, when I was growing up, I would resent people mm-hmm. who were outside of my group. So if there was people who did well mm-hmm. and had really nice families and stuff, or let's say they did sports, mm-hmm. fuck them. Fucking losers. Interesting. That was my thought. And it was like, but everyone else within my own circle... Like, and I, I think it's because I had a lot of like resentment towards that. But these people showed me that. Yeah, that, these people showed you the the way. Mm-hmm, yeah, exactly. And that <laughs> idea that like yeah. these people are fucking idiots, right? Like that mm-hmm. idea that I was attaching to. Mm-hmm. My ideas are not right most of the time. Oh yeah, definitely. And and, and the, that's important that you could say that mm-hmm. first. Yeah. yeah. So now I want to tell you mine, and yeah. I'll show you oh, what the Lord. difference between you and me and the similarities. Yes. Okay, so here's a big difference. My dad is on my list. Oh, shit. Yeah, my dad is very, yeah, he's a great dad, mm-hmm. right? And I learned, like, he's my idol in so many ways, oh, right? That's so, so that's cool. a big difference. And it's, yeah, no, it's, I'm very lucky and fortunate for that. Yeah. Um, we don't need to go into that. And, well, we can go more into it, but, like, uh, yeah, uh, that's a big difference, though. Mm-hmm. For so, like, And it isn't that it isn't incredibly common. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I've been surprised, um, maybe because it's, it's sheltered having a good dad who, mm-hmm. like, you're, like, teaches you a lot and mm-hmm. a, shows you the way. And it feeds your expectations because in your own world you're like, oh, everyone must be, have this. And then, yeah, it took me a little while to learn, but... Yeah, I, I thought the other way, where men are fucking pieces of shit. And yeah, realized, that's not true. But both are true. <laughs> yeah, exactly. not to sidecar you though. So then your, um, I told you the book, uh, uh, William James talks to teachers on psychology. Yes. That book is he is my uh, chess guy. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. He taught me how to like the meta of learning, mm-hmm. and that to me is. The fact that you place that so important and valuable, mm-hmm. to me, that's the right on track. Yeah. Yeah. Like, when I read that book, that book to me was the, the other book to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see, I see. Okay? It's that learning about how to learn, and how, and it's a self-improvement, but it's a kind of focused in how to do it, like, or it's, it's a very practical self-improvement guide and more theory than... Uh, um, Pop like there's a lot of pop culture, yeah. pop psychology type self help self improvement books, mm-hmm. and but uh, I think the ones we're talking about are more. Uh, it's on a different kind of level, it, I guess. It is yes, and um, it's also a little more ambiguous in the way that it doesn't have a dogmatic approach. It's mm-hmm. Like it, it gives you a layer to add to your experience mm-hmm. instead of packing with expectation. 
Yeah. Yeah, and it's uh, not to sidetrack you too much, but it, it's been a uh, very crucial thing for me mm-hmm. because it's made me realize that none of my uh, behaviors mm-hmm. or patterns are static. Does that make sense? Like yes. Yeah, you're dynamic. Things, yeah. Constantly learning and adjusting. And, yeah. Exactly. And the minute that I stop doing that, I, I can stagnate. And it's, mm-hmm. that's when it becomes uninteresting for me. Oh, yeah. yeah. Definitely. And that gamifies everything. Gamify. Yes. Like, communication with I people. I want to gamify. I have to figure out, like, for instance, our communication right now. Mm-hmm. Like, this is something that is important for me to work on. And yeah. I enjoy the process of tinkering with this. So, the person who taught, like... The person who I think of when I think of gamifying yes. the world is Andy Kaufman. Andy Kaufman. You know, I've heard that name countless yeah, times. Yeah, so he's, he's like a comedy legend of sorts mm-hmm. where he did all these bits where he kind of, they, you didn't know where the bit began. It didn't like begin when he was on stage. He took it off stage. He made it real life. Okay, so he would have these characters and the characters he wouldn't get out of. You know, or he would have bits where he's not playing to the audience who's listening right now. He's playing to the audience that'll hear the story of the audience that's listening no right way. now, right? So he'll do. He did. You got to watch the movie Man on the Moon, and there's a new one. With, it's with Jim Carrey. There's a new one that just came out on Netflix like a week ago. That's the I sequel love to it. That Jim Carrey movie, or I would, the Jim Carrey documentary. I'm getting. Yeah, yeah, the Jim Carrey yeah. documentary. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. That's where. Yeah, yeah. So that's Andy Kaufman. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's Jim Carrey's favorite, and he was my, he was not my favorite, but he he's my favorite in this direction of where he's very inspirational in this idea of like like the world is a stage, mm-hmm. gamify everything, yeah. right? Okay, so it's like I can I I can do a comedian I can wear a crown right now, mm-hmm. you know? Oh yeah! Right, this is funny. Mm-hmm. It's funny that I'm wearing a crown. <laughs> yeah, and most people don't do it because it's kind of stupid. Mm-hmm. But it's funny. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 at the very least to me. And if it's not, it's a funny story later. If, I, if like, my mentality coming into this, wearing this crown, because I, I have to build up a little confidence to wear it. It's yeah. an absurd thing to do. <laughs> is I'm like, okay, either he's going to like it mm-hmm. or he's not going to like it. If he doesn't like it, then it's a story I have for later. Of yeah, I went in this crown. He was like not having it. I'm like I'm wearing the crown no matter what. Yeah. I'm leaving. And then I left without doing the thing because I wanted to wear the crown. You know, that's a story yeah. that then becomes its own. You know, that's another layer to it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it, you can have it in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, gamify everything. That's in that, in that once again is going back to like the shittiest situations of your life. Mm-hmm. It's a similar thing because that's a story. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or like he'd do bits where he would have like someone in the crowd as like a plant, and then he would have them like he would go back and forth and heckle them, right? <laughs> and then he would go like all in and like throw water in their face and stuff. And then everyone in the crowd would be like, "Holy shit! Like this guy is really mad at this other guy. Like I don't know what's going on, but like shit's going down." And that's like kind of breaking the stage of like, yeah. okay, now this is a real like this isn't f- traditionally funny, but it's a crazy situation that's happening, mm-hmm. and it's a story. Mm, yeah. I don't know, like seeing the humor in situations that have broken the stage uh-huh. and then maybe trying to capture that back on the stage. There's there's something that, like, once I saw him change the way I think about, mm-hmm. like, 
gamifying the world. Yeah. Gamifying the world. That's interesting in the sense, like, I've done things that sound really cool mm. after the fact and aren't yeah, at all exactly. Like, uh, <laughs> and that's where, okay, I might really take this off the, the rails, mm-hmm. but, like, I'll go do trail running, right? Okay. And I'm like, mm, I'm going to go and uh, run, like, 19 miles. And I, I'm not... Yeah. That's hard. I'm not trying to brag or anything. Yeah, no, 19 miles is a good run. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, this is cool. I'm going to spend the whole day doing it right. Mm-hmm. And I get there, and I didn't realize that, oh, it's Sucks. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm like, this is like something that I gotta tell my kids about. Yeah, stuff. yeah. And so I would do that, right? And the Neat. whole way through, it's like, when's this gonna be over? I'm getting dizzy. I'm not feeling well. I'm really scared. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm way up high, right? Yeah. So I'm like, I'm gonna fall over, and it's just excruciating. Well, after the fact, I'm like looking back on it like a week later, and I'm like, God, that, that was fucking that was killed, killed it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so, but when I go and I'm gonna go and do something like this again, right? Yeah. And then you think to the future self, I'm looking rom- back. Yeah, and I'm romanticizing. Yeah. It. Oh, my God, just remember being out there, and then I'm in it, and it's like, oh, fuck. Yes. Yeah. So the bit that makes me think the coffin bit that makes me think of that yeah. is sometimes if the audience didn't like his stuff, like he got really famous for being on a TV show. Mm-hmm. But he wasn't like that character on the TV show. He's, you know, so these the audience would get mad at him. So then what he would do is he'd take a book. He took out The Great Gatsby and he would read The Great Gatsby. Oh, no way. Just read it until the whole crowd left. <laughs> what? Yeah, and sometimes it was like hours, and cool. sometimes like a couple people would stick around. And supposedly, I guess one time, like I don't know how far he ended up reading it, uh-huh. but like pretty far. You know, and that's that kind of thing where like it's a funny story, yeah. but if you're just sitting there reading, like listening to him read the the fiftieth page of Gadsby, mm-hmm. it's like being on that trail, being like, God, my head hurts. <laughs> Why? <laughs> but it's that's yeah, it's that oh, same kind of thing of like, okay, but I know that this is making a better story than the moment it is now. And I'm curious on like how how well he was able to. Um pull a crowd after that with the crowd well he was tr- he was story. just trying to burn him off yeah that, and that's interesting and that's what i'm curious is like if if people would go in return to watch him because of that like, yeah oh, yeah exactly so then so that becomes the legacy is like uh-huh. oh this is going to be a kaufman moment uh-huh. you know he's going to do this thing and everybody else is not going to like it you're on the inside you understand and so he would appeal to all these people who are like oh i know what he's really doing i know what it's all about and then that becomes bigger and bigger till everyone thinks they know. Like everyone's on the side. Dude, damn! You're just underlying the the point that that I'm getting more and more excited about is that if I like something, if I just enjoy it, don't fucking think about what someone's gonna, you know, mm-hmm. someone's opinion. Just do it. Yeah. As long as it doesn't hurt people, just fucking do it. And yeah. Whether or not that's like on a stage or it's just in my day to day life, podcasting, so on and so forth. What mm. I find is that when I go up on the stage. Uh, even with poetry, for instance, like my fears, anxieties, or like trying to figure it out, like how I think it's supposed to be, mm-hmm. often gets in the way of a true genius, which is who I am. Yeah, and being more authentic or like not, not, not d- dampening yourself mm-hmm. from what you want to do. Even if it's fucking. Even if it sucks. Esot- yeah, esoteric yeah. sucks. So like I've done a lot of bits on stage that are kind of in that vein. Mm-hmm. And, like, so, like, I did a bit where I brought a carrot on stage, and I used that, and I ate a carrot during the thing, and, like, used it for comedic timing. Yeah. Now, that's a good story. It could have sucked. It did all right, you know? But that doesn't matter. It's a good story, Mm -hmm. right? 
um, you know, I did a set that uh, was so bad where I tried to rhyme the every li- the end of it was so bad. It was like the worst set I've ever done. I tried to rhyme the whole time, <laughs> and I was just trapped by it because I committed to the fact that I was going to continue to rhyme. Oh man! But it's a good story now. It, it sucked in the moment, and people probably. But people watching it were at least like, they're like this isn't funny, but it is funny because it sucks so bad, and it's yeah. at least he's swinging for it. Exactly, and you're not. Um, I don't think you. I would actually like to hear your experience on mm-hmm. this. I don't think you're put down for that. No, I agree. I think people intense. like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think some people don't like it because it's annoying or frustrating in the moment, mm-hmm. but I think it does make a good story, yeah. and people recognize that. I complete. I agree with you, and it uh, also provides like, valuable insight. Yeah, like I've had people. I've had a lot of people come up to me and say, "You're funny, but I can't. I don't know why." Huh. For that kind of for that kind of bit. Yeah. Like I can't put my finger on what's funny about that, but it it is funny. Mm-hmm. Or like they'd say, "It's not me, but the person next to me was laughing real hard." <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, because it's not a there's not like a punchline to that me bombing doing a weird pre- like a premise, mm-hmm. but if you understand that the context of the situation of this is just a guy on stage trying a thing and he's going out there and it's not like anything I've ever seen before and it's sucking, <laughs> yeah. that's funny. <laughs> that's like someone gets awkward and they like first up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Someone's it's like funny. Humor from tension. Yeah, and it's context. Mm-hmm. That's something that I'm trying to understand more. Not understand. I'm trying to play with because I don't think I'll ever understand. Yeah, it. yeah. Because I like that. Is revision. humor. Because, mm. like, poking or. I feel like I'm playing. Uh, fuck, what is that game? Uh, surgeon? Uh, Operation. Yeah, I feel like I'm playing that. Mm. Where, like, I'll do Keep something. hitting the buzzer. Yeah, like, <laughs> come on, all that. Okay, I'm going to keep doing that. Yeah, it's a like, trial and error kind it, of thing. Yeah, because it's. Like, I don't. It's hard to understand what's overtly funny. Mm. Does that make sense? Because there's like. Yeah, no, that's true. I've been. I've spent a lot of time figuring it out. And I don't. And not in like a. Oh, this like is hard. This sucks. This is like in a fun way. Because mm-hmm. gamify. Yeah, I'm gamified. Again, yeah, because like this is literally open ended. You just do something up there. No one's gonna kill you. So mm-hmm. no one's gonna fire you either. Yeah. You just fucking have fun. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so the last person. Yes. Who is on this kind of. I, it's not like a real. I ha, this isn't like a list I'm calling from memory or, mm-hmm. or anything. Yeah, but I'm kind of just building the general main people. But uh, and you said Joe Rogan at the end, mm-hmm. so you had a comedian in there. Yes. But for me, a comedian's always been there, like my whole life. I've oh, always had really? a comedian hero. Mm-hmm. It's always been Bill Cosby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you didn't serve me any drinks. Right. Oh. So I love. Bill Cosby stand-up. Mm-hmm. I think he's the best stand-up of all time. I think he's, the, like, there's so many things about his comedy that I idolize. Mm-hmm. Like, not only his performance, but his material and the social context and all the things that it did. Um, but, com- like, to me, I have to have a comedian as yeah. one of my top things. Cause I've always been, a, like, that's always been... Really? The per- that- like almost the main perspective for my life is that- the comedic perspective. That's something I'm very interested in. Is like so you. This is comedy has been an interest of yours lifelong. Oh yeah, a life. lifelong for sure. Yeah. See. Like I can even like I can think of in first grade. Really. See, like listening to Bill watched. Cosby and like being like this is the shit. I grew up with Bill Cosby 
TV. Yeah. I've never watched one of his specials, and I uh, want to. You got to watch himself. I have, I have a bunch of stand-up like. Uh, I downloaded really? on a hard drive, and yeah, I like giving it out to people who want it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And so you got to watch Bill Cosby himself. Yeah. I think it's the best special of all. That's yeah, I don't know if it's the best special of all time. Yeah. Top five. Ooh, do you have it in your? Yeah. Uh, I have it at trip? my yeah. home. Yeah, yeah. Damn. Yeah, when I see you again, remind me, and I'll bring a. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but you watch it, and it's just like, he's, he's a master of. Physical expression, like he's he's one of the best physical comedians. Oh, really? Yeah, mm-hmm. he's one of the best facial. He's he might be the best facial. Maybe Jim Carrey's better yeah, at facial expressions. Bill Cosby's up there. Really? Sounds. So I'm just breaking down every part of comedy. Mm-hmm. Sounds. Nobody beats Cosby at sounds. Yeah. <laughs> right. The way he does it, like he makes funny sounds, but he also like the way he changes his voice and the way he uses different voices and he plays with sounds and voices better than anybody. Really? Yeah. So like one of the in in terms of content he always talks about like he's great at father son, right? Or parent child. And what's great about that is you can relate to being both the kid and the adult. I talked with you a little bit about this. Yes, you did. Yeah. Oh. And so he can do voice. He does the adult voice. He does the kid voice. He does the grandparent voice. He does all this transition of voices and faces. That's it's a real performance. Mm-hmm. You gotta watch it. Whoa! But then you can listen to the album, and it's the best album you've listened to too. Really? Yeah, like the audio stands alone, but he's also the best physical performer. I didn't know. I've heard many people talk about like that. He was a skilled performer. And comedian, and I didn't realize though to that extent. Like, so he he was an like he almost started as an actor first. He was in shoot. I always want to say Get Smart, but it wasn't that. It's some I Spy or something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, he won three years in a row Best Supporting Actor in a TV show. Yeah, as a like as a black guy too, <laughs> you know, in like the '60s. Yeah, he's like a real. I mean, he's like a real, real actor, mm-hmm. and he's a real, real comedian. He was a good fucking actor. Yeah, he's a good. He's a really good actor, and I think that's a, like when I watch stand up a lot. That's one of the biggest things that people don't have, mm-hmm. is the physicality. I think there's a lot of people who kind of have it naturally, and I really encourage those people because they bring a lot. That you can tell when someone's bringing energy to the stage and they have kind of natural moving around yeah. but to hone it and like actually write bits that have intent to be physical mm-hmm. i think that like those bits are better than other bits yeah <laughs> like yeah. objectively because mm-hmm. i there's something about physicality it's really important we go into communic- i don't i'm not as well versed in uh, comedy as you are but we go into uh with like the what is it body language mm-hmm. body language being the majority of communication so yeah I imagine yeah exactly so here's so something i did <laughs> is uh um i watched i watched bill cosby himself the special without sound really hilarious he you can you can follow it you can follow what's going on to a point where you're laughing what yeah Yeah, you can't do that with like hardly anything. No, not at all. You can do the other thing. You can do it with is Jackass. My, what I think is the funniest movie. I fucking love Jackass. Yeah, Jackass Two, I think is the funniest movie of all time. Uh, 
and you can do it. You can watch with the sound off. Bugs Bunny, you can watch with the sound off. Yeah. There's not a lot of stuff. You could comedy. You can. There is a decent amount, but those are the ones that really stand out to me as like real success. You can watch them with the sound off, and you still like. Yeah. And then when you the sound on, you can almost do that by itself too. That's insane to be able to like be so uh, proficient in the the nuances of performance that with the sound on and the sound off dude I'm gonna do that no it's a really interesting experiment yeah so you should so Bill Cosby himself it's like a it's almost a two hour long special you should like watch the first 15 minutes audio and video then try just audio then try just visual like mix it up because they they all work they all work and they're all the bit like I, I don't like to say the best. I, I, I use the term the best too much, but I think it is the best. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to look this up. Okay, and, it's, it's, and all his material is the, so relatable. It's relatable to every single person. Like, it's really relatable. And then it's also not as clean as you would like. Some of the first bits aren't straight up oh, clean. Like, I would have thought he has bits about like drinking and stuff. Yeah, really? like his whole, st- his whole starting bit on himself is about drinking. Yeah. It's a great bit. I always thought of him as like you know, uh, really family. No, he well, what he he kind of puts it as I don't understand people who go out on the weekends and drink. You know, they get all this, they work hard for the weekend, and then on the weekend they destroy themselves, and that's kind of the premise. And then he goes through oh, that action. Yeah. So you know, yeah, he. I love that way of thinking. No, too, he killed he. He's, it's it's a great bit, <laughs> and he acts it out so well. Yeah, no, I I recommend Bill Cosby. Yeah, that's I came late to the game. I've always been in love with uh, writing and performing, and I like poetry. But there was no uh, when you do well. Mm-hmm. There's a really hard to gauge that. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> and it's also expressing ideas. In an entertaining way, like whether it's writing books, kids' books, uh, comedy, mm-hmm. it's just yeah. I've, I've just always been into writing, and I've been confused as to what I wanted to do. And then one day, I just like looked at what I was doing for free. Yeah, <laughs> I'll do that. I want to. Yeah, keep doing that. Yeah, but no, yeah. that's a good way to. You got to look back to see where you're going. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm trying to now uh, look or understand comedy more. And I'm just really excited because it's, yeah. it's fun to learn about. No, I, uh, it's my favorite thing to learn about. I can understand why, man. I had like, just like I had misconceptions with like weightlifting meatheads. Oh yeah. Yeah. Misconceptions with comedy. I would thought oh, it was interesting. just like, uh, like slapstick was my only thought. Oh, interesting. And, yeah, yeah. I think I a lot, it. I think a lot of people think that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is weird. Why, which is why I think that physicality is so important. I agree with you. And I'm excited to actually, like, fucking watch some of this shit, man. Yeah. But I did sidetrack you a little bit from your uh, heroes. Was, you oh, no, Cosby was going to be my last one because I, I needed to represent comedy. Yeah. I mean, I have cough. I have, I put in Andy Kaufman, and that is game, but it's more, that's more for life. Yeah. Like, gamifying life, mm-hmm. and it's more a perspective on life. Cosby is, like, the master of comedy, and oh, he yeah. is the person I learn all comedy through strictly for comedic purposes yeah it, strictly for because i love i love stand-up it's mm-hmm. my favorite thing to consume and it's my favorite thing to produce so how were you first exposed to stand-up like what was the most standout my for you? my i think the first one was my dad showed me really? himself 
Yeah, it was the first. It was the first one I saw too. Wow. So he's I was a, probably like five years old. Was he a fan of comedy or was it just a one-off? He's a fan of comedy. Oh, okay. What was? Yeah, the, but it's it's a pretty class. It, I think it was just like on TV or like on a movie channel or something like that. Oh, okay. And he was like, "Oh, we should watch this." Oh, shit. And or like he had already like he 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 was already watching it or something and like hey he invited me in and as a kid that here's another thing about comedy that i think is really skewed is kids don't go to stand-up shows mm, yeah they, and they're an important audience they're like the most like if i had a choice i wouldn't perform to adults mm-hmm. i'd do an all-kid room that's what my son he wants to go watch shows and i'm like yeah i, 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 I take you farm strong but I'd do all kids shows, mm-hmm. and my material because and my material would be totally different. Yeah, uh, my material wouldn't be that different mm-hmm. because I'm already I already kind of target it towards that kind of direction. But like, I think kids are one of the most important audiences. I mean, think about how much media you consumed as a kid compared to the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Pretty substantial portion. It was music was always go to to listen to. And mm-hmm. I didn't know that. I always did. St- yeah, I albums. always did. St- I did a lot of stand up albums growing up. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's an interesting thing because my son, like, that's his favorite thing. Mm-hmm. But even before, so, so yeah. then, as you, you should watch it with him. Uh huh. Yeah. Because there's, there's, if you think of as a kid, which comedians would your parents let you watch? Mm-hmm. That eliminates a lot of them. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. You know, or if you're a hardcore religious person, you know, that eliminates a lot of comedians, and it's not that I'm concerned about being eliminated but i'm concerned about these people who don't have as much to consume Mm -hmm. you know it's like there's you run out real quick yeah and like i it's a i think it's important for to like these audiences are important because i've been we've all been a child who's been limited and not been able to see you know red fox late at night or whatever it was back in the days and you you have this tendency or interest with the um learning between a parent and a child and um, child psychology as well which kind of almost feeds into itself or lends yeah. itself to doing that more anyways. Yeah, so because I do think comedy is like a, it's a great way to teach. Mm-hmm. Like the lessons you learn aren't like algebra or geography mm-hmm. but just as like a, like a father teaches a son how to like be a good person mm-hmm. you know those are kind of lessons that you can teach in comedy yeah. and comedy is a great like, you remember it really well. Like, I remember I went and I saw Louis C.K. do a special, or I saw it at the, and he came to Seattle, mm-hmm. and then I went home and I wrote down the whole set. And it's like, when's the last time I went to class and listened to an hour and a half long, or an hour, yeah, an hour and a half long lecture, and I remember this much stuff out of it? Yeah. Like, there, like, I was like, there was this whole thing where he was talking about this and this and this and this. And then there was this next bit. And I'd be like, okay, well, that bit that I just unpacked was like a one minute, you know? And it had all this information in it. And I remember, you know, tw- all 20, you know, probably 20 out of the 25 bits he did or whatever it was. Like, the amount that you could, like, the thing, it's amazing to me how comedy sticks in your head and the power of that. And I really want to harness that. Yeah. I, I, uh, yeah. Yeah, like I think in, I go back to the thing with teachers, and more and more I come to the idea that teachers are basically performance artists. Yeah, definitely. It's a different delivery system, 
And music, that was a big thing to me as well, because I was taught fundamentals that I would not want to listen to otherwise, because it was not entertaining. Oh, yeah. It felt like I was forced to school. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important, because, like, with my son, mm-hmm. I'll strategically say fucking shit. Oh. I'm trying to explain to him. Good. He won't. That's so yeah. good. It's, we have a thing good where he's allowed, to use, he's allowed to use curse words with uh, uh, appropriate intent. Okay. Within privacy, because it's that's you know, a good that's disrespectful. that's a great way to do it. And so when he I almost didn't curse on this podcast, really, because oh, I kind of like setting the tone. Like I did, I the first time I did, I noticed because mm-hmm. I don't like even in my normal life, I don't really swear very much. Yeah. Like I don't my, like it when it's appropriate, mm-hmm. but sometimes I do like just not. Yeah, exactly. Because it puts you in a different category. It does, and it also um, limits the words that you. Because you can use it, like, hang up on the words, almost in a lazy way. Yeah, but it's also, like, those are words that there aren't really, like, you do, then, then I can't use those words. Those are words that are, are, like, have very specific, powerful meaning. That was my whole point with allowing him to use mm. curse words within an appropriate uh, space. Yeah, so it's a lot of context. If him and I, if he uses them, he, he understands that they're a tool. Yeah, they are a tool, exactly. You don't use all your tools all the time. You use some tools a little bit of the time. Yeah, so I, growing up, like, there, when you're introduced to swearing, some kids will just, like, swear all, like, they'll try to swear as much as they can. Mm-hmm. And I realize real quick, like, it dilutes its power. Like, the people who just say fuck in every sentence, it doesn't mean anything, right? Mm-hmm. But if I don't say it for, like, ever and then all of a sudden I come out and I'm really mad and I start swearing you know like that has power mm-hmm. right so if I just use it when I need its power but then I re- but then over time it's like it, that doesn't come up very much yeah, <laughs> I don't exactly. actually need yeah. the power of swearing very mm-hmm. much there's no time where you need to like command it and there are sometimes but it's yeah, yeah. it's usually few and far between yeah yeah I, and that's kind of where I got to the point where it was like with swearing, you're right, that you would kind of take away its power if you use it all the time. And I found out that it was just reactions that I had when my son would use mm. swear words. Because he said shit the first time when he was three, I think. Uh-huh. And I'm like... And you threw a face uh, at him. Yeah, all I did was just said, you know, uh, we don't use those words. Uh, you know, put, you use different words, please. Mm-hmm. And then, because there was a whole redirection back then. Yeah, yeah. With the early head start. And then every time he would say it, I'd just not acknowledge it. And that. then if he said, like, he said, shit. I wouldn't say anything, right? And he'd say, shit, shit. And eventually, if he said, Dad, can we go eat? Or he'd bring up another topic that uh-huh. acknowledge it. Oh, okay. But the interesting thing was, is with, with him, it was always in private. So oh, just, interesting. That's lucky. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's where, for me, it was like he... Could have been he, only in public. Yeah, his extreme behaviors were in private and is public it was different that's so lucky it's not yeah, the, the other way around is so much more difficult because then you have to be in public to train it yeah exactly <laughs> no no thank you but um, when did you first start performing as a comedian less than a year ago less than a year ago yeah my second time was on Martin Luther King Day whoa and that was and so I, uh, my first time was the Friday the Monday before that what made you get up then? Um, was it just like waiting to get, become 21 or something? No, no, no. It was way past that. Uh, I'm 20. Yeah, I'm sorry, 20. Sorry. I'm 26 yeah. now. <laughs> um, no, it was because it had built up for a really long time. And I think it was... I don't know what made it that day, 
You know, I mean, the green. I live by the Green Frog on Mondays. They have an open mic. That's perfect. Yeah, and so I kn- maybe it was like, oh, I think it was the day that I found out that the Green Frog did the open mic. Then I knew I had to do it that week because I'd lived in a, I'd lived in Redmond, and there was a place in Kirkland that had an open mic, mm-hmm. and I knew about that, and I'd gone, and I hadn't gone up, and I and it just never went up then. Yeah. You know, so I, when I realized, okay, the Green Frog, it has an open mic, I'm like, I got to do it every, I got to do it right now. I got to do it this first week. And uh, I had written, because I'd, I'd wanted to do it for so long, I'd written a lot of stuff, and none of it was really, like, it was so disjointed, like, it was just a million different things. And I tried to do it, and I'd, there were too many things going, like, it, I didn't do Whatever. Some of the jokes were all right, and they stood alone, and some of the stuff didn't, Wasn't like, just, yeah, it, people were just staring blankly. Um, well, but how, then... How'd that make you feel when that when that was happening? I was like, I gotta do it different. Okay, and you just, like, emo- there was no emotional... I was already moving on from it. I'm already, yeah. like, I'm already like, this is, like, I'm on, I counted, I counted it. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, okay, but this isn't what I want to do at all. And coming up, it was all excitement, right? Like, no, you know, no, performance no. Performance anxiety or anything like that? It was all... I just wasn't thinking at all. Wasn't thinking at all. Yeah, I tried to just not think. And usually, I'm, I'm, I'm going to avoid... Uh, when I have anxiety, I just avoid it. Oh, okay, I see. And, and usually that means I don't act, but I was already committed in the path, or momentum. I was already in the building, or yeah, I had enough momentum going that at that point I could just not think. Um, did you... Uh, how was your... Te- I know My memory hard. is good too, so I was able to remember oh, all the stuff. Really? Yeah, I never, I try to never bring notes on stage. Oh, I've sure, only done sure. it twice. Yeah, I try not to either. In poetry, it would people would do this. Yeah, right yeah, yeah. Face. Exactly. Or even if they're looking at it, it's just a distraction. Yeah, it is a distractor. Time. Yeah, um, exactly. And your physical thing is so important. Yeah, so you don't exactly. want exactly. I mean, I think you can use it, mm-hmm. but most people don't. The the most joyous thing is the presence that it demands. Anyways. Yeah, so yeah. So anything that takes me out of that man is just. Imp- it's not the same. But you can, I think you can use it as a tool to break with, mm-hmm. like as a good way. Like, it can almost be its own punchline. Yeah. I see. Like, I've seen James Miller. He'd, so he'll do, like, one-liners, and then he'll cut to, like, he'll sit in the pause of you getting the one-liner. Mm. But then he has to get to the next joke, so he'll, like, look at the book, and he'll be like, oh, he's not actually saying another thing after. Like, there, it, it just adds another beat to it. That's cool. It's a, it works for him. Mm-hmm. But, like, mo- he's doing it purposefully. Yes, I see. Um, not doing it to out of not wanting to memorize or anything. Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah, exactly. And that's like you with the character. Yeah, you got to memorize. Mm-hmm. Um, because otherwise you haven't written it well enough. Yeah. I, th- I feel. You don't understand your uh, material well enough. Cause yeah, because you wouldn't know it otherwise. And you kind of, do you kind of feel it? I know this is taking off subject. But no, you yeah, kind of feel it out as it goes along and change some stuff? No. No, you don't. Well... On like accident. Given, yeah, given like the crowd, you just. It's all on. It's all words. on accident. If it does, it's on accident. Um. Like I pretty much script all the words I want to say, uh-huh. and then I'll just forget some of it. Oh, okay. But like I remember enough that like, it's uh, what comes up on accident is me just trying to like connect two points that I know I have, but I don't know what the bridge was. So like I know what all my beats are of like the funny parts, but how they're connected. You know, sometimes I say the verb wrong, or like I have to reconjugate a thing, or like the phrasing doesn't quite fit right, 
to connect a thought to another thought. Mm-hmm. But I have the, the each the funny parts of the thoughts are like in my brain real strong. Yeah. Because they're funny and I think about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like yeah, this is the part I like. Mm-hmm. But how did I get there? Mm-hmm. And that also increases your knowledge of it and yeah. your ability to perform with it, obsessing over something. Um, yeah, but I don't I don't do it enough. Yeah. Like, I need to most of the time I don't write it out. I do, it's just from circles in my head oh, and I, yeah. I, I'm not proud of that no see I'm the overly right and I don't put it in my head enough I don't chew it uh, and that's what I need to chew it more like flaw read it right before you go to sleep yeah oh really yeah your brain will run it over in your head a million times so while you're sleeping the art of learning that's what they recommend is like stopping your work uh, midway through flow yeah 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 so your subconscious can work on it Mark think. Twain did that too that's how he wrote he yeah. wouldn't stop right in the middle of a paragraph oh shit and so it was, he said it was easier to pick back up uh huh rather than at the end of a thought. But it also, like, it, when you do that right before you go to sleep, so then while you're sleeping, mm-hmm. your sleep is more focused and processed on that was the problem you were focused on. Oh, yeah. And so when you wake up, you'll be amazed how much better you... Like, I do it all the time. I'm excited. That would yeah. be really cool. Um, I took you off topic, though. Uh-huh. So that first time that you are performing, uh-huh. did you... How was your timing at all? Did you, like, have... I made it to the light. I made it to the light. Oh, well, most of it was kind of smaller pieces. Okay. Um, so there wasn't really an... I wasn't able to rush it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like, the pauses in between, I sat in them long enough, I guess. Oh, that makes sense. And maybe acknowledged a little bit if, like, they didn't get it, or, like, I understand that it was obtuse or something like that. Yeah. But the lesson I learned was, like, I'm, like... I, I really believe in, like, throwing away your darlings or, like, things that you're like, oh, no, this is my favorite. Like, get rid of that because you value it more than an objective crowd does. Yeah. So, like, I was like, all right, so I'm not going to do any of the things I've written. I've written all this time. I've written for years. Not necessarily stand up, like, a whole bit, but premises or extended things or whatever, and I could use it as a mine, and that was my plan. I was like, oh, I'll be able to mine this. And I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm doing it all about Martin Luther King Jr. It's all going to be topical. I'm going to, like, it can't be, I don't have anything on Martin Luther King Jr. right now. Next Monday is Martin Luther King Jr. Day. I'm going to do all Martin Luther King Jr. jokes. And that way I have to write it all. And I can't use it again. Because it's going to make me do it again next time. Because if I write, I can't use all those. They, I, I still can't use yeah, them. I, I'm, I'm waiting because I, that next week I did keep thinking the things to tag it with. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be a good set on. Come out and see me, Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Yeah. <laughs> it's a Monday at the Green Frog. Um, but like, I don't know. Make it realizing that like, uh, I want I want to be better at making it. Like, the process of. I'm not. I'm not trying to great, make the greatest joke. I'm trying to become a great joke writer. Mm, yeah, develop your ability to create jokes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that also helped me get past it. It's like, okay, so I'm writing this stuff. I'm doing it for this. Yeah. That makes it low risk too. It yeah, exactly. It makes it like low risk be too. Perfect thing. Let me just develop, develop. Yeah. Yeah. So I've kind of kept that a little bit. Like I still always try to write a new set every week, or at least a new like three or four minutes every week. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, pushing yourself away from your crutches. Ooh, okay. Yeah. I, I, I like that, and it makes me excited, because that's what, kind of what I was trying to do, was throw my shit away, 
every time that I did it and watch its progression. Yeah, and notice but the things that might hit. That could be your crutch, though. Is like you, you like to me now. I'm thinking like, oh, I actually should like work on refining because maybe now that's what I'm afraid of. Mm-hmm. Is like I do have enough stuff that maybe now I need to work more on mm-hmm. the other aspect that I was. Negle- now, now is neglected. Yeah, it almost seems like an issue of like uh, complacency. Yeah, in a lot of ways is whenever it becomes easy. Uh, whenever it becomes easy, yeah, exactly. Make it harder. Yeah, exactly. Throw some more weight on there. I heard some cool shit on the what, on Tim Ferriss's podcast. Oh yeah, it was like. Did he do the like two hour work week or four hour, four work, hour work week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he does. I think I read I, th- I I read part of that and then I read part of the physical one, the mm-hmm. exercise one. Yeah. I like that exercise one. I haven't read the exercise one yet. It's, it's a good one. Four hour work week. Yeah, the four hour work week. I, my cousin AJ is a big fan of it, and uh, he recommended it to me. But then I like the exercise one for sure. Yeah, really? Yeah, because I wasn't trying to start my own business. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's, I was a little bit, but mm-hmm. like. And I, I like reading things like that, um, but the exercise one I actually was like able to apply right away. Yeah, for me it was like at the time I just didn't want to work as much. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I know <laughs> what you mean. I'm like fuck yeah. Yeah. And it, but it taught me interesting principles of like uh, treating my own self as a business, like writing and all these other. Treating things. yourself as a business. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's but, a great perspective shift. Um, what was it? With Nope, I fucking lost it. How did we get off from the table? You were wondering about Bill Cosby being my fit. No. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, um, fuck. Doing the, oh. Oh, throwing oh. crutches? Yeah, and Tim yeah. Ferriss' podcast, he was talking about uh, one of the quotes, easy choices, hard life. Mm. Hard choices, easy life. Mm. And so, you know, doing That's that, a great one. Yeah. I like that. When, when you're in a place where you, where you start feeling comfortable... Like, and you're even talking about notes, too, because mm. you're right. Like, if you told, if you're dogmatic in the way that, like, never bring a notepad up there, you would miss the opportunities for, like, well, maybe this might work. Yeah, you maybe know? I can come up with a bit that uses it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then you would pigeon your, pigeonhole yourself. And, you know, yeah, because you're using the crutch of never, u- like, your crutch is I'm never using notes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and that's good. When we were talking about earlier, is like uh, polarizing extremes, mm-hmm. one way or the other. Yeah, exactly. Dangerous. It is dangerous. You got that Goldilocks though. Yeah. And um, did you have any like assumptions like of stand up, like what you uh, should do, or expectations that yeah. you realized weren't true? Oh, that I realized weren't true. Or were true. Whatever like stands out the most to you. Um, I don't know. I've watched. Co- you mean like from being an observer to being a performer? Like, yes. what did I learn in that shift? Um, Don't I thought that the audience was less patient. Oh. Like, um, one of the things was, like, I would always want to start real <laughs> quick. Like, I was nervous about, like, playing with, or, like, taking time, moving the microphone away, or, like, setting up kind of thing. And I think it's actually really important to, like, really take your time before you start. Like, I think the audience does have patience for it. Like, a few seconds isn't a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you like, there is a certain, only a certain amount you can play with of patience. But, like, uh, especially right at the beginning, um, people will give you a lot before you start. You know, mm-hmm. like, yeah. you can really kind of walk around and set up before you start. And I thought people would be, like, I thought people would be more impatient. I thought people are and were going to be way more impatient, and I was in my own head. Yeah, I I think that's a common one, too. Yeah, that's, wow. And I need to get better about it coming off stage, because I still 
I'm like, I gotta get off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I wanted to do. There's a guy that went up there, the Green Frog. Mm-hmm. He just fucked around with the mic the entire time, minus like maybe I don't know. Oh, you mean like while he was doing? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, he wasn't even saying anything. He was just moving the mic up and. Oh, down. that yeah, yeah, that wasn't a lot of fun. And no, it wasn't. And so what I thought for me was that that's my greatest fear. Oh, so you saw what you didn't like, and you're like, I don't want to do that. Well, no, before, like, I've always worried about taking too much time, mm-hmm. having pauses of silence, like I rush, right? Yeah. Um, so I thought, if that's the thing that I'm most afraid of, and I know it influences, like, how I my delivery with things, mm-hmm. I could ste- I step on a lot of shit. Yeah. And, uh, well, what if I just did what he did? Cause yeah, you got to do the extreme just to, like, test your nerves. Yeah, no risk. It's a cold shower. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm like, well, maybe if I just do that and risk the embarrassment... I'll realize that there's not that much embarrassment, and I'll understand kind of maybe where the nuance is by yeah. the two extremes. Yeah, exactly. Like someone might might be embarrassed bringing a notepad onto the stage. Yeah, You're exactly. Like, All right, I'm going to get over that embarrassment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to get over the embarrassment of the second after nobody's laughing anymore. Yes. And having it still be silent. And I'm lucky. I think it's and it's not intentional as into like I know this will work really well it's that I just don't trust myself and yeah. I don't trust my intuition very so much. then you just have to think that thing of this moment isn't as important for the crowd's reaction but for the skill that I'm building out of it mm-hmm. yeah and I, but you don't want to just like completely disregard like you want yeah. I'm just you know lifting weights here I don't even care if anyone's well, looking see and that's where I, I would what I wanted to do was go up there and uh, do some writing uh, on ideas and stuff, just writing, so spending like a whole week kind of doing it right now. Uh, mm-hmm. Not for that reason, but just just trying to process. Oh, it's Friday right now, isn't it? Yeah, writing with yeah. different like uh, different kinds of ideas and stuff to think about things. So mm-hmm. when I go up there, kind of like what you do is you have, but more just having points and just running the mic quiet as fuck, going up there expecting to be quiet as fuck. But uh-huh. it pops into my head, say it. It's yeah. better than what I'm doing right now. So I think that I've I feel like I've heard a lot of people be like that, uh-huh. like, I'm going to go do this, and then I've seen none of them be successful mm-hmm. in the performance. Yes. But because you're looking at it from this perspective of learning from it, mm-hmm. then it is valuable. Mm-hmm. I've seen people not go in with that perspective. They're just like, I'm just going to, like, they're not really even trying to learn from it. They're mm-hmm. just like, I think I can do it. Yeah. And that's not as good, mm-hmm. even though it's the same action. Yeah, Exactly. Yeah, and I think it's, it's being receptive to those things because what you're saying, yeah. minimal effort on those, you know, doing other stuff, mm. and you weren't receptive to what yeah. was going on. It is. It is also like something that's easy to say when you don't want to write. You'd be like, I'm just gonna like, I'm just gonna do bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's where. The, and then see what that's like. The thing for me is that <laughs> I, I take comfort in um, knowing that I have I write all the time. Oh, yeah, that is comforting. It is comforting. Like, like, I'm putting in work. mm -hmm, In the sense, like, I don't have trouble writing, and I know that because that's all that I do. Nice. That is... People are jealous of you for that, then. Wait, really? Or they... I mean, they should be. I don't know. Not not like anyone in particular. People are jealous of that ability. I didn't know that, because, see, for me, I've just had, like, a compulsive writing. Yeah, yeah, people are jealous of that. Uh, yeah, like I almost you should be proud of it. I mean, yeah, really? Yeah, you should See, be I'm proud of it. Dick fucking douchey in the sense that I'm like, 
I always feel like I gotta apologize for things and make sure that I'm like I'm not bragging or anything like that. Oh no no brag no I I feel that same way about bragging like yeah. I want to not brag mm-hmm. like I like being undercover kind of thing. Yeah exactly. Like on the sly like oh man I didn't realize but um. Figure it out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, whatever. But yeah. that and that's so that's where it was is that if I'm like neurotic mm-hmm. and I'm trying to like pack all this shit in, I know that doing the opposite is doing work for me relative to me. Mm. So like if someone had the pattern of going up and just free balling, mm-hmm. then the work for them would be to write more. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. So it's like following that. What form is the of work resistance. for you? Yeah, mm-hmm. the res- yeah, finding your resistance, finding your limitations and your edges, and yeah, doing some stretches. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, doing yeah. some stretches, m- m- increasing your flexibility, your mobility, your strength, and your endurance. That's a. Trend. I don't know about endurance. Mm-hmm. Maybe in, maybe endurance in the sense of like keeping at it week after week. Yeah, diligence. Diligence. Yeah, yes. yeah, diligence. That's interesting because um, this is a good metaphor. Like, stretching, I always thought stretching was where you, I think it's stretching your tendons, mm-hmm. might be muscles. Whatever uh, it one is. One of those. Um, and you don't actually ever stretch them. What it happens is, is your body believes that anything outside of this range of motion will cause injury. Yeah. And because you don't move outside of that range of motion, it... Uh, it's like, don't do it. it. Yeah, and what happens is over time, though, the less, like, the more and more you're sedentary or you don't challenge your range of motion... You, um, yeah, challenge your range of motion. That's the perfect way of phrasing for it. Your tolerance for uh, like your range of motion it goes down and yeah. down and down until you're crippled. Until you watch an old person walk. Yeah, exactly. And you're like, stupid. what? Yeah, they all walk stupid. All old, old people they <laughs> walk stupid because their range of motion is so limited because they don't have their yeah. Nobody's stretching every way yeah, all day. No. But you see the people who are. Mm-hmm. The old people, they're doing good. And I mean, you see like, old ass 70 year olds doing yoga and shit. It's doing, like, looks like they could fuck you while they do yeah, splits. Yeah, yeah. Because they've kept that range of motion. Yes. And what happens when you're doing like splits, you'll do uh, put your butt up against the wall mm-hmm. and pull your legs down. And all you're doing is you're telling your body that at the edge of your range of motion, it's mm-hmm. okay. Until you get uh. to the splits. Because you could actually get yourself really far within a couple of hours of doing it. Because your body will, it'll tense up there and yeah. it'll relax. You got to breathe into that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so I think that's with a lot of things. Is if you don't, you're not in that challenge state, your tolerance is just going to get smaller and smaller and smaller, and it's playing on that edge of resistance. Yeah. Whatever that resistance is for you. That fit the physical flexibility really apply it like as a metaphor can mm-hmm. reapply. Yeah. Uh, it is weird because I ch- uh, stretching. Uh, I think about it all the time. Mm-hmm. I like I started making it much more of a priority in my exercise. Yes. Being watching old people walk. <laughs> like seriously, it's a huge motivator. It's like, okay, well, I'm like I look pretty enough. You know, like I'm not going for whatever extra muscles or anything. Yeah. Like I'm in good enough shape for me to be happy with that. But I do th- recognize that like it's important to do some kind of physical exercise. Mm-hmm. So what am I, what's like the best investment? Yeah. yeah, that's more what I'm thinking is for the future. Mm-hmm. I, I like that because when you go from a point of wellness, I think that's a different thing from uh, pure athleticism. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, you – okay, that's – yeah, I'm, I'm trying to stop the decline more yeah. than like try to improve. <laughs> exactly, and that's where like um, – but the, the fascinating thing to me was that mind and body. 
because mm-hmm. then it feeds into like you're able to think clearer. Yeah. You're able to you know handle or mental discomfort in an abstract sense. Whereas because you go through physical discomfort, that's mental discomfort too. Yeah. And so it like grooms you for things that you thought that I thought were unrelated. I'm not projecting. Yeah. My shit. So I thought it was so my my hero William James, mm-hmm. he co-invented like the theory of mind my uh the uh it's called the James Lagrange theorem or something like that and it's the connection between it's those the mind emotion bod like the physical state mm-hmm. mental state connection and how they interplay off each other yeah and he, he invented it that's really cool. yeah it's really cool I don't remember which way he said it goes but he does one of them mm-hmm. whatever oh. and that, like that's what I was the thought. mind and body the body teaches the mind the mind teaches the body yeah, yeah. That's why exercise is important to train your mind, almost more so than your body. I I agree, because it sounded silly to me, but what you put yourself through exercise is more demanding than anything in everyday life. It oh, yeah. Be. Yeah, definitely. If you go at it with intensity, and it's not... I mean, it sounds stupid because like you're in the gym or you're on a yoga mat, and yeah, like, yeah. from the outside it's like you're not doing anything. Look, I'm struggling trying to you know yeah. figure out my life in poverty or some shit, and it's like. But what you are, <laughs> what you are doing is you're setting aside time for self improvement. Mm-hmm. You're doing, a, you're committing to something that you're doing every day. You're in the moment pushing yourself to your limitations. At least in some like in some moments, you're like, this is as far as I can go. You're maybe, and if you stop, you'll start back up again. These are all like mental lessons for yourself that you can apply to anything, any physical. You know, you could be stretching your legs or stretching your arms. It's the same mental lesson you're learning. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I agree. Because it's almost like that meta learning kind of yeah, like yeah. like I every I can apply almost uh, the lessons that I learn in my uh, physical disciplines to mental disciplines. Like, yeah, you know, even in performance and stuff like that, being more uh, having a higher body awareness, learning timing through martial arts. Oh yeah, like timing, you're judging it based off of other people, and if you're not able to find your timing, you're not receptive to be able to. Uh, Initiate moves because you're doing. You yeah, know. it's a coordinated effort. Mm-hmm. You have to have another person there. And I, that's where I thought, like, the whole going back, I think, um, meathead, mm. someone who's like in the gym. And I'm yeah. a retarded kid because uh, I was like, oh, they're just getting strong. I mean, some people do that. Yeah, there are people who do solo and they just lift bench press or whatever. Mm-hmm. And my own experience in those things is like it makes me confront insecurities and then it also like you're saying just these layering of the ch- ways that I am challenged mm-hmm. as doing that. And <clears throat> having and that's inviting your suffering because mm. you like you're having these simulated environments even comedies somewhere where like in social interactions I mean for me personally like performing in any way yeah. in podcast it, yeah, it's a it, performance. Yeah. It, I dressed it, up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I almost dressed up. I got shorts on. But... Oh, with this crown on my head, that's a costume. <laughs> yeah. And, like, those inform me, you know, for my everyday life. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Valuable. Mm. What was I going to ask you? You got a lot of pages there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Brought, that's like cool. A, like I said, I have a fucking writing issue. Yeah, I like to write in red, too. Yeah. Uh, I just usually yes, write with yeah. whatever pen. I yeah, I know. That's what it means, because nobody just writes in red. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I guess maybe there's some people, but yeah. 
your uh, catch as catch can. Um, what was your uh, biggest fear when it came to performing, or did you have one? Um, my biggest fear. Um. Well, I guess it would have to be like related to my goals, mm-hmm. right? So it'd be like not accomplishing my goals. So then I'd have to think what my goals are, and like originality is number one, I think. Okay. Um, maybe teaching, like I I want to exist in the minds of people after I leave the stage. Like I want them to think about the bits that I say after mm-hmm. I'm go- after I'm gone. Like oh, they sit on a chair and they think about my chair a bit or something mm-hmm. like that, um, and so those elements are my goals and I guess so then my biggest fear would be that like well I can't imagine not being original yeah um and I can't really imagine like how would I ever know if I was successful or not at people like listening and remembering after Mm -hmm. like it's not really something I can it's not a laugh because like a laugh you know right away but this is something a little longer lasting you would never i'd never really know unless i talk to a person and they mention it mm-hmm. which has happened and it feels real good really? you know yeah oh, when yeah. someone brings up a bit you're like oh yeah that is my bit and you mm-hmm. remembered it <laughs> um so i don't know if i i really had any fears because mm-hmm. i don't know if any of those were like in my mind of not being able to be reached yeah i understand huh. and like i'm not afraid of like bombing mm-hmm. like because i recognize it's just like one time yeah. you know and and you can learn from it and it's almost a better st- it's a i mean you can only have so many bombing stories but yeah. you know it's a learning experience and is it it would be hard to always bomb unless you were ignoring your bombing yeah yeah unless you weren't learning from it yeah but uh yeah i don't think i ever had any fears were you always uh for bombing did you always have that relationship with bombing? Sorry, I couldn't remember. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, I've never been afraid of it. That's kind of where I got to. Poetry? I mean, maybe I'm afraid of, like, a moment not landing. Mm-hmm. But, like, the overall set, I don't see it as a whole thing. I see it piece by piece, maybe. Mm-hmm. It's just information. So I'm, I'm not... Maybe I'm disappointed. Like, I'll be disappointed in my delivery or execution if, like, it doesn't go over... Or like, but even then, I don't even know if it does go over or not. Like, I can't gauge the audience very well for what I'm trying to get out of, or for what I want them to get. Yeah. Like, understanding. Like, if I've, I feel there's a lot of my bits that people aren't understanding, and I have no idea if they're understanding or not. Oh, okay. So it's like, well, so, I hope it worked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some people liked it, I guess. Mm-hmm. And you yeah. just kind of play around with different ways to present it, essentially. Yeah, or like, I well, I ended up just becoming my own audience and whatever I like. So yeah. I started recording it myself and then just listening and being like, this is good, this is better, this could be worse. Oh, that's you know? cool. Yeah. So I don't really care. Like, I'm not going for laughs, and that's really the only audience reaction I can read. So I don't really care to the audience reaction other than for timing. Mm, I see. Huh. Yeah. That's interesting. So it's more I'm reading the amount of energy than what the energy, or then like caring that mm-hmm. it's laughter. Yeah. So and like so like laughter is uh, kind of a side effect. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, have you always looked at it that way? Yeah, definitely. That's really interesting. Like, a smile to me is just as good as a laugh. Yeah. But I wouldn't know what you're doing. Oh. I mean, the only the only thing that's good about laughs is I actually can hear it. Uh-huh. You know? It's so I know that it's going on. That makes but sense. But if, if I'm listening back to the set anyway, then it doesn't matter. Hmm. I see. And what is your... I know your goal is to make a lasting impression, right? Yeah, yeah, make a lasting impression. And just a lasting impression, right? Or is there yeah. like a specific... Yeah, because you even go with some like some of your observational humor, too. It's it's odd things sometimes. Like, yeah. Like what you're saying with the chair, I don't want to like, go down on that bit, but... The, no, uh, we can talk about that Yeah, bit. absolutely. So, like, one of my favorite parts is I say, um, I'm thankful for the guy who invented the chair. For that, you had to sit on the ground. <laughs> right? And it's absurd. Yeah, and it's exactly. kind of stupid. And you're not really learning anything from it. Maybe you're, what you're learning is gratitude. Mm-hmm. And you're learning to be thankful for something that maybe you had taken for granted. Yeah. With chairs. That's fucking funny. Right? Yeah. And so maybe when you think about the chair, you if you sit, if someone out there sits in a chair and thinks like, oh, I'm thankful for chairs, then mission accomplished. <laughs> That's really cool, and it's just you take you take someone down like that strange road. Yeah, and there's no laughter needed to be involved in that, other than the fact that it's an absurd thought mm-hmm. makes it easy to memorize. It makes it really stick in your memory, how like a something like absurdly funny. Yeah, like it's it makes me laugh, and I'm not sure why it's funny. Yeah, that's the thing that I was talking about. I can't really before. pinpoint some of the shit I don't understand. Yeah, but it's funny, and I'm yeah. like, <clears throat> like not the content I don't understand. I just don't know why I'm laughing. Yeah, and it, it is genuinely funny. I mean, I've had that th- this th- <clears throat> I've had the thought of the guy who invented the chair. Before that, we had to sit on the ground. I've had that thought thousands of t- thousands of times. Mm-hmm. No exaggeration, and it's still funny to me, and I don't know why. <laughs> because I mean, maybe it's because like. How do you invent, like, a chair seems like it's been around so long, like, it has to have been, but it can't have been before somebody invented it. Yeah. Like, there has to have been a person first. Like, a chair is a thing that doesn't exist in nature, right? I yeah, mean, it, it kind of does, but where is the line of, like, a natural occurring chair and, like, something that's manufactured to, like, you know? Yeah, how many different iterations? Yeah, where somebody had to come up with something. But it's it's one of the most basic things we have is a chair, you know. And so I don't know. It, it's it, maybe it's a little trippy. Maybe mm-hmm. it's I can't really pinpoint it. But I have that's not my only bit or punchline that's like that. That almost that relates on like a lot of things we become used to, whether it's phones or like cars, for mm-hmm. instance, like walking somewhere, yeah, walk somewhere. Like, that's interesting because it, it's so silly and silly it is silly yeah, somehow it's silly this weird that's what you make me feel silly often i make like, you feel take, silly taking me down i make you road. feel silly yeah, yeah, that's make, interesting that's yeah. what makes me feel good but that's also very interesting and it's like yeah not like slaps just, just silly it's silly mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i'm not really sure what silly is but that's silly yeah exactly it's like silly um you know what that reminds me of and maybe this is... I don't mean this in an offensive way. Have you ever oh. watched Courage the Cowardly Dog? Yeah, I've seen it. Similar to that, except it was not because it's funny, but similar to that is, like, I would watch it because... Well, it gravi- 
grabbed me and mm-hmm. even his recent shit is like it was so it was silly it was silly you're right it had nothing those weird like, monsters and like the, the grandparents didn't weren't aware like their obliviousness was silly mm-hmm. and, yeah yeah the, and even the drawings and stuff it wasn't like it all looked it did drawings. look silly yeah exactly yeah, but I'm not sure what silly is. Yeah, I, don't know what silly is either, man. <laughs> I know what is silly, but I don't know what silly is. I couldn't describe silly. Yeah. Other than using these other things. Yeah. Which is yeah. I, I could I, mean. I could act silly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could act silly too. <laughs> you know, it's like making a face and like waving your arms funny. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was thinking. Waving your arms is silly. My body back and forth. Yeah. Like the wacky, wavy, inflatable tube man. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. Exactly. Yeah. That's, I couldn't even, remember how to say the thing though, or I would have said it. <laughs> no, barely. I, dude. That was <laughs> I almost stumbled, tripped down the stairs, and made the pots and pot, uh, whatever. Hands jangled. Yeah. Yep. That's uh, it reminds me of what my son's embodying right now. So oh yeah. That's comedy. He's asleep. Uh, well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he he like farts on me. Oh and, yeah. Oh, fuck. Yeah. You know, for some reason, I've never found I've I've never been a big fart I joke fan. Either. I never really got it. Mm-hmm. And that's Bill what, Cosby though, he's got one of the best. Are ones. you serious? Yeah. Oh, dude, he's gonna love it. I don't he's make gonna that love shit. it. No, like, he's gonna love it. I don't talk about. I've never tried to like crack jokes around him or anything. And then he just starts. That's all he does now. And it's yeah. like, and yeah, fart jokes never been my thing. But <laughs> no, he just has like a one. It's not a very long bit, but like just he is he he nails farts oh, as really? a joke. Yeah. Oh yeah. shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, he'll like it too. <laughs> oh shit! What time? It's almost twelve. Oh, yeah? No, it's 11. Um, I mean, I'm not... I don't have really anything. Uh, you're good? Okay, I'm cool. good. I just didn't want to make sure... Yeah, and no, I'm not... All right, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I, get, I mean, I got stuff tomorrow, but nothing, like, pressing. And so, if you were to, like, uh, paint yourself in the future, which I know is so hard, would it be... Like, are you interested in stand-up, or... Yeah. Um, just... So, Stand up's the best one, okay. yeah. Because like when I think of what I consume, it's what I like the most. Mm-hmm. And like I used to think about it very like uh, analytically, like, well, my favorite emotion is humor, you know, happiness. I like laughter. And what's like the purest comedy form or like form of humor? Like you could watch a funny movie, but it's not as purely humor. Like stand up is like every moment is dedicated to being funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, uh, I always liked it the best. Mm-hmm. Cons- yeah, on the consumer side. So that way, I mean, I kind of breathe in what I breathe out, yeah, or breathe out what I breathe in. Not getting distracted from the thing that interests you most. Yeah. And that's what I liked about, like, uh, performance, soul performance, if you will. Mm-hmm. Whether it was stand up or poetry, was um, that. I got to focus on delivering my material in a very interesting and digestible way. Mm, Digestible is important. Yeah, like what you were saying before about sticking in someone's head, Mm -hmm. those bits, or even if you look at music, for instance, uh, a catchy... uh, Yeah, a little riff. That's what poetry was for me, is it was uh, music without... A fucking instrumental. So oh, okay, yeah. You gotta get the, you gotta get a hook. Yeah, exactly. And so, uh, writing those things that stuck with people resonated with me. Yeah, resonating compact. resonated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like it, it being compact though. Yeah, compact is very. It's, it's uh, brevity is the soul of wit. Mhm. Yeah, I like that. Brevity is the soul of wit. Shakespeare said that. Really? Yeah. Oh, sure. 
You know what? I, I'm ashamed. Well, yeah, it's like okay. He's not that great. Really? Oh, thank you. You saved me. I mean, there's, he has great quotes, but like, um, you've you've already it's it's been it's been redone. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's true. I mean, I watched one of the mo- one of like the movie plays, but yeah, I mean, each into like he has profound thoughts, but they've all been like dissected and regurgitated in other ways you've consumed. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense. I mean, it's if you if you are like interested in expanding your syntax or grammatical abilities or vocab or like if you're really trying to like be a writer, mm-hmm. then yeah, I can see its value. But yeah. just for like pure entertainment, I don't think it's any better than anything. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. has the same tropes. Yeah, I mean, because it established them makes it like uh, impressive, but it's not the only place you can get it. Yeah, I can understand. If it was like, oh, this is you have to read Shakespeare in order to get this knowledge, mm-hmm. you would be dumb with not <laughs> having read it because it's so much of like the world. Yeah. But you get it in everywhere else. Like it's it's just in everything you consume. Yeah, so. that makes sense. And, uh, um, you know, you watch The Simpsons and it's a parody of the whatever uh, Macbeth and you never realized it growing up or oh, something like shit. that. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of that. That's interesting. It's kind of like the, the whole hero's journey thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. That exactly that same thing. thing. But yeah. Yeah. Okay. And Shakespeare is the hero's journey. That's something I've been interested in is uh, the themes that we use. Because, oh, yeah. Like going back to teaching people like straight lecture where you just tell someone ex- exactly mm-hmm. what you're saying um tends not to stick very well mm-hmm. um so you like nest uh lessons within story yeah yeah and then like that's why I, and i like the archetypes the characters <laughs> yes and so uh let me reframe my my I, uh my um heroes mm-hmm. right so me i or uh so andy kaufman is the trickster mm-hmm. right and uh cosby is the <clears throat> teacher Right or the um, the uh, whatever the master that teaches the lessons. Yes. Right or the, and then like my father is the father. That's an easy one. <laughs> right. Um, but I want to be a trickster. I like being a trickster, and I ha- I made a motto for myself, and I'm currently refining it. But right now it's the trickster likes to play the fool. Oh. And because I like to because there's some like he likes to be the fool, but he also likes to. Uh, trick the fool mm, you know okay. the trickster likes to play the fool um but you gotta, but you gotta be careful because the fool also likes to play the fool you don't want to get mixed up mm-hmm. uh, and then so then the other part of it is the trickster likes to play the king oh. the trickster likes to play the fool the trickster likes to play the king something 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 i can't finish the rest of my motto yeah. i'm working on it <laughs> that's what i like though is you're patching it yeah that's what's important man. i'm the trickster and i like to play the fool and i like to play the king oh that's really cool but and like with irony mm-hmm. or like with a with a wink yeah i see and that's what like gives you the most fulfillment yeah essentially. definitely and you've known that for a very long time i've known it for a long time yeah that's interesting huh and like that's where I didn't buy this crown this morning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> shit. And I, I find it just interesting, like Bible, um, a lot of things using like just story to mm-hmm. essentially um, teach. Oh yeah, Jesus is one of my heroes. Yeah, <laughs> he's one of the greatest moral philosophers. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Go, tell me more. Right. So he said, like, uh, cat, like. 
he who is without sin must cast the or should cast the first stone or like turn the other cheek or his big thing to me that I take away from him is forgiveness, right? <laughs> forgiveness is like the way I see the whole like Christian religion almost is it was like we as a society need to evolve, right? And these are the rules that make a society better is forgiveness, forgiveness. So there's this, there's this uh, thing I learned. I took this game theory class and it was about like, there's this thing called tit for tat, right? I do something good to you. You do something good to me. Good, 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 good. And then one of us turns and I do something bad to you. And then you do it bad to me. And then I do it bad to you. And it never, what breaks that cycle is forgiveness. And so that's the next level of society up from tit for tat is tit for tat with forgiveness. And that's the most, that's a, a more successful version of society. Um, uh, unrestricted forgiveness? Like, uh, it's a kind of a more of a general concept. Yeah. Gotcha. I, I don't know enough to go into that, that much detail, but I, then I think, okay, so what Christianity is, is it brought us from that tit, tit, tit for tat up to this world where we have forgiveness mm-hmm. and it's better for society. Uh, oh, like, uh, you steal from me, I cut off your arm. That's fucking cruel. Like, yeah. Kind of that evolution. Yeah. Or so, and so Jesus' big thing was teaching, okay, I forgive you for your sins. Right? And it's something I like to do all the time as kind of a joke, is someone will be like, oh, you know, like Donald Trump, I'm so mad at him. He did, you know, he banned, he did a, said a stupid thing. I'm like, I forgive him. That's what Jesus would do. <laughs> I forgive him, you know. <laughs> what would Jesus do? Because really, what am I forget like forgiving some like? It's really just saying that like. Making mouth noises. Yeah, it, I'm. What does it matter to me? Yeah. I'm I'm forgiving him for making like, and I really do forgive him, mm-hmm. and it's a good thing to do. Um, and I think people maybe don't do it enough. Forgiveness is really important. I agree. They they, they hold on like latch. On yeah, the they want to not forgive mm-hmm. yeah because it is comforting but it's also it's more comforting to forgive yeah i i agree and it doesn't seem like that initially like you should hold on yeah to like you want revenge and it's, and, a, it's gonna, best served cold kind of thing yeah. you want that cold revenge and but they're not, it's not that place good any value in fucking you over yeah, yeah. so anyway forgiveness it's a big thing uh i try to do it yeah I, yeah forgiveness it's essential because not the maybe I word this wrong. That good versus evil thing, or good and evil. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I am always capable of what you're capable of. Like if you're insane, oh yeah, evil, a, a person is capable of the same things. Yeah, 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 exactly. And that that's so that's what makes it easier to forgive on my end. Just because you know if I haven't been there, I could be there. Yeah, and, yeah, exactly. You can put you can empathize and put yourself in the shoes. Of, it's perspective. Yeah, you know, so. You're saying that that, like, Christianity could have been the, the vehicle or was the v- cultural vehicle that brought this revolutionary idea or this um, idea. I think it was a, a, yeah, it was a very strong vehicle for that idea. And it makes, I don't think it was, like, maybe the, it wasn't the first, or but it was a very, it did a lot of work. But being, being encoded in a religion makes it to where people preach it. Yeah, there were a lot of other it. layers put on, and there's a lot of other things about Christianity that are other things. But th- the element of Christianity that is forgiveness uh-huh. is very important, and it, they taught it. Yeah. And people learned it. And being wrapped in that package, whether uh, by happenstance or intentionally, yeah. stick a lot better. 
Because, like, you're just like we're saying before, if you just give a boring, dry lecture, it's like, yeah. oh, whatever. But if story, yeah, if I'm telling you, Jesus, he went and he saw the worst person ever, and he was like, I forgive you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <This> <laughs> he was like, Jesus holy guy. shit, he went to that guy, and he said, I forgive you? I don't have an example, because I don't know the yeah, Bible yeah. that well. I, well. I know what it'll, I could probably search for it. But I'm interested. Lepers isn't, like, a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> he went to the lepers. What a terrible person <laughs> those lepers are. No. Yeah, you know, it's not like he forgave the lepers. No. He forgave the sinners. I don't remember any specific sinner he forgave. Uh, I don't either. Maybe Judas or something. I don't know. Yeah. Abraham? No. Yeah, no. Who did Jesus forgive? Who did Jesus forgive? Please answer this. Call <laughs> 1-800-SAVE-JESUS. I guess he forgave everybody, didn't <laughs> yeah. he, really? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Wait, didn't the he Jews died for our sins. So he forgave all of our sins. Yeah. Oh, that's... Uh, I told this joke on stage. It did, Joel O'Connor really liked it, so I'll tell it right now. Yeah. It said, uh, I'm thankful that Jesus died for our sins. It wouldn't have been as good if he had died for our foibles. <laughs> And I like the idea of him dying for, like, much less, like, just like, oh, I clipped my toenails at the dinner table. Jesus, forgive me. <laughs> like, I got you covered. <laughs> oh, murder. Ooh, that's a little tough. You're going to have to see the big guy upstairs. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> I like that one. Yeah, but he died for our sins. And I don't really know what that means, and I've thought about it a lot. What does it really mean? It just is, it's just a vehicle that gives society the capat like, a way to forgive. It's like, I can forgive you because Jesus died for your sins and you have a thing going on. I trust it. Yeah, it's you and Jesus, you're, he forgave you, I forgive you. Yeah. And you, uh, but the most important, you're forgiving yourself. Mm-hmm. You're forgiving yourself through Jesus. Mm-hmm. Now, that th- what that through Jesus is, I don't really know. But it works. <laughs> you forgave yourself yeah. somehow. <laughs> You're free. It's, yeah, it is true. Like, Whether or not you believe in Jesus, or it could be any name of a thing. Mm-hmm. I could say pumpkins died for your sin, and you're like, oh, thanks, pumpkins. <laughs> you for- <laughs> I'm free. <laughs> like, it's the vehicle for it. That's interesting. Yeah. And the, um, it could be Muhammad. It could be, you yeah. know. Whoever you're, Gandhi. And isn't it, across different religions, too, a lot of them share similar principles? Yeah, exactly. That forgiveness Mm -hmm. is within... It transcended, uh, what do you, empires, too. Yeah, Gandhi did it. Wait, Gandhi? Gandhi was the the king of it. The whole uh, non-violent resistance. I know this topically, and I want to learn more more knowledge. Yeah, so, so Gandhi was all about, like, you meet me with violence... And I'll forgive you. Mm-hmm. Shit. Like, just like Martin Luther King. Yeah, yeah. Martin Luther yeah. King took it from Gandhi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay. So then it was like, okay, now what did you... So, like, now you're beating me up. I forgive you. What does that look like to a third party? Yeah. You know, what's the newspaper going to say? <laughs> They're going to be on my side. Mm-hmm. I win. That's... And that's... George was <laughs> talking about that uh, down at the Green Frog. Oh, yeah? Um, he was... Talking about he got someone was riding or no he was riding someone's ass. And oh that yeah. That person somehow like pulled him over, got out and was like yelling at him and for some reason he was uh, just I don't know in a good mood that day mm-hmm. and he's just like yeah I, I'm an asshole man 
I, I'm a bad driver. Yeah. I was like, what? Well, uh, yeah, when you admit it. I didn't just, you yeah, own it, and you own it, and you forgive yourself for yeah. your... <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, no, Jordan's really good at owning... I talk with Jordan Shaver a lot, mm-hmm. and of being who you are and owning it. If it's a negative thing and you own it, mm-hmm. then people are just accept that that's who you are. And it's kind yeah. of a weird thing and can be taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting to do social experiments around. Yeah, it, it is when you do it strategically. Yeah, yeah. Well, not just blatantly. Yeah, exactly. But, but to own being who you are. Mm-hmm, exactly. And or that, to own your actions, even if they're not necessarily indicative of who you think you are. Mm-hmm. Like, you'd be like, I did that. Yeah, it's not who I usually am, but yeah, I made that mistake. And isn't that, like, still attaching yourself to, to you know, um, your actions? It's your failures, your successes, any of mm-hmm. those things you aren't, your successes you aren't, even your failures. Those are just a result of the behaviors that you have. And, like, the, when you attach to those things, you're yeah. suffering in some weird-ass way. But you, I do think you are what you repeatedly do. Mm-hmm. Mm, yes. So that's one of my favorite quotes. It's by, I think it's by Aristotle. He oh, says, okay. you are what you repeatedly do. Excellence, therefore, is not an act, but a habit. So it's not one instance of doing well that is being great, but doing it repeatedly with diligence. Mm-hmm. Same thing with doing something bad. Doing something bad one time isn't catastrophic. I mean, maybe it could be, content, mm-hmm. but it's it's not indicative of who you are. But if you do it over and over again, then yeah, you are that thing that you are doing bad repeatedly. That's really interesting because in archery... Mm. Um, when you are shooting archery nice yeah. if you um, <laughs> that's that calligraphy pull yeah exactly so when you um, if you end it in a bad shot so like mm. you're you're good right I'm gonna do this for an hour uh-huh. and you're uh, you got 15 minutes left and your arm's tired kind of and you uh-huh. start shooting in poor form or you're hurrying it so you're shooting in poor form uh-huh. you literally set yourself back really far oh yeah because you're learning wrong yeah and so if you do good right and Mm -hmm. you like you you do 60 yards and you hit bullseye Mm. and uh, then you do your other arrow and you break the arrow because it goes one over the other (laughs) and you're like that's the best I think I would end right then yeah Yeah. you end it right then Mm. and you will be leaps and bounds in at the rate in which you improve that's interesting and it's because you internalize um, when you end on something you internalize that and that's when you and I were talking about writing mm. and ending mid-flow and going to sleep, yeah, and you're internalizing shit for your fucking subconscious. Yeah, mind. you're you're using it the other way. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, it's the same coin. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm gonna use that information. Fuck yeah, for that's learning. What, like I, I get into with um, self-talk and stuff because mm. I'm self-deprecating. Oh, so, yeah. And I was, we were mentioning before. I, l- I wake up, I put a crown on, I say, I'm the king. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, fuck. I can picture you just naked in front of the window. Flat. I'm the king. Stretching, like, <laughs> crown on. Some reason it stays on right when you wake up. Yeah. It's the first thing I put on every morning. No. <laughs> exactly. I thought about doing that, though. Really? Yeah. Have you ever gone to work with the crown on? Well, I have because I was a tutor. I did, mm-hmm. like, teaching with kids. And Whoa, so I would. What was that? I love it. Yeah, it was great. I. I don't need to do it right now yeah. anymore, but I really like doing it. Yeah, and so I would wear a crown sometimes with the kids, and then they'd be jealous of it, right? And I'd use it as a motivating tool, or we'd play like a mental math game at the end, and if they won, if they beat me, they got to wear the crown next time, or I'd make, you know, just random games around the crown. Mm-hmm. But it is, one of the interesting things about the crown is you do get respect. <laughs> yeah. There's like a weird kind of respect you get because... 
like a crown, like the king has authority <laughs> over, a, over over his dominion, whatever. And even though it's a plastic crown, and I just bought it and put it on my head, the fact that I'm wearing it, like somehow, it gives me a little bit of power. Choose to wear it. Yeah, exactly. Oh, Choosing to wear it. Oh, this guy's okay. this guy's taking it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. The uh, what is it? Stoicism. With Tim Ferriss. Oh, okay. That's what that it brings me to. Um, Tim Tim talks about taking it from stoicism mm-hmm. that like doing shit where you would be humiliated mm. so like wearing fucking yeah. ratty ass clothing uh-huh. and uh if you have if you're like in a richer you know, friend yeah. and stuff um and then doing that putting yourself stoicism. in those situations interesting it, it challenges your uh your opinion of yourself and then it also challenges like your self-confidence yeah that's what i'm shooting for yeah that's an interesting one. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah, Put it in the that's, context that's of stoicism. Yeah, it is. But, it, it, like you're saying, it leads us into the story, and then I, I believe that you carry yourself a little better. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, you can't fake it, Mm-mm. or you can't halfway do it. Yeah. And, um, but, you can all, but you can fake it. You can fake it, exactly. You can be the person. Fake it till you make it yeah. is totally, like, I, I live, totally believe and live by that. Fake it till you make it, and then... It becomes habit, and then becomes you. Because habit, because like you because said, you are your habits. Yeah, exactly. Habit. Nice. Excellence is a habit. Excellence yes. is a habit. So there is no it's fake it until it's a habit, and then it's excellent. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's the self-deprecating, like before. If yeah, I yeah, you can do it with a negative stronger, just as yeah. easily. And I can literally pigeon my pigeonhole myself into that form yeah, of reality. Yeah, into a corner in the darkness. Yeah, exactly. Fucking cuddled up and being sodomized yeah <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> whatever your fears are <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> mine are rats yeah, rats Dude, have you seen the documentary on netflix no i haven't you need to watch i don't it. know why rats get me there's more i think what i'm fine with dead rats what like once they're dead like you know how people get grossed out by dead rats like mm-hmm. a, a rat and a mouse in a rat trap i can throw it away i don't get like grossed out or anything but live rats under my bed. Oh, it's not a good place you. for him to be. <laughs> oh, I've, um, the one reminds me of one of the movies, I'm sorry, uh, where they like torture the guy by putting the rat in the Oh, bucket, yeah, and, and put it on his stomach. Yeah, and then rats. they burnt it, so mm-hmm. then he'd have to dig out. Yeah. I thought rats were going to I hated that. That was... Yeah, that, I don't even remember what... I saw that same movie, whatever. I think it was like yeah. Fast and the Furious yeah. or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> like, it wasn't a, a dark movie, Mm-mm. or it just like happened out of the middle, and it caught me off guard, yeah. The Rats documentary, though, taught me that rats can jump. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is... No. I don't like that either. Dude, I don't... Because uh, then, like, you know, then they can like be on the top of a shelf or something and jump yeah. on your head. I have a friend who's an electrician, and he said he had a rat jump on his head while he was on. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. Fuck that, dude. I don't. Oh. Yeah, it sucks. That would that would make me feel very frightened. Yeah, live or dead, either or bad. Yeah. Uh. Uh-uh. Especially like if a rat's been in my house, I don't know how I would feel. Mm, I've never yeah. had that issue, but rat shit and the. The side effects of being exposed to that mm. freak me out. Oh, yeah. Spiders, though? How, how do you feel about those? Totally fine. Really? Okay, so here's something. I thought I had a rat in my house. Ooh. Turned out it was a squirrel. I was so relieved. I was so relieved. Even though it's technically, they're both rodents, yeah. and they're both, like, not supposed to be in my house. <laughs> but I was like, oh, thank goodness it was a squirrel. It was eating my peanuts. <laughs> It was literally coming into my... Because w- I was leaving my window open in the summer, and it would come in, and it would eat 
I had like ba- I buy bag mixed nuts and dried fruit and stuff, and it came in and like tore open the bag of peanuts. What? Yeah. Wow. And just the peanuts too, not the almonds, not the cashews, none of the dried fruit. They all had the same kind of bag, and it went for the peanuts. And then I put them in like a container, and it tried. I had it like tried to go through like the Tupperware container wow. of just the peanuts. Now I had peanuts. I had regular peanuts. I also had uh, almond butter toffee, or like uh, butter toffee peanuts. Those were the ones in the container that he like tried to chew his way into. And there's all this other food around that he doesn't care about. It's just these peanuts. What? So anyway, I had to shut my window. Yeah, I had to shut my windows. There's a. It reminds me of when my son and I were in Alki Beach in Seattle. Oh, I love Alki Beach. It's fucking beautiful. Yeah, I used to walk that all the time. And we were riding bikes down there. We stopped at the beach and we're. uh, Great bike ride. Yeah, it is, man. And um, there was a like couple's lunch out okay. and their lunchbox was uh, the flap was just laid over it wasn't zipped okay. a fucking crow uh, swoops yeah. into there lifts the fucking latch uh, and I'm watching with my son crows are smart and, yeah and then pulls out the bag uh, and gets into the bag and gets carrots I'm like get out of here crow move move shoo and then I pick up the carrots and like I you know I take them throw them uh, away and then crow comes back and goes into the next bag fucking taking open these Ziploc bags. Oh, uh, yeah. Just, these guys are so intelligent. They're going for it. Yeah. I mean, that's where you gotta eat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's surprising. Squirrels like those nuts. How much animals adapt to... Um, yeah, um, humans. Yeah, the human environment. Yeah, I read this book about how plants do that, too. It was really good. It was Michael Pollan's. It was like... Shoot, I don't even remember. It was good. There was one, there's one like that on plants. Mm-hmm. Michael, P-O-L-L-A-N. I don't remember what it is. He's written a lot of like food books, oh. but this it's like about corn and how and two other crops and how they like evolved corn, apples, and I think it's weed and how they like evolved with humans <clears throat> because like we humans like these things so then they're like oh we'll be good for humans like how we co-evolved together. It's an interesting awesome. book, yeah. Uh, that's what my horticulture teacher, he, not the book. He, hmm. He, that's what he told us about weed because he thought it was funny. But he was saying that like uh, with other plants, weed is well, funny. Yeah, it is. He's <laughs> <laughs> going to it, I think. But um, that weed was one of the most intelligent plants. Yeah. Because it or is, like most evolved. Yes, and it's been uh, produced or reproduced all over the planet more than anything else, and it's the highest demanded plant. I think rice has got to be pretty high up yeah, there. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, yeah, Chinese. Like yeah, there's a lot of rice in China, yeah. Yeah, exactly. With all the rice patties. Yeah. I want to go to China. I think there'd be more than weed. Think so? Yeah. I mean, maybe weed has like a lot of very detailed genetic stuff, but I can't imagine it's more than a food crop, like the amount of money you make out of that. You'd be fucked up if it was. Like, you think of like Monsanto, they're doing it with every kind of food, right? Mm-hmm. So why would a weed be any more than anything else? You'd wheat. think the money. Wheat? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wheat. Yeah. That makes sense. That does make sense. <laughs> <laughs> Why did I jump to that? I guess corn is a flower too. Yeah, that's true. But all right, yeah, it's, a, uh, it's not really grain. wheat though. You're yeah, grain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, soybeans and oils and sugar. Sugar, yeah, yeah that's a big one. Palm sugar. And yeah. That's yeah. 
So that makes me think of... So I watched this movie Gandhi a week ago, and I wrote a bit about it, and it makes me think about Gandhi a lot recently. So one of the things he did for his fast was he wanted to... All of salt in India was owned by the British, like the rights to manufacture and also sell and harvest. It was all owned by the British. And so he decided to do this walk to the sea where then then he it was like a 20 day walk or something where he was going to walk there and then he was going to process his own salt and that was going to be a symbol to the british people the british empire like hey we're going to start doing our doing it now and he did it and then the british were just like you can have it what and i all i could think of is like how valuable is salt in india like the rights to salt in Uh india that's like a billion dollars a year, right? <laughs> to make and sell all of salt in India, like wow, they like, and they were just like, you can have it. I don't want to mess. Largest, like, I don't want to mess with Gandhi. Yeah, largest population. He walked to the. <laughs> I'm like, oh, they gave it up. I mean, I'm sure there was a lot of fight behind it, but like, mm-hmm. that's a big thing for like to give up. Yeah, like you walked all that way. Uh, uh, no, we didn't. Okay. <laughs> like, I'm gonna, I'm not listening to Gandhi here. This is a billion dollars I'm making every year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, fuck this guy. Yeah. I'm gonna step on you. Yeah, but it is interesting how big crops, like, you know, all of, all the rice in China, that's a lot of rice. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, um, how concentrated some res- some essential resources are. Oh, yeah. Within, and as we are progressing, maybe I'm naive. That it's being decentralized. In no, it is definitely true. Like, you hear about third world countries, like, not having access to water, or not having access to crops because the croplands are being used to grow, like, tobacco, or, like, you know, uh, pr- crops that aren't being used in that country. They're being sold out. They're or cash crops, right? Mm-hmm. So, I guess that makes sense. And yeah. that's been a problem for a very long time, which is, yeah. You know, and even also uh, using like people who are lower on the social hierarchy mm-hmm. to do um, what is it? Either unhealthy things physically, mm. to yeah. be able to provide for the uh, society, or um, unwanted things. Yeah, like it was against your your own. It's like who the fuck wants to you know push the button in a factory? Yeah, I mean that's. No one really pushes just a button. <laughs> that would be so... I was just thinking that would be a sweet job, well, pushing was, a button in a factory. I worked at a mint, and we minted uh, platinum, gold, silver. From, oh, yeah? Uh, yeah, straight from raw to uh, to the coins and stuff. That's cool. Yeah, well, it was a lot of fun. But we did it for the United Very States interesting. government oh, in yeah? Canada. And, um, you worked for the mint? Yeah, there's That's a interesting. job where... All you Were you the guy who like, flipped through the money? No, I, I did. I wish. I was the one who... I did handle the... What, Twenty-five million dollars in gold in a week. Wow! And I would be the project or product analyst, and I would ship and pack it and stuff too. So that I seems like it'd be heavy. Production flow. Yeah, you only got paid nine dollars an hour, but huh. uh, yeah, oh, that's interesting. Idaho, because it's seven fifty minimum wage. Oh, highest right. wage you can make in the warehouse is fourteen dollars an hour. Uh. Corporate, you can make lots of money. But um, was there's a job. Yeah. And it's where you're looking at blanks, and you have to check them for defects. So you sit on a line. And they just the same silver coins, uh-huh. like different types, different sizes and shit. Uh-huh. You watch, and you do that for twelve hours a day, uh-huh. and you do it for seven fifteen, no eight dollars an hour, uh-huh. and then you'll throw the ones that are defects. That's all you do is repeat, and you sit in one spot, and place has no window. 
So oh, like that, those man. Drugs, right? No one's How, what does your mind start to do? Fucking just go I almost want to try it just to see what it, like, how you'd go crazy. Because you're not allowed to bring anything yeah. through. Yeah, you don't, you can't distract, you You have to be focused, <laughs> you can't distract, be distracted. Mm-hmm. That's a good training and uh, focus. Yeah, like, it, it is. It'd probably be good f- training for someone who has ADD. And if you, but... It'd be really hard, but you'd be pushing yourself. You know, you'd be stretching in that direction. And see, I never thought to gamify it because if I did, yeah, it game, be, that's exactly. It, I would have to gamify it. I couldn't sit there for more than a minute without gamifying now it. Now that I think about it, is if I did, right? Because I was in that position. I was doing other. Yeah, things, yeah. But, I, but you saw that guy and thought about it. Yeah, and but now that I'm thinking about it, it could have been a tool for me now. Instead of a waste of time, I let it be a waste of time. Yeah, so yeah. Not, you know, but you ha- you have to come at it with the perspective of I'm going to learn <clears> through it, and mm-hmm. you, that's tough to come by. Like it, it most people don't think of it. And I'm fortunate enough to be at this. Now that, you can. Yeah, right now. Yeah. Yeah. And gamify um, it. But that though. But really, that game. Then you gamify it, and you're good for one hour. <laughs> it's like, it's like this is my full-time job. I don't need to be here. I, that's what I was going to say, is that I don't think you'd find someone who's willing to do that at that time and place. Like, that would be an exception. Oh, yeah. And most of the time, there's old people who are on retirement, and their retirement wasn't very much. Yeah. Even people from the Army. Oh, and yeah, then yeah. they were lower-ranking officials, so, mm-hmm. um, and didn't move up, so they're low. They only got so much. They yeah. bottom the Need a little bit extra. And, um, but... That, though, you could never pay someone a li- How could you pay someone livable wage to do a menial job like that and still have your, like, uh, not be exorbitant cost? Yeah. You'd have to pay a lot of people that much. Yeah, exactly. And then who would ever want to do that task willingly unless they're forced to by survival? Yeah. But, like, you know, I would as well as I do, that if you do something you enjoy, you're far more productive. Yeah. And so, like, if you... Beforehand, we would give that to slaves. We would give yeah, that to overseas slaves, labor. exactly. Overseas. That's what I was gonna say. Overseas labor. There is something about like, okay, well, it's minimum wage here, but if you paid someone who lived in a country where five dollars American was like five thousand dollars, then yeah, I'd do that. Mhm. But unfortunately, it goes the other way. Yeah, it goes the other way. Yeah. <laughs> it ends up being kids. just about the same. Yeah. But that's where uh, now we have technology. We have machines. Yeah, robots. And the robot thing that comes into question, too, is if you're... I and you're just replacing it. Player pianos. Yeah, new slaves, in a yeah. sense. But I'm not, I don't want to make that emotional argument, because I'm hopeful in the sense that like, the automated cars, right? With Uber. Yeah. So then it would make it accessible for almost everyone to afford transportation. Yeah. I, I think all technology forward is good. Yeah, and I, I think I would be hopeful that it eliminates the lower wage and the lower skilled jobs so that people do not have to be subjected to that for a society to move forward. Yeah. Or at least minimal, smaller than now. Like, you don't have to have a bunch of people working on iPhones in China. Mm-hmm. You can now... Get a robot to do robots. it. Yeah. yeah. Robots are the new slaves. Yeah, exactly. I like that. Yeah. I'm fine with that. And that's, but that's when we're talking about like outsourcing the crops and stuff, it's an issue that we have because, you know, what other choice would, it'd be hard to, to, to take all that away and do everything in house as a country. Yeah, I don't know enough about economics, but I actually think there's a lot of solutions that we're just not aware of mm-hmm. as like normal people. Oh, like, really? I've, I've dabbled in economics enough that I know that there's a lot of s- smart people working on it. Mm-hmm. They really? can have at it. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you know, like I, I. There's a lot of knowledge about how the economy works, mm-hmm. and they're figuring it out. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, you just learn. Time moves slow. 
Yeah, it does. But cool. it doesn't move that slow. Or like it 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 moves slow to a person living life, mm-hmm. but in the context of history, like things are going in the right directions. Yeah. I I think just in terms of humanity overall. And if not looking at like growth as an idea, mm. like is this is what growth looks like, but just movement. Yeah, okay, yeah. Change. Change, yeah. That's what I think, like, that's all that I see. I yeah. don't see, there's no regression. And even the slightest hint of regression, like you, if you could say politically, it's still change and it's still yeah, growth. Cha- it's all yeah. forward movement. Constantly. I agree. And that's what, like, technology is one good example because it's almost impossible now to be ignorant. Not, not saying, like... Oh, I, I have a lot of things to say about ignorance. I don't mean, though, like, you know, you think you know, but I mean not being exposed to... Yeah, exposure. Like, but yeah. everyone is More. everyone is ignorant in their exposure. Like, I think we all need to... You have access there. We need to recognize that ignorance is inevitable mm-hmm. and accept that and forgive it. You need to forgive your ignorance mm-hmm. because everybody is so ignorant. Like... You're, you're like the internet does increase exposure and like it allows people, especially in like small towns, to be like, hey, look at there's other perspectives out there, but there's infinite perspectives, mm-hmm. and you're getting another five and six. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, I I I don't know why this is an example I think of, but there's like there's people who know about guns, right? And they know more about guns than you'll ever know about guns, right? There's gun people, and they know so much, and then there's uh, dog people. You know, and they know all about dogs, right? And all of their life is about dogs. And these two people, they both know how to eat. You know, they both know how to sleep. And they, there's overlap. But the dog person and how much they know about guns is nothing. And the gun person, how much they know about dogs is nothing. But they also both don't know anything about, you know, quilting. I don't know why these are the three things I chose. Guns, dogs, and quilting. Guns and dogs seems like they go together well, and dogs and quilting somehow go together well, too. But, you know, we all have our areas of ignorance, and way, our areas of ignorance are infinite. Mm-hmm. And what we know is so limited. Well, isn't it acknowledging those areas of ignorance instead of, like, pretending that you have some knowledge of it? Yes. Step yeah. closer to. Yeah. No. Acknowledging that you are ignorant is good. And like not because maybe I'm taking this off too much, but like a like when you put people down for not knowing or for being ignorant. Yeah. Yeah. You I, tend to hide that ignorance. And yeah. You shouldn't shame ig- other people for being ignorant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because we all were there. Yeah. We were all ignorant of every fact that we know now. Mm-hmm. We all had to learn it. And I guess to add to the. Uh, what I'm try what I was trying to word earlier about the internet was, I meant I mean in the sense of education. So you have mm-hmm. access. You have access to it for ideas, sure. Yeah. And not I don't think socially I'm not an advocate for like yes yeah, is the tits. Yeah. It's going in that. T- I mean it. It's evol- It's changing. Yeah. Whether or not you like it or not is subjective. Yeah. No, I don't mean like that. I don't like it. I just mean that there's. Things we're having a lot of speed bumps socially, oh. and I think I, in terms of ideas, though, I, I think that's just because communicate like people are becoming aware. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Yeah, it's just awareness is expanding. I don't think the problems are any worse. That's interesting because um, when you're talking about awareness and thinking of Cosby and like Louis C.K., yeah, I, I'm not very well versed in these, and I don't like sh- I'm not shitting on anyone, uh-huh. but how there were rumors. And then now it's, they're not. Like, yeah, yeah. The tra- levels of transparency now that you're subjected to as an individual, and I know they're public figures, but I mean, if you look at like. Uh, no, that's a, that's a tr- that's fair. Yeah, 
Um, but I don't think it's like I think it's just more of it than there was. I see. You know, like there was still Woody Allen or Roman Polanski, mm-hmm. like these kinds of things happened. But I think now it's more just like everybody has a voice, so more stories are getting out. Bigger pool. Yeah, there's a bigger pool. So like, you know, it's not like the police are more racist against black people now. They're less every year, I guarantee it. Like, I don't know any stats, and so I'm making this up, but I guarantee that police officers now are less racist than they were 20 years ago. Right? (laughs) We're just more aware of it because there's more, like, everyone has a camera that can follow it, and all of a sudden it's kind of blowing up because people are trying to raise awareness about it, and they can do it successfully with the Internet. But it's not like it's worse than it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I agree with you, and that's what I mean by I don't think we're, even the things that look regressive mm-hmm. are in truth not. It's yeah, just it's just awareness. Yeah, yeah, and moving forward, and we're breathing into those areas of, you know, not. We're breathing into the knots. And like I feel, you know, before, as if extreme things happened, it was relative to your immediate community. Mm, yeah, exactly. Now it's, now it's more of a global march. perspective. And that's what I trip out about the other mentality. Do this thing with tribalism, right? Oh yeah, but and I speak out against otherism. Yeah, I, I I draw the line between American and Russians, right? Like Putin's an asshole. Mm. But um, no, yeah, I don't. I'm against nationalism. Mm-hmm. Oh, nationalism is in like I identify with my country. Is yeah. Okay. And, yeah. Um, like yeah, and I know that Russian people are cool. If I went to war with Russians, I know I'm not going to war with Russians. Yeah, I'm yeah. Going to war with Russia. Yeah, exactly. And I don't. I obviously would have never been alive before now, so I don't know if that's how it was <laughs> before then, but sometimes when I watch movies which are not really grounded in reality, mm-hmm. I kind of feel like, what is it? Was it le- do they feel like I did on as a majority? Like I need. To I think more. in the majority, it's like a bunch of farmers who all, it's just like, all right, well, you've conscripted me for your army, and then you lose, and then the other guy conscripts him for the army going the other direction. Oh, and shit. it's just like, you're just... Whatever the higher thing says to do, all right, I guess that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Like, you didn't really have choice. Oh, and okay. you were just con- like, fuck, all right, I guess our new leader's <laughs> a bad guy. <laughs> I'm fucked. Yeah, it doesn't matter who you're fighting for, you're just fighting. Sorry. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, little man's peeing 12. Oh, no, I'm just back in bed. I was going to wake up. Uh, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's interesting. Because, like, it doesn't really matter, like... Back then, they were so removed from it that it's like, oh, I'm fighting for the king who wants this. It's not. It never trickles down to them. Mm. None of the effects of the war ever trickle down. So I'm, yeah, <laughs> I'm thinking. See, I'm thinking in the context of being in a republic. Yeah. And being in yeah, and being yeah, having that. the ability to be involved politically. Yeah, and that's why it so, changed mm-hmm. when that happened. Like, like, Before you know, that, you didn't have that. How that feeling was is the difference. Because I've always wondered what it's like. Just like I wonder what it's like to be in a different culture. Oh, yeah. I wonder what it's like to be in a different time relative to or just your to society. Be one different person. Mm-hmm. I I'll, I've thought a lot that if if somebody had the minds of two people, they'd be the smartest person, no matter who those two minds were. Hmm. Like, if you're a person, if you could have two people's perspectives at once, then you'd be the smartest person, no matter who those two people were. Yeah. You'd almost I have no proof for anything beyond that, but I like to think that's true. You know, we should find <laughs> someone that has, like, multiple personality disorders. 
Well, I, I, the best example I have is from, like, in Greek mythology, mm -hmm. the, like, wisest person, Tiresias. He was, like, the wise old man prophet-type character. And he was a man, and then he was a woman. Like, there was, like, some kind of magic thing happened, and it transformed, so he was... So he got to... He had the knowledge of both sexes. He got to be a man and a woman. Whoa. And so they were like, oh, he's the smartest one because he knows both perspectives. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, that's kind of... I like that. Yeah. I do. I like that a lot. And that He ended up being a man at the end. Really? I think he was also snakes at one point, too. <laughs> <laughs> so he'd been around the block. Like a snake in the grass. Yeah, he knew what was up. This guy, feminist. Tiresias. Wise old Tiresias. That's yeah. interesting. They, and that always... I don't know, that makes me relate to doing things that are, like, uncomfortable or not of my nature. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, not of your nature. Yeah, yeah that's like, a good way to put it. I like writing. Um, okay, I should take some time to paint. Uh, yeah, yeah. Try stuff. to sing or yeah, yeah. ice skate. Mm -hmm. Not do fucking. This is weird, but my when I was uh, majoring in computer programming. Oh yeah. They didn't have me require me to do PE to get my degree. Right? Oh okay. So then I switched my major to creative writing. Uh huh. I'm required to do PE. <laughs> that's a <laughs> yeah. That's a funny one. No, I know why it is though, because there's because. Some degrees are actually harder than others. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, like, math and science ones, like, in order to fill it in four years, you have to, like, actually take all math and science classes. Oh, and yeah. other ones, it's like, eh, you didn't learn how to do this. Who cares? You can take a PE class instead. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. I no, thought, yeah. I thought that was a crippled dumbass or intelligent person. No, it's because engineering classes, like, a lot of schools, you have to go five years. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just that's how many classes there are to know the amount of stuff that's required. That's why I turned around. Yeah, math. Yeah, engineering classes. You actually have to learn yeah, like a lot more stuff. Seventy-five out of ninety-two credits. Yeah, you have to take more credits too to get. They said you have five engineering consecutive. Consecutive. Um, what do you call it? Five Life sentences. Courses. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> of math to take. Yeah, exactly. Before we can graduate, and I'm like, I gotta do five fucking quarters. Yeah. That's a long time, and I've done two years or. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I went to Creative Writing, and they're like, oh, yeah, you're done with this. Oh, yeah, because, yeah, <laughs> yeah be, I think that's a problem with schools is that all degrees are this, like, there's a BA, there's, you know, there's, it's not as segmented, like, you do have to learn more to get a different kind of degree. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, it's not, yeah, I think there should be three-year degrees, two-year degrees, four or five, you know, and it should be based on, well, I don't know, there's a lot of revision to academia That's that I have, like but certificates there's a problem with it. And doing, like, uh, online, um, the either free education, free education or the uh, paid, you know, like, fucking by class thing, like, oh, capacity yeah. and stuff. Yeah, and I like that stuff, too. I find that, like... Khan Academy. Yeah. And doing, uh, if I can prove, have a proof of my understanding, mm -hmm. it's just as valuable as having a degree in a lot of ways. And I, if not more valuable, actually. It's a different kind of value. Yeah. I, I agree. I um, depends what you're using it for. Like, marketability. It's diff marketable for different people. Yeah. Um, because there is, like, having a degree is, like, it's a proof of diligence, mm -hmm. like, beyond even just anything of what you learned. It's like, mm -hmm. I stuck to it, and I did it all the way through. And that's what people would tell me as employers sometimes. Yeah. When I was younger, now that you're kind of, you know, bringing it up, is that it's diligence. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's the most lucrative thing. Yeah. yeah. Diligence. 
diligence. I wish I'd known that younger. <laughs> I, would, I wish I would have too. I was way, I was undiligent. I was like the least diligent. But making things though. Um, that I was alright, diligent. That are entertaining that pertain to that, to like what you wish you would have known, uh, would be useful for kids. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing that I've geeked useful out for about kids. is that like I wish I would have known that. Yeah. And that was my whole thing. Now like, you got to teach it to like, kids. Yeah, if I can help Yeah, I'm not going to Yeah, if I can teach them with my comedy these lessons, <laughs> then I'm wasting my time with these adults at the bar. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, these kids can't this get investment, drunk. this investment is it can happen younger. Dude, the hecklers. Think of it. Uh, I I've thought about shit. it a lot. I really want to do a kids just you like, get like an, a diaper thrown at you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but kid heckling would be very genuine. It would. You know, they'd have like a genuine question. Like, I think they would la- They would like my chair thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, I've told it to kids, but I think on stage it would work well too in front of kids. Like, they wouldn't heckle it. They'd be like, well, "That's." Si-. I could hear him say, "Say that's silly." <laughs> it is yeah. silly. I, I don't know what it is. Like a, a room of kids laughing. Like. Yeah. <laughs> that, that would be. A, cool, yeah, man. that would be awesome. <laughs> Like, I think it'd be cool to perform for an elementary school or something like that. That would be so cool. Yeah. I mean, I know they have assemblies. Yeah. But nobody, like, there was never a stand-up comedian who came (laughs) to the elementary school. (laughs) I mean, you probably could pitch it. Yeah. Can you call principals? Yo, what's good? (laughs) Principal. No, what you have to do is you have to know somebody who works in the school and then have them vouch for you. (laughs) That would be so... This guy is not going to tell shit jokes. Yeah, because, like, they have assemblies and they're mostly just bullshit, you know, elementary school assemblies. They can fit in a five-minute stand-up if I really want to do it. uh, They have, like, a... they have a certain amount of funds to dedicate towards, like... Yeah, I mean, I'd do it for free. Yeah, exactly. That's, but that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. offer it for free. I'm, I'm They'd sure be like, I got entertainment for these kids for five minutes. All the teachers would be like, take a fuck, yeah. please, five minutes, anything. <laughs> Especially, like, fucking the younger age, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. I realize, like, kindergarten teachers and, like, older, mm-hmm. like, fifth, fuck, they're, ba- they're kind of babysitting. They're yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. yeah, it's like my mom just this year, she became an elementary school librarian. Did she? Yeah, and oh. she says in kindergarten, they don't have, they can't read yet. Mm-hmm. So she, she's like, well, what do I do? And they're like, so she taught him how to look at a book. <laughs> you gotta learn how to like open it up and not tear the pages and like they go left to right and then there's a cover <laughs> i'm like all right well <laughs> you gotta, start gotta start at the bottom i guess <laughs> how to look at a book and then you teach them left to right not top yeah. to bottom well and then she actually told me something that i'd never heard the term before but she said there's a decent amount of kids who are literacy they don't have they have no literacy exposure like beyond not being able to read or write they don't even know about reading and writing whoa like they've never been read to you need like yeah. i can kind of imagine like i don't really know where the limitations of non-exposure like you have to have seen words around mm-hmm. but to not recognize that like someone is reading words like, these words are actually a message. They're just markings on a thing. Mm-hmm. If you've never seen anyone read, like, translate the letters into words, then you'd never know. Mm-hmm. And so there's kids who they've never seen anyone read and turn it into language. So, so that's a lot of... There's parents that I've met 
Mm-hmm. Well, and even being as a kid myself, yeah, and as an adult watching parents and how they treat their children, where everything's nonverbal. Yeah, and I've dude, I've seen kids where like I know five year olds that are uh, in in Idaho, anyways, and I'm mm-hmm. not shitting on Idaho. I mean, yeah, it's just, it's just a your specific situation. There's um, I know kids like they're still in diapers when they're seven. Mm. Six. Yeah. Because they were they never, never, really never like, trained no not to. They yeah. were never potty trained. Exactly. And like when uh, people someone like, has to train them, sit them in front of the TV. And I'm not saying this like oh TV. It's yeah, just, yeah. It's another instance. It's a way to do it. Was like and not even the same parent mm. or anything. Like this is hard. So then they they use points of distraction. They don't yeah. have yeah, actual th- conversations. And like I don't know if this is. Just it happens a, a lot. Yeah, and I don't, and I don't know if that's a thing of today or if it's just a different version of what it's always been. Yeah. Like, um, when I think the TV is easy, and they didn't have it back then. But yeah, maybe they were just like stare at a wall. Yeah, or or do work. (laughs) Yeah, or fucking you know turn this thread into yarn. I, I talked to my mom, and she says that she's never had conversations with her mom like her and I have conversations. Like oh, talking about life interesting, yeah. Thoughts. And then there's other people that I meet where, like, I'm very self-analytical, mm-hmm. um, and I think about things a lot. I like mm-hmm. thinking about it. And it is fun. Too. Yeah, yeah. And they're my like, brain likes to think, and I like my brain, so I try to think as much as I can. Exactly. Like, spin a good yarn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and some people that I meet are like, what? Like, they don't go down those roads. Yeah, they exactly. They don't think too much about something. Or yeah. Like, that's fucking foreign to me. I yeah, it is understand. to me too. But that's when I'm. The but I see how it happens. Yeah, I do too. Like I don't understand what it is like to be in that situation, mm-hmm. but I can see a clear line of going there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I know like, how to. I'll, I don't want that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's non-verbal. Those were like. Luckily, those I'm people probably good. aren't listening and being offended right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Um, Not to pander to the audience and yeah. be like, oh, you're smart, though, you people listening. Yeah. <laughs> I love you! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it is. There are people that... There's a lot of types of people out there. Yeah, there, there are a lot of types of people out there. But I forgive them all for not being as great as me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, That's not how forgiveness works. I, I think, though, like, you know, it's really hard because of the expectations and the demands on us from day to day. Mm-hmm. And the fact that our education yeah. system of our entire culture no, is yeah. founded around um, specialized skills of math and English and there is no, or very little representation. I know this goes into like the state teaching you, but there's no, very little I representation. No, I know a lot like about it. Interpersonal skills. That's so. my. Uh, so like, I think the term conspiracy theorist mm-hmm. is like kind of a bad term because then if it's a conspiracy, you're already discounting it. Yeah. And I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but there's a conspiracy theory I have that I haven't really heard around, but it's a big one, and I'd like to tell it to you. Yes. All right. So. Back in, like, the 1920s, when, like, Rockefeller and Carnegie and Mellon and these guys were, like, the big industrialists, they owned all the money, um, they had this idea that, at the time, all school ho- all schools were just, like, one-room schoolhouses, the grassroots education, it was just like, hey, let's start a school in our town, there was no unified system. And so what they said was, we're going to create the we're going to create this system. It's a pension for all teachers, and we're going to give all teachers a pension, but you have to teach our curriculum. And so they created this board that created the foundations of 
our modern day curriculum and their motivations that's where the conspiracy theory can really get super conspiracy theory is what what kind of curriculum were they trying to design because everybody bought into it nobody there was no school in america who was like eh, i'm not gonna there's no teachers like i'm not gonna have a pension instead i'm gonna teach what i love because what they they didn't have any passion like there's no reason they were teaching what they were teaching instead of something else I mean, maybe they had a little bit of passion behind it, but not more than money. Mm-hmm. So all the schools bought into this whatever curriculum system that they set up. The, I can see that in the sense that, like, even looking outside of, like, is someone seeing an opportunity and capitalizing on an opportunity? Mm-hmm. I can see that because that would be seductive to me. Yeah. And you'd also look at Bill Gates. And he had, yeah, he, he's he, doing it very altruistically. Exactly, but but he's doing it. And it, it's being, it's accepted. Yeah. Like, and it's not thought twice. Yeah, yeah. And, and he could be evil, and it, we don't know. <laughs> but if it's not thought twice. If people don't think twice of it, some people. Yeah, if people right now aren't it. thinking twice. Yeah. Back then, it could just as easily. And we know those guys were bad guys. Because <laughs> they're bad, the good, or the evil. That's like something that that's a, that's subjective a, too. Exactly, and that's a criticism in hindsight. And but in the process of it. You know, um, if it could happen with Bill Gates, mm-hmm. I definitely can see it happening then. And yeah. I don't see it as absurd as in like some evil mastermind. Yeah. I see it as like, oh, opportunity. Capitalism. Yeah, exactly. Or I, or even. And so then it's like, okay, well, what kind of people do I want to create with this curriculum? Mm-hmm. Oh, let's make a bunch of boxes that'll all buy my oil mm-hmm. without thinking twice. Yeah. You know, so that's where that goes. And I don't know how much I like how exacting they could even do that but i mean a lot of the basics of how our school system are are like based around that and it was also based around um the industrial life right where you have to yeah to make an hours you have a lunch time you have a uh, two 15 minute break exactly and then all of it you have to sit at a desk you have to do things that are um irrelevant to how we actually operate and you have to conform to these you know this rigid system Mm -hmm. and um, what do you call it? And that makes sense. Like in the industrial revolution of yeah. like in the culture of like believing that your you know industry or whatever is the forefront of humanity. Mm. And of course, I'm going a little deeper on that. But no, no, it's in that area though. Like your context then, I would imagine would be this is the pinnacle of civilization. So I'm supporting the pinnacle of civilization. And that's yeah. what I mean. Like yeah. no evil genius. I mean like that makes sense. You could missile or in a retarded way think you're doing like doing good. Good for the yeah. Guy. You're like I'm. So here's the here's the other like part and parcel example is Carnegie Dale Carnegie or not Dale Carnegie whoever Carnegie Mellon. Mm-hmm. whatever what's his name carnegie anyway carnegie he uh there's these carnegie libraries in america he donated like a thousand libraries to the country and he doubled the amount of more than doubled the amount of libraries in america like if you look at all the libraries in america right now more than half of them are these libraries that he created and he created this trust that they would exist forever and so he gave libraries to all these cities I get to decide what books are in it. Right? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Right? Yeah, that's fucking crazy. Okay, so then, you know, he's trying to be a good, moral, upstanding citizen, right? Whatever his moral beliefs are. You know, maybe that's not what mine are. And now I can never have my beliefs because I don't have the books to ever learn them. Wow. 
<laughs> right? Wow. And yeah. so, I mean, you can go around and find a Carnegie Library. They they're all over the I place. I think of Carnegie Hall for some reason. Too. Yeah, Carnegie Hall. He's the yeah he's the fucking billionaire from back in the day. That almost uh, I like to name drop. I guess our founding fathers mm-hmm. with the foresight of there is no everyone is fallible. Yeah, everyone is fallible. Yeah. Power corrupts. Thank you guys for listening. If you want to check out James's social media, you can find the link to it in the show notes. Go check him out at his show in Bellingham. And if you don't live in Washington or in Seattle, well, that's exactly why you should come here. It's a beautiful place. Trust me. I'll lure you in. <laughs> James was a lot of fun. He taught me a lot of things in this uh, conversation. Give me a lot of um, insights, and I want to read more about uh, Nietzsche, and I think that's how you say that, and uh, William James about uh, psychology. I was excited to find someone to relate to on like child psychology and stuff. It's something that I've geeked out on for a very long time, and yeah, and Bill Cosby. I've never watched any of his stand-up, but... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check it out with my son. That'll be exciting. James is really cool, and I look forward to getting to know him more. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And and I don't mean to shit on um, people who, who do, like, manual labor and find the joy in manual labor. There is no hierarchy. It's just pleasure, you know? It's just fun. Enjoy yourself. That's the only thing that I, like, I urge. That's the only thing that I... I don't think anything's right, necessarily, but the most important thing is finding your joy and just, you know, pushing for that shit. It doesn't fucking matter what it is, as long as it doesn't hurt people. Maybe it does, though. Maybe you're like a... Fucking... Massage therapist, you give them a little bit of, a little pain. <laughs> or maybe you're a, a personal trainer, cause a little pain, but not destructive. And find whatever you like. That's the biggest thing I hit home with me with James, which is being you. And doing whatever you can to express who you are clearly, without any filters, or with the appropriate filters, maybe. I don't know. He's a cool dude. I hope you guys enjoy this song by the Living Arrows called I Am Not My Thoughts. Go check them out on social media and Bandcamp. The Living Arrows. Can't spell it? Shit. Look it up. <laughs> and if you'd like to support the show, go to our Amazon affiliate link. You can buy blow-up dolls, a fucking mattress. You probably buy everything you need to get your life together. I don't know. There's stuff on there. It doesn't cost any extra to you to go to our affiliates link. <clears throat> and we just get a little money from Amazon. And the biggest help that you can do for the show, aside from giving us your time, is to rate, review, and share on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever there's a box to write random shit. Just do it, do it, do it, and I'll love you forever. You feed my son. Okay, maybe not feed my son, but you'll get him snacks. 
So